There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, hey, Waffle Gang, I do hope you're well. My name is Mark, of course, and welcome to the Boxing Day compilation video. As I said, on Christmas Day, we're just doing a couple of videos to tide you over whilst you're doing your food prep or whatever you're doing today. Like I said yesterday, and probably today as well, I'm probably sat in a corner somewhere stuffing my face with mince pies and various bits of food. So I've picked out some stories throughout the year that have been some some controversial ones, have been some of the popular ones as well as some maybe not so popular that you may not have heard before. I know many of you have listened to every single story though. <laughs> anyway, let's crack on with it. I hope you have a lovely day today. I wish you all the best to you and your family. Much love to you. Now, today's first story comes from SOTB1234 and says, I, 24 female, found out that my husband, 35 male, made a disgusting bet with his friends when he met me, and now I can't see him the same way. He, 35 male, is friends with my 24 female stepbrother, 36 male, since they were in college. And to be honest, they were always respectful to me, and I never knew they were bad enough to do what they did to me. I thought they respected me for being their friend's younger sister, but I was wrong. To put you in context, their group of friends dissolved when they grew up and followed different paths, and a few days ago they decided to meet again. Well, that meeting was held at my house, and at one point during dinner, one of his friends started saying things like, He, my husband, was very lucky that our thing worked out, and when he said that, some laughed and my stepbrother and my husband got very nervous, so I asked what he was talking about. And when my husband tried to shut him up, I knew something was wrong, so I asked the same thing again. He told me that when my stepbrother introduced us, he told them that I was really arrogant and a loser and that I needed someone to teach me a lesson. And I admit, I was very arrogant. I used to be annoying because I thought that no one was smarter than me and that they were all idiots. Well, they, except my stepbrother, decided to bet to see who would get who would get to sleep with me first. Evidently, it was my husband and we've been together ever since. This happened six years ago. And I would feel less hurt if he had always been an asshole because it would have been my fault for falling in love with someone like that. But he was always so sweet and cute to me since we started talking that I would never have thought that he was making fun of me behind my back. When his friends said that, everyone shut up because my face said it all. I got so pissed off that I just laughed and went to our room. My husband followed me and began to swear to me that he is no longer like that, that he loves me and that he regrets what an asshole he was before he met me. And even though we talked a lot and tried to forgive him, I can't look at him the same way. This morning, he went to my appointment with the doctor because I am pregnant. And when he cried when he saw our baby, I was disgusted because I don't know if he is being sincere or not. I don't know when I'll trust him again, but I want to do it, but I can't. Does that even make sense? Could things go back to the way they were before this mess? So this group of nearly 30-year-olds at the time made this bet to sleep with you, 18 
the time to teach you a lesson. Ugh. And I couldn't help but think that the very foundations of your relationship, how it started, was built on the back of this bet from his side. And to this day, they're still joking about it behind your back, openly in front of you. But we're starting the comments with Soph Lurk, who says a bunch of 29-year-olds make a bet to have sex with and humiliate an 18-year-old in order to put her in her place. That is extremely disgusting. They're a bunch of predators, your stepbrother included, for being friends with these kinds of people. Tired in short says, I hate to be the one to say it, but I find it super weird that a bunch of 29-year-olds would make a bet about sleeping with an 18-year-old and teach her a lesson. Super, super weird. That's extremely immature and disgusting behavior for very full adults. How dare they call you the one who needed to be taught a lesson? If anything, they needed to be taught a lesson. Your stepbrother is pretty vile too for not stopping that bet. Dilaria says, So, once the 29-year-old man slept with you, the 18-year-old, as part of a bet, he also then helped you become not so annoying. And in quotes, and I admit I was very arrogant. And then says, Girl, he fucked you for a bet. And then it sounds like he helped change your personality too, because he was grooming you to be a good little wifey. Even now, you still want to trust him. You can't, nor should you ever trust him again. He lied to you for six years. Damn, I gotta just say, says, so a 29-year-old man seduced an 18-year-old girl on a bet, but he's such a lovely guy. Gross. So, so gross. And your stepbrother is complicit in this. Fucking gross. This whole situation has my skin crawling. That's so predatory. I wouldn't want to be anywhere near someone who could do that or thought it was okay. All the people who knew about this bet are scummy, including and especially your scummy husband and stepbrother. OP, you're having a baby. How would you feel if it's a girl and when she's 18, some 29-year-old guy seduces her to teach her a lesson? You're right to be disgusted. You should probably be even more disgusted than you are. One more comment from Lecor who says, So you found out that a group of men who were just on the sunny side of 30 took a bet to see who would get to fuck the arrogance out of a teenaged girl. And the guy from that group who won is your husband and you were the girl. Jesus Christ. I'm so sorry, OP. What a shocking thing to find out. And yes, it is a huge betrayal, especially considering it's clear he never had any intention of telling you the truth which in my opinion, he should have done far before things got serious if he cared about you. Please consider counseling for yourself and take your time to decide whether the relationship is worth salvaging. You deserve to do what's best for you. And if you reach the point where you are sure your trust is irrevocably broken, it's totally understandable. So OP created another post in between the first post and the update, which we'll cover in a second. And it was titled, Am I the arsehole for forcing my husband to celebrate his birthday only with me? because I don't like his family. And it started off with an edit talking about the previous post. And a few weeks ago, I found out about a horrible bet that he made with his friends about me before we started dating. And it was not easy to forgive him. So I told him that I would forgive him if he didn't invite his family. That's why I said I forced him in the title. And then continues. The thing is, my 24 female husband, 36 male, comes from a family that really doesn't know what boundaries are. Ever since they found out I'm pregnant, they tell me what to eat, what to wear, how to act, etc. I can't stand them anymore. I tried a thousand times to like them, but I can't. They are really overwhelming. I'm about to give birth and I just want peace. And I know that with them, that is impossible. 
So I asked my husband to go to a restaurant to celebrate his birthday because I wanted to be at peace at home. He refused because he said he wanted to stay with me. I told him not to invite his family then because they get on my nerves. And at first, he didn't like the idea so much because he never celebrated a birthday party without his family. But then he accepted. So we celebrated just the two of us at our house. And of course, his family got mad at us. Especially me because they know it was me who didn't want them to come. But I don't regret the decision I made because it's the first time in six years that I've dared to face them and tell them not to do something I don't like. So... Am I the arsehole? And basically, everyone in the comments on that post was asking about what the bet was and when they found out and the the ages, etc. It was like, what the hell? You need to get out of that situation, basically. So OP comes in with another update, which, which was related to the first post and says, On my first post, I, 24 female, got a lot of nice comments and even messages, so I thought it would be a good idea to post an update. After I found out about the bet, we had so many fights that we thought it was the end of our marriage and decided to start couple therapy hoping for the best and thanks to that, we were able to move on. He, 36 male, apologized many times and we had many long talks on this matter, but today I can say that everything is in the past. Today, we have a beautiful seven-month-old baby girl and I am five months pregnant and to be honest, I have never been happier. Of course, there are days when I think about what he did, but then I think about the present and what he is today, and I forget about everything because the truth is that he is another person now. Well, he was never really mean to me because from the moment we started talking, he was always caring and sweet. Only now I know that everything is genuine and he's not faking it. Although according to him, he never faked anything because he liked me a lot when he knew me intimately. I don't think our marriage is perfect because from time to time we have fights, but for that reason, we are still working on our relationship because we love each other and we want this to work and we want to grow all together. So that's all. There isn't much more to say. Thank you for your kind comments and messages. And I think the key word that jumped out of that update in the comments was yikes. It was said a few times in there. A couple of comments saying if he genuinely only cared about the bet, he would never have stuck around and things like that. But yeah. What do you guys make of this situation let me know your thoughts down in the comments below and let's move on to another story and our next story does come with an update as well from okfig5320 and says is my husband still in love with his ex my husband male 38 and i female 30 met four years ago and now we have a two-year-old son before me he was married to jane female 40 ish My husband never talked about her, neither good or bad. I found out from my sister-in-law, female 30, that Jane didn't want children and that it was my husband who broke up with her. They were married for over 10 years. We were taking a walk down the park with our son yesterday and my husband froze in his track and I looked over and recognized Jane immediately. She was heavily pregnant. She smiled and walked over and said hi. My husband didn't even say hi back, just asked, what is this? Pointing at her belly. She hugged her belly and said, yeah, it just happened, but her smile vanished mid-sentence and she looked sheepish and apologetic. He just looked at her and she shook my hand and said hi to me and our son. Then she stroked my husband's arm and said she was sorry. It just happened and he just pulled his arm away. She said sorry again and he just started walking, leaving me and my son. I didn't say anything to her and just walked after him. When we got home, he looked her up and found her baby daddy. Since yesterday, my husband has been distant and silent, and I caught him crying in the shower this morning. 
I don't know what to think. I asked him if he wants to talk, but he just shakes his head. I talked to my sister-in-law and she came to visit within an hour and she had the same look Jane had, a guilty smile. She went to his office and I heard him cry. Before she left, she said that he loved me and to give him time. I don't know what to feel. I have a big, heavy lump in my stomach right now. And in your title, you asked, is my husband still in love with his ex? And I'm not sure if I actually felt that as I was reading the story. You said that they were married for over 10 years and your husband broke up with her because he wanted kids and and she didn't at that time. I can only picture this as being like overwhelmed when seeing your ex pregnant and the reason that you broke your marriage up is because you wanted children. So I can imagine, you know, just being overwhelmed with feelings, etc. Maybe some feelings of inadequacy and, and stuff like that. I think potentially a proper asking to having a sit down talk and asking what's going on and some professional help at the same time is going to be the way forward here. From what I read, it certainly didn't feel like he's in love with his ex, but but who knows, sometimes these stories surprise me. But MY says, I doubt he's in love with her, especially if he hasn't given you any reason to think that since you've been together. Now, what he is most likely feeling? Why wasn't I good enough for her? What about me compared to this new guy was different enough for her to want a child with him and not me? I'd akin it to more like finding out someone less qualified got the damn job you always wanted. No love per se, just a feeling of inadequacy. Adventurous Sand says no. I don't think he is still in love with her based on the information you've shared. What is likely happening is he's compartmentalized the end of his marriage as we wanted different things and grew in different directions, but finds out that she is now living the life he wanted. He wanted to build a family and she told him she did not, so he moved on. But now she is building a family, so the only conclusion is she did not want to build a family with him. It's the Harry and Sally moment when she broke up with her boyfriend of 10 years because she didn't want married and she did and finds out is now getting married she doesn't want him back but is so upset because what's wrong with me it's a shock this doesn't take away the hurt in watching your husband and love of your life crying over an ex you're entitled to feel all the feelings over that it doesn't mean he does not love you and and love his son or regrets the life he is building with you talk to him take the time you need and then talk to him yeah and i think you know seeing your husband or or wife crying over one of their exes would be pretty would be a pretty shocking and upsetting thing to see i think and i think i'd find i'd certainly find myself that way as well all productivity only says no he had to end the 10-year relationship and it was probably heartbreaking but he did it because he wanted kids now she has kids so he probably feels inadequate and like he wasn't good enough if he so desperately wanted children and it was a deal breaker because she didn't only to see her have a child I can totally understand him being torn apart by this information. That's nothing to do with still being in love in my opinion. And whilst I sympathize with you, because you probably feel like he's crying over another woman, and I understand that hurting, I don't feel that, respectively, you should make this about you. Give him some time. He's essentially grieving a decade lost to somebody that didn't feel he's good enough in his head. And one more comment from Background World who says, I get what most people are saying, but it's the way he's treating you that I'm not okay with. His sister shouldn't be the one telling you that he loves you and to be patient. That should be him. He has a wife and child. I'm sorry, but that needs to come first. Shutting your current family out is only going to create more unneeded trauma and chaos. A mind can make up all kinds of scenarios when you've been shut out and have no other info. Adding that he's distant and pushing you away, which isn't normal, raises my eyebrows and I've been married for 20 years. 
So OP does update their post and said, hi, thank you everyone for the continued support. I really appreciate you who took my side and stayed in touch, messaging me for news. We'll go right into it because I feel that I need to talk, but at the same time, I have no energy to write, if that makes sense. Jane gave birth to a baby a few days ago. I didn't know that before today, but apparently my husband has known it because he's been texting his sister non-stop. Apparently, a family member of Jane or a partner shared a picture of the baby girl and my husband saw it. It blocked Jane, so it wasn't her. My husband took a screenshot of that post and sent it to his sister, telling her the baby looked like Jane. Now she looked like what he pictured his daughter with her to look like. His sister was comforting him, saying that he should block everyone or just delete his socials before he ruined his life and family. Forget her. You have your own beautiful family now. I can't. This morning, my husband told me he wanted a divorce. He said that he couldn't do this anymore and that he wanted to be alone. This is not fair to you and your son. I was numb and didn't even cry. I was planning on taking a walk with my son anyway, so I did just that. That's when I logged into his account and read his messages with his sister and found out about Jane and her baby. He still has Jane blocked on Facebook and hasn't talked to her since that day he apologized. When I got home, he was cleaning the house and he packed a small bag and he said he was going away for a while, then moving in with his parents. He said he needed therapy and to live by himself for a while. I didn't say anything. I need a good cry now. I can't believe how my life has turned upside down in a matter of weeks. I would never have thought my husband not being in love with me if you asked me months ago. I would say you are mad. When he left, I couldn't help but text him. If you see me happy and pregnant in a few years, please don't come over and say hi. He didn't answer. Fuck. I am sorry you were going through that, OP. That is absolutely heartbreaking when he said you and your son. OP left a couple of comments below that. Someone asked about any good news yet. OP said no good news. Sister-in-law told me to wash my hands of him. He's taken a sick leave and left for a five-week fitness retreat in Spain. I got the divorce papers and email from his lawyer. He's leaving me the house and our money and savings. Who has kept his word at least. My lawyer will go over the details before I sign. And it will take a one to two years until it's finalized because we have a child together. He doesn't want shared custody of our son, but there was nothing about giving up his parental rights. Someone asks about child support and OP says yes, he will pay child support because he doesn't want custody. When he takes custody to in the future, sister-in-law suspects he'll eventually be able to take care of our child, then he won't pay child support but have shared custody. And personally, I just don't see how a fitness retreat is going to help this guy at all. And look, I'm not defending his actions in any way, shape or form, but he needs therapy, not a fitness retreat. And I just can't help but think about how one day in the future he's going to turn around and regret his actions. You know, there's a possibility, there's a possibility he won't, but what an incredibly messed up situation. And again, I'm incredibly sorry that you and your son are going through that. And our next story is from Am I the Arsehole Wedding Lashes and says, Am I the Arsehole for not paying for my friend's eyelash extensions for her wedding? <laughs> Obligatory throwaway account. My 26 female best friend, 25 female, I call her Callie, is getting married in a week and I'm one of her bridesmaids while our other best friend, 26 female, I call her Sam, is the maid of honor. They are my best friends and have been through literally everything in my life with me. I can't say Callie has been a bridezilla by any means, but she does have a very specific look in mind for her special day. 
I was told I needed to strip all of the color out of my hair. It was blue and is now a chestnut brown. I had to get new foundation to cover my tattoos as well as shapewear. I did all of this because it's her day. It's not hard to re-dye my hair after or put foundation on my tattoos. The actual problem happened yesterday. Callie made an appointment for her, Sam and I to get eyelash extensions because it will make the day easier. Less makeup to worry about and we all suck at putting on falsies. Callie had asked all of the bridal party if we wanted to go and only Sam and I said yes. Put it frankly, all of Callie's savings and money is going to the wedding so she is currently low on funds to an extent and Sam has never exactly been good at saving money. Meanwhile, I'm decent enough that I have some savings set aside and a low budget specifically for this wedding. I figured Callie had put aside money for these extensions and didn't think about it past my money. As we were checking out with our lash girl, I paid for mine and Sam paid for hers, but Callie just stood there looking at me. I asked her what was up and she just said, waiting for me. I asked her what she meant and that we should hurry because we had a lunch to get to. She said she couldn't pay for her lashes and that she thought I knew I would be paying for them. I said that I was not aware and I should have been told beforehand because I couldn't tell sets of $200 lashes. She said she assumed I would just know because of how much money had already gone into the wedding and Sam obviously couldn't pay for it. I said I would not be doing that because I simply could not afford it. If this had taken place before next week, it would have been more likely, but I can't now. She started raising her voice and dug out her wallet and paid with her credit card. Sam pulled me aside and said that it was shitty of me to do and not pay. And I knew what this wedding meant to Callie. I said if it meant that much, why didn't Sam just pay then? I was told by both of them that maybe it was best if I just didn't go to lunch and that they would talk to me in a couple of days. I know that this wedding means a lot to Callie. She has always wanted to be married, but I don't think it's fair of her to assume I would pay for extensions just because she stretched her budget thin. However, if I'm in the wrong, I will find a way to make up for this. Pay her back or something. So Reddit, am I the arsehole? You said at the start of this post, this is your best friend. I can honestly say, best friends don't treat you like this. And you went over and beyond changing your appearance for her special day. You said she hasn't been a bridezilla, but holy shit. I personally, I would have been checking out that wedding when she tried to cover up your tattoos with foundation and shapewear as well. And in all honesty, and it might be wrong, it just feels like you're being, the way the story read, that you're being used for money here. You were unaware about, about them expecting you to pay for these lashes. And like you said, Sam obviously couldn't pay for it. And then has the bloody cheek to pull you to the side and said it was a shitty thing for you to do. Cheeky bastard. And I guarantee... I guarantee if you went to that lunch, which you was disinvited from, that you would be expected to have paid for that as well. Absolutely not the arsehole in this situation. But a piece of eight says not the arsehole. No one informed you about it in advance. And even if they had, it's not on you to pay for the bride's hair and makeup type things. Traditionally, the bride pays for that sort of thing for the bridesmaid. Not your fault. She's spending more than she'd like. Space Jesus is here. <laughs> Name. Not the arsehole. People who demand you change your appearance and who feel entitled to your money, especially without discussion, aren't your friends. Friends respect each other. Want proof she's not your friend? Tell your friend that you will not be paying any more money than has already been agreed upon. No more. 
And see if she says, okay, just glad to have you there on my special day. You've already spent so much. Or will she say, you're ruining my special day and lay on a guilt trip about how you are a bad friend? OP says, I didn't mind changing my hair. It's just hair in my opinion. and I already have an appointment set up for October to get it redone and my tattoos. It's just foundation. But this just seems ridiculous to me. And for Sam to also think it's fine. And Coldview says not the arsehole. Clearly, Callie is overwhelmed and embarrassed by the reality of her own poor planning and budget constraints. Honestly, OP, it sounds like Callie and Sam are pretty comfortable with you paying to cover their budgetary gaps. Wouldn't be surprised if they habitually discuss your finances and share resentment of their lack thereof. Would also assume there may be more hidden expenses they are relying on you to pay for before this wedding. You should speak to them both candidly about any other expectations they have regarding payments and gifts for the wedding and prep. It's easy for people who are financially and emotionally immature to take advantage of a friend who is better off than them if you don't set clear and vocal boundaries. I've had hard discussions with friends about what I was willing to bring to our relationship. Love, friendship, emotional support, time commitment, what I was not willing to bring. Money, my personal property. I think the larger concern should be the physical changes Callie has asked you to make. It's always a red flag when bridesmaids demand her friends physically conform or micromanages every aspect of your appearance. And insulting. A friend should find you beautiful as you are and enjoy your presence on their special day without a checklist to physical modifications to match an image. This kind of seems like Callie is compensating for some other areas of insecurity that she can't or won't control. Just get through the wedding with your own finances locked down then take some time to consider what you invest in this relationship and what you receive in return. It's okay to outgrow relationships and let people go when you're no longer on the same wavelength. Good luck and hopefully you can get back to rocking fun hair colors and awesome tats. OP says, not like I make a lot more than them. In fact, I make less than both of them. Sam just has a habit of buying anything and everything that she wants and needs without thinking about how much money she actually has. Callie had a decent budget for this whole thing. I don't know what happened. I don't want to believe that they're using me for my money during all this, but all these comments are definitely making me question some stuff. As for the physical changes, I can understand a lot of it. I'm the one with tattoos in the party, and they're fairly big and a lot of color. My hair is just hair. So OP does update the post and said, Hi all. First, I want to say thank you to everyone who commented on my original post and got me to finally open my eyes to how my friends have been treating me. I took a couple of days after posting to think about how I wanted to proceed and I took a chance and text Callie and Sam asking if we could meet up. They agreed and we went to a coffee shop. As soon as I got there they were both there and, and were whispering about something and as soon as they saw me they stopped. In that moment I realized that's how they've always been. I joined at the hip whispering together and, st and stopping when I walk in. Never taking me seriously and it was like a switch flipped in that moment. I stopped caring. After getting my coffee, I sat down and we kind of just stared at each other before I finally asked if either of them felt bad about how they treated me. They both seemed surprised and asked how I got to that conclusion. I said that I had time to think it over and while I felt bad that Callie had been having to dip into an emergency fund, that was not my fault nor my problem. If anyone's, it was Sam's because she was made of honor. I said I had been more than accommodating, changing my hair, getting specific foundation to cover my tattoos, getting shapewear when it makes me uncomfortable. All of it to make her day amazing. They tried to interject, but I just shook my head. I told them they'd been my best friends for a very long time. 
but probably too long. I went on to list a bunch of times they made me feel like shit, which I won't bother you with here, but I ended by saying I wouldn't be attending the wedding in any capacity and Callie could pick up the shoes, the dress, the shapewear and the foundation from my mum's house because I was done. They started panicking and tried apologizing, but I just got up and asked them to please not talk to me for the foreseeable future and left. They both tried to call and text me for days afterwards, but I ignored it. I also got a bunch of texts from the other bridesmaids who clearly had not been told the full story and texted all four of the others with the full story. I didn't hear anything back, but got a bunch of calls and voicemails from Callie. But let's just say they were not nice. I finally texted her and told her her attitude towards all this just proved my point and that I didn't think we could be friends anymore. I guess the wedding went on as planned, which I guess I'm glad for. And to everyone who was upset about me changing my hair, I'm happy to inform you, it's now neon pink. I think that's it. I'll be moving states with my boyfriend in about a month, and I'll be cutting contact with Sam as well, so I don't expect anything else will come of any of this. Thank you to every single one of you, and I hope the update is what most of you wanted. It's definitely not what I expected, but it is what I think needed to happen. Yep, and I totally agree with OP up in the end there. I think that needed to happen. And like I always say, I know that's very easy for me to say. I'm looking in on, on your life and you're having to deal with these friendships and tackle it. So well done to you for realizing your worth and the way that you were being treated there. I can imagine that wasn't easy to face. But now I'm going to turn this one to you guys. What do you guys make of this situation? How would you have dealt with it if it was you? Let us know your thoughts down in the comments below. And let's move on to another story and before we do get into the next story i just want to give you a warning in case you would like to skip the story it does contain homophobia so as always timestamps are always down in the description and along the timeline below thank you and it's from well hi there 9091 does come with an update and it's titled am i the asshole for bringing my boyfriend on a family visit and making my brother-in-law uncomfortable my 24 male brother 27 male sister 37 female and i thought it would be nice if we all organized a little trip to go visit our mum, as it's been a bit since we've all seen her my sister brought her husband 38 male and two kids and i brought my boyfriend 24 male i thought it would be okay since my mum adores him and vice versa i even asked my mum if i could bring him and she was fine with it however last night after everyone else went to bed i was hanging out on the porch shooting the shit with my brother-in-law we were just chatting, but after a while, he mentioned how he thought it was inappropriate that I brought my boyfriend along. I asked why he thought that, and he said it made him uncomfortable to have a non-family member at a family visit. For context, I've been with my boyfriend for three years. He's not a random fling. I told my brother-in-law that I didn't think it was a big deal, and that as long as I wasn't fucking him on the kitchen table during family dinners, there wasn't any reason for him not to be there. Brother-in-law got pretty pissed at that, and to be honest, I feel like I may have gone out of line. He said again, I shouldn't have brought my boyfriend, and got up and went inside. I feel pretty shitty. I know this isn't about him being a non-family member. It's about him being, well, a him. I understand that a lot of people have issues with gay couples, and I don't want to cause issues or have my brother-in-law think that I'm forcing my relationship into his face. Also, I feel that table fucking comment may have been pretty unhinged. I just don't know what to do. For one, I don't want to cause unnecessary strain on my relationship with my brother-in-law, but at the same time, I want my boyfriend to be comfortable 
and I don't want to get him involved in anything or make him feel bad for being here. I think I could have avoided this whole thing by just leaving him at home. So, am I the arsehole for bringing my boyfriend along on a family visit? So OP edits the post and they say, okay, I'm a stupid bitch for not including this, but no, this isn't the first thing he said about me being gay. I've been getting some shit for the table comment, in part because my awful writing skills made it sound like I immediately escalated the situation without any prior conflict or issues. That's not the case. I just want to clear some things up so I don't have to do it in the comments. Brother-in-law has made several, okay, many homophobic comments about me and my boyfriend over the past couple of years. Some of them were behind my back and later relayed to me by my other family members. Some of them were directly to me. But the point is, this isn't a one-off. I don't want to justify my obviously rude comment, but this is kind of an ongoing thing. No, he isn't speaking for someone else. He himself is upset about my boyfriend being here, and he's the only one. As far as I know, that's uncomfortable. This post is about him and him alone. I don't know if it was totally clear because at least one person has seemed to have gotten this mixed up. But that comment was just to him. Nobody else was there. I might be rude as fuck, but I'm not crude enough to say that in front of everyone else. I hope this clears things up a little more. I should have been more upfront from the beginning. So in the comments, someone said to OP, have you ever flat out told him that what he says is homophobic? OP says, not flat out, no. Occasionally, he'd be an asshole to my poor boyfriend who hasn't done shit to upset anyone. In that case, I'll tell him to chill the fuck out and leave him alone. If he's being like that to me, however, I'll basically tell him to lay off. I've never said anything along the lines of your comment to him, but I know other people have. Someone says, is your sister also homophobic? Opie says, I've been so scared of starting shit that I haven't really talked to her at all about it. That's a good question though, of whether she's homophobic. Not really, but... She also doesn't really defend me when her husband goes after me. However, between her and my brother, he would take someone out for me. While she just vaguely chastises her husband every once in a while if he takes it too far. So I guess you could say not directly, but she doesn't go out of her way to stop it. Someone says it sounds like your sister is because she's not sticking up for you and it will only get worse. Opie says, nah, you're right. I do want to marry him and I definitely don't want that energy. Of course, he wouldn't be invited, but I totally get your point about it getting worse. It's honestly pretty sad that it took me until your comment to even think about my sister potentially and probably being homophobic. The putting on a show thing makes a lot of sense, especially when you make that racism comparison. Thank you so much both for your support and really putting this into perspective for me. It's late as fuck and I'm falling asleep right now, but I have that conversation tomorrow and post an update on how it goes. I don't have a great feeling about it, but I agree that I can't keep putting it off. And one more question to OP who says, Why would you even want to have a relationship with this guy? OP says, All my attempts at any sort of relationship are for the benefit of my sister. Everyone hates my brother-in-law, none more than my brother. So I was trying to give her one last chance to be like, Oh, my little brother and husband are getting along. How fucking sweet. Or whatever the fuck. Obviously, that's not the case, and now I'm pissed at her because I realize that she's been condoning this all along. They defend me, but he keeps doing it, and she keeps bringing him. Nobody, including me, really knows what to do anymore, but I'm going to try to figure that out today. If either of my nephews ends up being queer, I'm going to fucking rescue them. Trust me, don't worry about that because I already have. 
And a couple more comments, one from Arcaean who says, not the arsehole. That table fucking comment was hilarious and may have been a little out of pocket, but you definitely are responsible for your brother-in-law being uncomfortable with your relationship. And you are not forcing your relationship in his face. It doesn't even matter how long you and your boyfriend have been together. If you care about him enough, want to include him in family trips, then you have that right. So long as he isn't an arsehole ruining everyone's time, which he clearly isn't, and y'all aren't actually fucking on tables, <laughs> lol, then there's no problem. If your brother-in-law cares so much about family, then he should know that, that you having a boyfriend with, comes with that territory, and he should get used to it sooner rather than later. And one more comment from Vixen Noir who says not the arsehole. You're right that the comment was a little extreme. But that's assuming this conversation is the only time he's been rude about your sexuality slash partner. If he's made a habit of making comments around you, then he might have deserved it. Based only on this conversation though, it seemed like a drastic escalation. However, he had no right to comment on who you bring home with you in the first place. After three years, your partner is probably in the practically family group anyway unless you only just started bringing him around. But even if this was your first time bringing him, you check with your mum first and her opinion was the only one that mattered since she was the one you were going to visit. Tell brother-in-law to keep his comments to himself and tell your sister that her husband needs to learn to respect your partner or he can be the one to stay at home from family gatherings. That has had me thinking back to the first paragraph where it says about how much the mum knows about what's been going on. Does she know about these comments? Because it said that mum adores him and vice versa i was wondering why she hasn't stepped in yet but simply sod that homophobic brother-in-law you don't need to talk to him you don't need to have contact with him he doesn't respect you he doesn't respect your partner you know don't waste any further time on this asshole but op does update the post the next day and says as some of you suggested i got everyone together and had a family meeting thing basically i restarted the conversation from last night and asked anyone else had an issue with my boyfriend being there here are some highlights. My mum started dying laughing when she heard the table comment and had to leave the room. But when she came back, she was pissed as fuck at my brother-in-law and even more so at my sister. She and my brother both told off my sister and brother-in-law, saying that he's disgusting. She's disgusting for going along with it. How could you treat someone this way? What did they, me and my boyfriend, ever do to you, etc.? I didn't even have to make a point that he's technically not family either because my brother made it for me love him lots of arguing brother-in-law saying he can't help being uncomfortable my sister defending him on and on my mum kicked them out of the house Woohoo! she said that until they could learn to treat my boyfriend and i right they will no longer be allowed in our home fuck yeah call me petty but when i got up from the table i did sort of bend over it like a couple of people have told me to it was really subtle but deliberate and christ almighty did my brother-in-law get pissed Anyway, it all went pretty well, I'd say. My sister has been texting my mum, brother and I, calling us various names and threatening us in all caps. But that can be dealt with. Thanks so much to everyone for their support. I appreciate all of you. Well, there you go. Good old mum for getting involved in the situation and kicking that asshole out. But now, I'm going to turn this one to you guys. What do you guys make of this situation? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. And our next story is from Mindless Charge 5996. Am I the arsehole for leaving my own wedding because my husband embarrassed me? I, female 27, my husband male 29, have been together for three years. In those three years, I have never known him to be selfish. 
Occasionally immature, yes, but even that was rare. These problems arose when those stupid cake smashing videos got popular. My husband thought they were hilarious. I never thought they were funny and he knows that. Yet he was always showing me the videos of those poor wives getting the happiest day of their life ruined by their asshole partner for some cheap laughs. He also knows I have a history with cake smashing. My family does the cake smashing thing. I remember it was my 17th birthday and I pleaded with my mum not to do it. She promised and I trusted her. I had my hair and makeup done, all nice and right. And as I blew out my candles, my mum pushed my head into the cake and one of the decorations on the cake ended up slicing my forehead. Not enough to go to the hospital, but enough for some substantial bleeding. My birthday was ruined and after I wouldn't come out of my room. My mum still calls me a brat for that. I told him if he ever did something like that to me, I'd leave him. He started laughing, but I was being for real, though he really was not taking me seriously. Now skip to a few days ago when my wedding happened. Everything was perfect. I was happy. He was happy. I was excited for new lives as newlyweds. I felt like a princess in my poofy white dress and done up hair with perfect makeup. All very expensive things I would like to mention. We get to the cake cutting part and as I turn to him, he scoops up a huge chunk of our wedding cake and smashes it all over my face. Everything just seemed to go in slow motion for a few moments. He's just laughing at me, then says, you should see your face, and continues to laugh. Other people in the crowd, mostly my family, is also laughing at me. Then I just started walking away. He realized that I'm leaving and tries to catch up with me and says, I'm being extra. I push him away and order an Uber. As I got outside, most of the crowd is following me, telling me to come back. I get in the Uber and drive away. I drove to our apartment and packed most of my things and went to stay at a hotel. I currently, though, am staying at my friend's house. My family and his family have been blowing up my phone for days, saying I'm being childish and my husband is a good man and it, it was just a joke. My husband has been calling me off the hook, telling me to please come home and that he wants to talk. That he's sorry and didn't think I'd get that emotional. This was supposed to be the happiest day of our lives and he embarrassed me in front of everyone for some prank that he knew I hated. Not only that, he ruined the $500 cake. He ruined my makeup, my hair, and the top of my dress. The cake got all over. Though I still do love him, I'm wondering if I was really hard on him. That seems to be everyone else's opinion. So, am I the asshole? Now, I never understand this whole cake smashing thing anyway. Wasting cake, man, oh dear me. But you've already told him you've had a history with this kind of thing about what happened at your birthday and he still decides to do this and not only that turns around and says you should see your face and then when you're walking away follows you and tells you that you're being extra doesn't apologize tells you that you're being extra i've only ever seen something like this once and it wasn't even like i wouldn't even call it a cake smash it was like a bit of the icing was put on someone's nose but it was in front of a group of people and they really didn't like it and walked out of the room. But that person had to follow them and apologize to them to get them to come back because they was embarrassed in that moment. But OP added a comment below on that one saying he apparently didn't plan this and it happened fairly quickly. So the only person who was recording that I know of was the person I paid to do it. I already messaged him not to give those recordings to anyone. I don't need that type of attention. God forbid it got out. Plus everyone was too busy laughing. Someone questions why he would do this and Opie says, I guess maybe he thought he could change my mind. That is the only reason I can think of because that's the same thing that went through my mind. 
I don't even know if I will get back together with him. He's acting as if smashing a cake in my face was funny and that I was just being emotional. So OP did update the post and they said, updates, I decided to speak to him bright and early this morning. I'm leaving him. Some of you might be happy about that and some of you might not be. I decided to call him and get his reasoning for why he did what he did. He told me he just thought it was a funny prank and that it was at the wedding on a happy day that he could change my mind. Plus, it was a tradition in my family that I wasn't following. He thought that he could get points with my family. Then he told me he's sorry that I took it as disrespect. I told him he shouldn't be saying that he's sorry that I took it that way. He should be apologizing for hurting me. Where is the I'm sorry? I told him he hasn't apologized with accountability once. All his apologies have been backhanded. I also reminded him that I didn't have a good relationship with most of my family, nor my mother, who he forced me to invite. I told him he knew I was already the black sheep in my family, and the verbal abuse and public humiliation I received by my mother for years really messed with me, and he knew that. Then he says this. Why should I have to apologize because you can't take a joke? I blew up. I told him, are you serious? If it was me who hurt you to this degree, the first thing I'd do is apologize. Well, you can't even force yourself to be decent for a few seconds and just apologize to me. I also told him that he was trying to get in good with a family who abused me by public humiliating me. And that is something that is unforgivable. Marriage means you stick by me, yet you showed you obviously do not. It's not about you ruining my dress or my hair or even the cake. It's about how you knew how I felt about this and the trauma I had connected and you didn't care. He then tried doubling down and saying it wasn't his fault for not apologizing because my family was telling him how dramatic I was and how I was hurting them by leaving the wedding for a joke. He said he loves me and he doesn't want to break up over this nonsense and that I should just come home. I told him I wasn't coming home and it wasn't even about the cake anymore. It's because I cannot be with a man who won't apologize when he's wrong and who gaslights their significant other into receiving the blame. He started cursing me out at this point, but after about a minute of hearing him scream at me, I hung up. I guess he started telling my family because within half an hour, my phone was blowing up again. The worst ones had to be from my mother and his sister. My mother was telling me that I'm going to end up alone because I can't take jokes and I'll never be able to keep a man with my attitude even saying that my clock is running out fast. And when it did, no one will want me and I'll be alone. His sister was telling me that I'm a disgusting B-word for hurting her brother and wasting his time. That she wishes that he would have broken up with me two years ago when he first wanted to. So now I know he wanted to break up with me. What I also know is that he was cheating on me for six months with his ex who wanted him back, but then she dropped him because he stayed with me. The thing is, I had a good relationship with his sister and she knew he was cheating on me. I guess she put everything out on the table since I was leaving anyway. I blocked most of my family and I blocked all of his family. I also blocked him and I'm getting the annulment. My friend said I could stay with her for a few months till I get back on my feet. I told her I really appreciate it. So yeah, that's the end. I'm crying while typing this. I wasted three years on a man who never really cared about me. I've lost what little relationship I had with my family and now I only have the few friends I've been blessed with. I'm going to have to pick up the rest of my stuff. I also told him before I blocked him, if he broke anything of mine, I would bring it to court. Thank you for all the kind words and encouragement. I'm going to go to sleep now since I haven't done so in 24 hours. OP's next updates. So my last post got taken down and I've gotten a lot of messages. I just wanted to update you all about a few things. I haven't gotten my stuff from my ex yet. 
I haven't had the energy to because I'm extremely upset, obviously. From the videos online to the comments I received on my original post to also the comments I looked at on my repost of my post, it kind of made me think that there was probably a lot of red flags and I was just used to being abused, so the bare minimum was enough for me. After speaking about it with my friend, she said that he definitely had a lot of red flags and she even told me I should stay far away from dating until I get some help because I was obviously not seeing the red flags right in front of me. I'm not going to go into it, but sometimes I'd have to cook two dinners for my ex because he didn't like everything I made. His mum apparently didn't get him used to vegetables, so he won't eat them or making fun of my cramps on my period. That's some of what I was referring to when I said immature. Someone texted me saying if I was sure that he cheated on me. No, I'm not sure. At the moment, it just felt like it made sense because of how horrible he was being. Though they made a good point. The sister very much well could have just been trying to kick me when I was down since I was leaving anyway. I have no evidence and I probably will never have evidence. I unblocked him just to tell him I was going to come over in a few days to get my stuff and if he could just not be there and I'd leave my keys. He said fine and that was it. So he will not be there when I get the rest of my belongings. I'll also bring a friend with me in case he does do something. I'm still not speaking to my family and I think I'm just going to go no contact like people suggested. I saw a video from a woman speaking about me and someone in the comments said I was groomed into this treatment which is why he felt it was okay to do this. Maybe she is right. When I get the financials in order, I think I'll try therapy and wait a few years before attempting to date anyone. I also kept getting this question. How did the Uber come so quick? The wedding venue was in the city, in a building. Uber took 30 seconds to order and 3 minutes to get there. Plus, who was really going to stop me from getting into the car? My husband gave up, to be honest, pretty fast once he saw me trying to get into the car. I thought it was weird, but I realize now. Playing victim because he didn't get his way. Some of you may be saying, how did you not realize you were being abused? I don't know. Sometimes it just happens that way. My brain is kind of dead at this point. Again, thank you to literally everyone for all the sweet comments, even people messaging me privately. I haven't responded to tell them all, but I will try since you took time out of your day to see if I was okay. And I really appreciate that. The people who say this is fake, I don't care. I went on this app because I figured I'd get a few comments and maybe some insight. I got that insight. Way more than I thought I'd get in a million years and now I'm going to move forward with my life. So this is the last update. I'm going to respond to the PMs and then forget about this account and hopefully my old life. It's genuinely too depressing for me to think about. Edit. I'm okay though. I feel lonely and depressed but I have my friends supporting me so I'm not that alone. I'll be okay and get myself out of this hole. I realize this post is a bit too doom and gloom. Edits, I'll bring a policeman with me if you guys say that I should. And I really do hope that OP has moved on, got the help that they needed, and are living their best life right now, as they truly deserve it. An absolutely awful husband, an abusive mum, and, and obviously I don't want to minimise what OP's been through in any way, shape, or form, because but I, I, I can't help but think it's best that they got out of that situation when they did, otherwise they're going to have years more of this. But so glad she stood her ground and got out of that situation. But now I'm going to turn this one to you guys. What do you guys make of this? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. Let's move on to another story. And our next story does come with an update as well from Throwaway Downsizing from the Am I the Arsehole subreddit and says, Am I the Arsehole for telling my fiance that if he expects me to contribute 50 50, you have to make some serious lifestyle changes. My 26 female fiance, 26 male, sat me down yesterday 
and gave me a long talk about how he feels like I don't contribute enough to the household, particularly in the financial sense. I was a bit caught off guard by this, but willing to hear him out since he wasn't wrong. He makes a lot more than I do and we've always split bills accordingly, which ends up being about 80% him. I asked what he wanted me to pay now and he was adamant about it being 50-50. I asked if everything was okay with his job or he needed to take fewer hours and he wouldn't answer me. I honestly wouldn't have gone upset if there seemed like an actual reason behind it, but he just said he'd been thinking about it a lot, over and over. Every time I asked what brought him to this conclusion, what was going on, and eventually he just said, this is how it's going to be, take it or leave it. Those exact words. In response to literally everything I said, full shutdown, no explanations. I told him that was fine, I'll take it, then asked if he made a Zillow account yet or expected me to. He looked confused and asked why we would need a Zillow account. I explained that there's no way I can afford half the rent on our current place, so we'll probably have to move into a one-bedroom apartment. He got mad and asked why I didn't have savings. I told him that I do, but I'm not paying rent out of my savings because that's a terrible and unsustainable idea. I also began to go over what our new food budget would be, our new entertainment budget, and that we'd probably have to sell our cars and get one less expensive one because I can't afford half the payments on an Audi and a Land Rover. Then I explained that the date nights would probably have to be reduced too, and we could still do like Buffalo Wild Wings or something, but I preferred Thursday nights because you get two orders of boneless wings for one. Basically, if he wants me to pay half, we're living within my means, not his anymore. He kind of agreed to it, but since then, he's been incredibly angry. He's not saying or doing anything, but it's like he's walking around the house in this cloud of pissed off. I sent him six Zillow listings, all of which he's called uninhabitable for various reasons. Some of which I think were valid, others I disagree with. He's now saying that I'm being unfair and manipulative, and that he tried to come to me with a serious concern about our relationship, and I'm making it impossible for him to talk to me. I'm bulldozing it over him. Am I the arsehole? So there were some comments that asked OP questions and OP responded to. The first question was, can I ask what your salary and his salary are? Like general numbers. A charitable take on his actions could be that he resents not having more money, is trying to inspire you to try and up your salary or, or change into a more lucrative promotion or career so you can both be living the high life. He might be imagining how great it would be to have 200% of his income instead of 120%. If that's the case, he's still going about it in a shite and douchey way. Personally, I agree with many other comments. Ari, someone has insinuated that you're a gold digger. He's expecting you to break up with him. Not problem solve. Opie says I make around 35k a year. He makes around 120k a year. It's not like there's some magical be rich suddenly button I can press. I'm a preschool teacher and I don't have a college degree. I certainly can't afford a college degree at this point without asking for help or taking out insane loans. Next commenter says, not the arsehole. To me, it sounds like something happened with his job and he's not able to tell you yet. For whatever reasons, I would try to have another calm chat about it with him. Also showing him how much you'll be able to afford long term. Don't move forward with your plans of getting married until you both agree on your finances. Opie says I asked about the job and he wouldn't give me a straight answer. The frustrating part is that I honestly do not mind downsizing. And if I found out tomorrow he lost a job, I'd literally be fine selling what we have and living in a trailer together off just my income. But this feels like some weird power play instead. A commenter says I get a feeling that his aim was to try and make you more ambitious. You need to equal him in ability to pay the bills. 
so you need to either get a promotion or a new job paying the same as him. So, not the arsehole, but your partner is a prick for not thinking things through and trying to strong arm you into doing something without discussing it first. Opie says, I don't know how to go about doing that, all things considered. It's not like there's some magical be rich suddenly button I can press. I'm a preschool teacher and I don't have a college degree, and I certainly can't afford a college degree at this point without asking for help or taking out insane loans. Someone says, if you can barely afford your basic living expenses, why the hell are you driving an Audi or range? This is a classic example of lifestyle creep. If you barely make enough to contribute to rent, driving a luxury car is shameful. You are not the arsehole. You are just spoiled and an unrealistic person. Whoopi says he gave me the Audi as a birthday present. It was not something I was aware of until it was in the driveway with a big pink bow and confetti. Literally like a car commercial. He always had a bit of a flair for the dramatic. Someone says, not the arsehole. What podcast does he listen to? Opie says, I don't know in detail. Joe Rogan, I'm pretty sure, and come down, and I think a guy called Sam Hyde. They're apparently funny. I don't super get that kind of humor. So Opie does update the post and says, hi everyone. This got way bigger than intended, so I figured a follow-up was owed. The last time I posted was Monday. Monday as a whole was spent just sorting through what I felt and what to do next. There was a lot of silence and a lot of anger and a lot of Reddit advice. Some of which I found very insightful, some of which, which was less so. Also, some people think I made this up as part of a viral marketing sponsorship between Buffalo Wild Wings, Audi and Zillow, which honestly would solve the money problems if true. But alas, this is not the case. On Tuesday, after I got home from work, I sort of just walked up to him on the elliptical and explained as calmly as I could that I had questions. And if he actually wanted to marry me, he needed to be willing to answer them. I asked if he thought I was a gold digger, yes or no. He said yes. I told him that I wasn't willing to be in a relationship where I had to prove myself by sacrificing any sort of stability and that led to a bit of a screaming match and eventually a confession. So, it turns out, we cannot afford anything we have right now. We're in serious credit card debt and the cars were both on the verge of being repossessed. I did not know about any of this. He's been cutting corners on actual necessities, including psychiatric medication. That in combination with some comments from his family led to some pretty dark places. My fiance had a full breakdown and apologized for calling me a gold digger, which was nice to hear. But this whole thing had me pretty shaken up. I went to stay with a friend for a little bit. Yesterday, my fiance and I did in fact go out to BWW and get the two for one boneless. We talked a lot. I'm still writing fiance for now, and I really hope we can work through all this. We talked about how to sell the cars. We don't particularly have a choice at this point and about my income, his income and the sort of life we want to have. If we do stay together, we'll be changing how we live a lot. We need to get out of debt. We need to get on our feet. I know some people are going to say I'm being dumb for not immediately dropping all contact and giving up on the relationship, but I can't do that. I can't look at the guy I love. He went off his meds to try and make a good life for me and think he's not worth sticking around for, at least to try. I don't know what the future looks like at all anymore though, and the wedding is very postponed at the moment. Sorry, this wasn't a more fun update. So someone asked OP below this one said, OP, has he come clean to you about what got you guys so deep in the hole? For it to get to the brink it did, lifts more red flags in the air. He could be coping with an addiction problem or something else that could destroy your life. You have to figure this out ASAP. Please don't make any wedding plans. This is not the man you wanted to marry. OP says he has. It's not gambling or drugs. Like a lot of people are saying, it's an addiction to nice things. 
He's got a lot of financial hang-ups and come from a family that replaced love with money, so he got it in his head that the only way to show love was to provide a very fancy sort of lifestyle, which was way over budget for us. It's going to be a hard pill to swallow, cutting back on everything, but it's what has to happen. I didn't write everything out in this post, but we did go over how the debt got this bad, and I'm currently aware of pretty much everything. There are some accounts I still need to look at this weekend, but for the most part, it's all above board at this point. We're definitely looking at the relationship and I'm going to be taking a much more active role in life planning if we do continue. The wedding is on pause for an unknown amount of time and I'm already looking into places I can afford and we'll probably end up renting a trailer. And no, I'm not lying for him. I told him point blank that hiding this stuff is what got us into this mess and he's not going to be able to keep it under wraps if he wants to stay with me. We need to be upfront about our financial situation, whether he's embarrassed or not. I think that was some hard work. We'll both end up in a better position. We need to get out of debt and, and I'm taking the reins for a bit since he's never lived frugally before. But if all goes well, we'll get through this. I don't plan to leave if he sticks to what we're talking about and actually takes steps forward. I love this man and I'll fight for what we have. If he won't fix things, won't listen and continue to disrespect me, I genuinely believe that we'll get through this. I know he can do better and I believe he wants to. Now, he has to prove it. Someone says, don't gloss over the comments from the family. If you marry him, you are marrying them too. If they are generally toxic to his mental health, you need to talk about whether no contact is necessary. If not, he has some serious repair work to do to fix the impression they have of you, or has to take on the job of shielding you from their BS. Opie says, his family don't like me for a number of reasons. They don't like that I don't have a college degree. They don't like that I grew up in low income or went to public school. And they don't approve at all of the fact that I'm religious. His mother in particular has called me a hick, a redneck, and several other things that I won't put down here. Up until this point though, he's been pretty good about defending me. And someone says, I'm glad that you're able to get the 899 2 for 1 boneless with half lemon pepper and half habanero jerk sauce and to start to work out this stuff. Opie says, actually it was 1949 2 for 1 boneless with half wild sauce for me and half orange chicken for him but it did help. And someone says, finish it off. Still, this is an ad for Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> and OP says, not if only they'd pay me for the promotion. The problem would be solved. And a lot of people on the comments after this were mentioning how still concerned they are for OP. But now I'm going to turn this one to you guys. What do you guys make of this situation? If you was OP, how would you deal with it? Would you? Could you still see yourself in this relationship trying to make it work? you think it's going to work let us know your thoughts down in the comments below and our next story is from horror fiasco who says am i the asshole for testing my girlfriend oh dear i 26 male and clara fake name 23 female have been dating for three years i've been cheated on in past relationships particularly in high school i have a tough time getting over it yes i know i should work through it and see a therapist but I'm not sure I'm ready to uncover everything to a random stranger. Anyways, Clara and I have a very incredible relationship. We like most of the same things and support each other in the things we may not agree on all the time. We have an amazing intimate relationship and like the same things in the bedroom. All in all, I couldn't ask for a better girlfriend. However, I guess I was feeling especially insecure one day and felt almost as if it was too good to be true. As in the past, my exes also seemed to be so perfect before it tragically fell down in infidelity. 
While she was at work, I made a fake Instagram account and messaged her using an AI-created face and text asking her to do explicit things. It took some time, but she responded and denied the offers. I'll admit I got carried away playing the character of a douchebag and got a little forceful and aggressive until she blocked me. I was proud of her for not cheating and for remaining loyal and thought nothing about it for the rest of the evening. She came home that night and completely broke down and showed me texts that had awoken her PTSD from some guy on Instagram. I proceeded to pretend as if it wasn't me and comforted her, though she didn't seem to lighten up after that. I got frustrated and we had an argument and she called me an asshole for expecting her to be okay immediately. We slept it off and got over it. Fast forward a few weeks later, Farah was setting up a party for her sister and she asked me to text her and get some details because it wouldn't sound suspicious from me. I didn't understand what she expected so I allowed her to do it on my behalf and in doing so she found the account and the messages and has since left and not returned. She won't return my calls and has since sent her brothers to pick up her stuff but they won't help me either. I've texted her and called her and left messages explaining that she was overreacting and she should be more understanding of my situation considering I've been cheated on before and she hasn't. It's really frustrating because it's not like the guy on Instagram actually did anything to her and she's making it such a big deal. I felt a little bit of remorse because I miss her and want her back. So, am I the asshole? So people were asking OP questions in the comments. We're starting with Cat Food on my shelf who says, you're the asshole. You don't even feel remorseful other than the fact you want her back. What exactly did you say when you got carried away and a little forceful? OP says it's not just because I want her back and it was essentially things along the lines of her sending dirty images to the account and that he would hurt me if she didn't. But I'm completely fine and the guy doesn't even exist. So I'm having a hard time understanding why she's making a big deal out of nothing or how it's my problem. And we know Opie's absolutely in the wrong in this situation. I couldn't help but notice how he was minimizing his girlfriend's PTSD. You know, he says he has trauma himself and he said what he did flared up her PTSD but seems to like don't understand why she's making a big deal out of it. It's not nothing. You fled her PTSD from what you did. What you did in itself was absolutely horrible but then completely minimizing what she's going through at the same time from what you caused yeah it's just it's unforgivable i think it's unforgivable the very first part of it to be quite honest and although you say you're not ready to seek that help i think you really need to because i can only see this continuing in, in future relationships if it's going to go that way but lehman shark says i'm assuming if you had been dating for three years you knew her trauma you knew her triggers and you exploited it for what? To feel a little better about yourself. You made her completely unsafe so you would feel more secure. Not only is it arsehole behavior, it's manipulative narcissistic behavior. My recommendation? Therapy. Opie says, I never heard anything about any trauma she had and I personally feel she should be a little more understanding seeing if she really did have trauma, she should have told me before. However, I will look into therapy. We've seen a few loyalty tests over time reading these stories. One that always jumps out to me is one where the whole family tested the girlfriend when, when it was the first time meeting them. And I think the brother did something. And there's never, I can just never picture a situation where that's going to turn out well. Accomplished Hour says, yes, you are in this situation. Feeling insecure because you've been cheated on in the past is reasoning, but not an excuse for this behavior. 
You mentioned in a previous comment that simply being told you are wrong isn't helpful, so I'll try to lay it out the best I can. While you are human, and it's perfectly natural to feel things like insecurity in a relationship, you put your soul feelings and emotions above that of your girlfriend in your attempt to uncover potential disloyalty. You are in a separate relationship from your past partners. It is not fair to hold their shortcomings over your current partner's head, especially if things were as picture perfect as you claimed beforehand. If you do feel as though your partner could be doing something disloyal behind your back, have a heart-to-heart -heart discussion with them. Testing your relationship shows an underlying lack of trust, and without trust, there is no relationship. To add to things, you then invalidated your girlfriend's emotions and tried to sweep your actions under the rug when you were confronted with the consequences of those messages slash how they affected her. If you're confused as to why your girlfriend could be uncomfortable and or upset with the fact that you lied and manipulated her into believing you, in fact, we're not the sender of those messages. Just try to remember how you felt when past partners lied and manipulated you into believing they were not fucking other people. In your attempt to test your partner, you gave them the same feeling of uncertainty and walking on eggshells that you feel. You broke their trust. You still do not understand that. You should most likely take some more time to work on yourself before taking another relationship or getting back into this one. And of course, there was a lot of people criticizing OP, calling OP toxic and stuff like that. And OP wasn't replying in, you know, the best way possible. Let's put it that way. But OP does update the post and says, all right, Let's unpack this a little. First off, I would like to take the time to say thank you. I truthfully am grateful for the replies that each of you have given me. For a day or two, it hurt that nobody agreed with me or anything. But because of that, it gave me time to reflect and realize how much of an issue it really was. It was rather eye-opening personally. I have issues and a lot of them and I need to get over them. Now to update the situation. For the Redditor that suggested therapy and expressed their genuine concern for me and advice. I thank you greatly. Mysterious text 2005. That was their username. I decided to buckle down and get into therapy and they wasted no time getting me in the following evening. And even though I was very nervous, and I'm going to be very frank here and say how embarrassed I was because of how much more helpful it was than I had anticipated. As for my relationship with Clara, to be truthful, I've accepted that I had lost Clara and ruined the relationship and was ready to walk the lonely road. However, a few days ago, she reached out and expressed that she wanted to meet and talk for lunch. We had a very deep conversation for the majority of the day, and it was incredibly healing for me. Admittedly, part of me wanted to say, Okay, see, you're all better now and don't need the therapy, but I knew that was the part of me that was scared. Also, admittedly, I had expected for Clara to tell me that she was moving on. Instead, she gave me a second chance that I feel I don't deserve, but would be stupid to pass up on. I decided to take a step further despite the nervousness I have about it and suggest couples counselling, which she loved the idea of. I expressed my concerns and she has understood. However, we both agree that this is really important and we want this to work. I'm so grateful for the incredible amount of grace that I've been given and will never make the mistake that I have made again. Thank you again for your help. And I think it's fair to say that the post was pretty much divided, mostly against OP still. You know, people were saying that they're glad that he's getting some kind of help for what, what's going on. But other people saying, you know, Clara's made a big mistake here by, by taking him back. But what is your opinion on this matter? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. Would you be able to forgive and move on from that, even with therapy and couples counseling? Or, you know, is that a deal breaker for you? 
Let us know your thoughts down in the comments below and let's move on to another story. And our next story comes from the Today I Messed Up subreddit from Stuffed in a Shoe. It does come with an update as well. <laughs> this title. <laughs> I said titty during a game of heads up with my girlfriend's conservative family. I'm such a child. For anyone who doesn't know what the game heads up is like. Player A holds a card slash phone up on their forehead, which they cannot see. If the card slash phones has a term like Netflix, People on player A's team will give clues so player A guesses the term. A good clue for it would be, it's not Hulu, but... And player A would guess Netflix. Get it right and move on to the next term. My girlfriend's family come from the Midwest. Classic old-fashioned church-going people. Very nice people, but very reserved. I, on the other hand, come from a family of Italians from the East Coast. Admittedly, this means sometimes I should have a better filter than I do. So there we all are, enjoying some drinks and playing a fun game of heads up. The clue was Janet Jackson. <laughs> I'm not, oh dear me, here we go. I'm not sure why I blurted it out. Maybe a mix of embarrassing competitiveness and the liquor, but I immediately screamed, Titty at the Super Bowl. <laughs> Time stopped. I saw the entire relationship flash before me. I've never been in a situation where one second feels like an eternity until this moment. Everyone stopped yelling clues. My girlfriend didn't even guess. Everyone just stopped and stared at me. <sighs> I became so anxious, started sweating. I can only imagine my face at this moment would have made the top post of all times on r slash watch people die inside. My girlfriend's parents' friends broke the ice. They said, okay, well I think it's time for us to get out of here. Everyone followed suit. I awkwardly said goodbye and I'm sorry, but I knew what I had done couldn't be undone. My girlfriend ignored me the rest of the night, still including now. For I'm hiding in the bathroom writing this post. I'm not sure what the ramifications will be and if our relationship will survive, but it's not looking good. My girlfriend obviously doesn't care about the word titty. I think more so the fact that her boyfriend screamed titty out of nowhere in a friendly game of heads up. The ironic thing is, I think that was an A-plus clue. <laughs> if we were playing with my family, not only would everyone have died laughing at someone screaming titty, but they would have all guessed the term correctly. It was that moment I realized just how different two families can be. Bacon Bomb Thief asked on this one, says, Wow, her parents' friends actually stopped and left the house. That's rude as hell. Opie says it was pretty late anyway, so I think they just saw it as an opportunity to skedaddle. Gawthorn says, oof, but seriously, one, this isn't going to be the last time this happens, lol. It is so difficult to filter words that are just words and naturally fit into your meaning of vocabulary. Good luck, lol. Two, sometimes you gotta rip the band-aid off quick. I bet if this happens a few more times, they get used to it and won't up and leave every time you do, lol. Opie says, I'm stuck between wanting to be respectful and wanting to be myself. Part of me thinks if this is gonna work, they're gonna have to love me for me. Another part says, these are the parents of the girl you love. Make it work. It's not like I'm overtly classless. I obviously am not dropping F-bombs when they're around. Just tough during a game of heads up when you have 0.5 seconds to come up with a clue. God, I don't even use the word titty when talking about boobs. No idea how that came out of my mouth. Bo says, no worries. I did something similar but yelling out fuck when stubbing my already broken toe at my in-laws. They too are God-fearing slash loving church-going folk who are quick to say, you know, fudge is a better word. 
My response was, break your toe, then stub it and see what comes out of your mouth. I did apologize when I got my wits back and calmed down. This was the first day I had met them in person. At the time, my fiance then explained to them who I am and how I lack censorship. Every once in a while, when my mother-in-law has a couple of glasses of wine, she brings it up and how shocked she was to hear such a foul word said with so much passion. It's become a joke at gatherings now. Give it time and you too will hopefully be able to make jokes about it. Oh, that reminded me of a brief story that a family member and they I was invited to dinner around their house. And when I was a bit younger, I always used to wear a hat. Like all the time, that thing would just never leave my head. And, you know, I, I, I turned up to dinner. I was still wearing my hat, went to the dinner table, sat down, totally forgot I was still wearing my hat. You know, obviously the family member wasn't too happy that I was wearing the hat and, you know, spoke to someone about it. And the family member spoke to me up about it a couple of days later about wearing the hat at the dinner table and they found it a bit disrespectful, which, you know, I got nothing against. I wasn't offended by it or anything like that. But over time, it did become a bit of a joke between us in the end about me wearing this hat. And sadly, it's one of the people I spoke about spoke about before who, who had cancer. And, you know, I was I was with them as they was passing away. And it was one of the last things we spoke about the joke about that hat. And and in those last moments, she she was the one who brought it up about the hat at the dinner table. And she sort of remembered that she had a chuckle and then she sat up and we had a hug. And and that was one of the last things that was said. Because unfortunately, shortly after, though within minutes, she passed away. And although it is incredibly sad, it's still a lovely memory that I have, that I have about her. Anyway, enough about me. Let's move on to the update, which says a lot of people saying she isn't the one, break up with her, etc. Uh, no. We have the same sense of humor. She isn't as conservative as her parents. Her parents joke around and curse, but when someone screams titty in an appropriate setting, it's a little crass. Woke up and she was fine. Just said she was annoyed the night ended like that. Going out to dinner with them tonight, so let's hope I don't shout any more expletives. So many miserable people telling me to break up with her after hearing one small story. <laughs> oh dear, dear, dear. Second update. We went to dinner with the same group and we laughed about it. I was a little confused because they acted like it wasn't a huge deal all of a sudden. Maybe they realized they were a little uptight. Not sure. But I say hello and my, my girlfriend's dad's friends say, Hey man, I wonder how Janet Jackson is going today. And everyone laughed. I said something along the lines of, I let the tiger out of the cage last night so that's my bad. They laughed and said it's fine. It was just getting late. My girlfriend and I are fine. She isn't the monster you guys make her out to be. How would you feel if you knew your parents were conservative and your boyfriend shouted titty out? Probably a little annoyed, and she had a right to be. But everyone's saying I should break up with her. She's awful. It sounds like a fun relationship. Slash sarcasm. You guys are miserable human beings. What kind of person do you have to be to tell an internet stranger to break up with his girlfriend of two years because of one small story? Sounds like you're just a bunch of miserable people who want others to be miserable as well. Probably incel idiots. To everyone who got the point of the post that it's a funny embarrassing story without reading too far into it thank you for the kind words a lot of people said not to listen to the idiots and i appreciate that not that i would ever listen to the internet about my relationship but it was appreciated also obligatory thanks for the gold and silver cats for life cracked me up below this post it said redditors try not to make people break up slash divorce over small mistakes challenge difficulty impossible <laughs> but i'm super glad things went well and they went to dinner the next day and had a bit of a joke about it as well 
and I truly wish you and your family all the best for the future. But now, what do you guys make of this one? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. Let's have one more cheeky story. And our next story comes from the Am I the Arsehole subreddit from Week Ordinary, who says, Am I the Arsehole for not giving up my Christmas annual leave so my coworker can spend some time with her kids? This boss said there's one gap for annual leave on Christmas and they've been saving it for me. According to him, any new employees, once they've passed the probation period, will get the first Christmas off. Here's the thing. I don't care if I work Christmas or not and I'll be on my own this Christmas as I don't celebrate it. Two days later, this was three days ago, I had a colleague come up to me and she was talking about annual leave and asked if I would consider switching and my response was no. She then started going on about how she has kids and what I would be doing this Christmas and I just said no. She seemed moody and walked away. Later that night, I got home and my nephew video called me from his mum's phone. When she got the phone, we caught up. Here's the thing though. Before my sister gave birth to her son, this happened and, and was in complete agreement with me in a previous workplace. I brought this up with my sister. My sister said I'm being a bit selfish as I'm child free and she has kids. She's working and I'm not, which means she won't be able to see her kids for long on Christmas Day. She also brought up the fact that I'm not bothering to come up and see family this Christmas and we'll be spending three of the days phone free so I won't be communicating with anyone. Am I the asshole for not giving up my annual leave to a mum with kids when I'm going to be off and she's going to be working even though I don't care if I work or don't work. Edit one, holy shit. Just went on Reddit and didn't expect this to blow up. I 25 female, I'm not sure if it's relevant but I've chosen a child free life. About three months ago, I got started at a new job and have just passed my probation period. Now my bosses are sorting out my annual leave with me. Everanna says, you're the arsehole. Why did you say no to switching? You said you don't care about Christmas. You don't celebrate the holiday. You will not be visiting family who does celebrate. If she was switching, then you wouldn't be giving up your annual leave. You'd just be shifting the date. Another user says, not the arsehole. If you don't celebrate Christmas, that has no impact on your entitlement to time off and anybody who says you're the arsehole is a biased moron. Your decision not to reproduce should cause nobody with a brain any concern and your refusal to switch shifts is entirely fair. Why identify yourself as a target for shift swappers right off the bat? Good for you. Another user says, not the arsehole. You don't owe this female any kind of favor. Your leave is your own. If she wanted it off, she should have planned ahead. It's not like Christmas is a surprise. It's the same day each year. And one more comment from RB who quotes and says, child-free life. I don't care if I work Christmas or not. I'll be on my own this Christmas as I don't celebrate it. And then says, you're the arsehole. So you're just refusing because why? It's not a matter of someone deserving holidays, more slash less because of kids. You're just being an arsehole co-worker for no good reason. And why are you saying give up annual leave when it's just a matter of switching with a colleague? You'll still have your vacation available to you, just at a different time. Why is it such a foreign idea to just be nice here? It costs you nothing. But now I'm going to turn this one to you guys. What do you guys make of this situation? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. And our next story is from ClearCard92. and says, am I the arsehole for rejecting my husband's offer to join him for a family funeral after he explicitly uninvited me? I tried to keep this brief. Husband 28 male and I 30 female have been together for a decade. Have a house together, no kids, we both work. We have a couple of dogs, the works. We met in college. I was local, he was from out of state. All of his family therefore lives out of state. 
When he graduated, we stayed in my state, as he didn't want to move back to his home state. This past week, his grandfather passed away. He was over 100 years old, so while the family has been bracing for his passing for a number of years, the actual passing was quite sudden and unexpected. I, of course, was there for him when he found out, helped him and his family in arranging grandpa's funeral services, etc. They decided on an intimate viewing with burial right after. I respect that completely. I asked my husband how he's getting back home in such a short period of time. I offered to drive. We price check against bus tickets, train tickets, planes, etc. He says he'd like to go alone because he's concerned about finances. And besides, our dog takes daily medications and I'd need to stay home to manage this. I'd already let my bosses know I may need to take time off and had already arranged with a neighbor to be on call for medicating our dog. But okay, I understand his point. We can't afford to both get tickets out. That's fine. Just let me know how I can support you, you know. The funeral is planned for Wednesday. He originally says he needs to be there Tuesday, so he will work on flying out Monday. Then he decides he will just drive and volunteers my car, not his, for this trip. I says that's fine, and since we no longer need to worry about buying tickets, does he want me to join him to support him after the funeral? He says no, that it should be just family, and ultimately, he wants to be there 100% for his dad with no distractions. I'm a little hurt, but at the end of the day, it's his family and his grief and it isn't about me. Then he decides that he should really leave Friday night. That way he has time to get there and spend some time with his family before the funeral and he won't have to miss work. He says he wants to work from home the Monday and Tuesday and he will only need to take off the Wednesday and he'd be driving home after, getting him home that night. Okay, seems fair. A little longer than I expected, but again, his family, his job not my say. Yesterday, he calls me to let us know his family has decided to play hooky on Monday and have a big get-together, including his sister and her husband, and his brother and his wife and kids. He also informs me that he will probably stay through the week, so has to not miss any work unnecessarily, and will return home Sunday. At this point, my feelings are incredibly sore. He assured me for years that I'm a part of his family and that I'm not an outsider, even though I have felt that way often. He first disinvited me because of the finances. Then when finances were no longer the issue, he said it was because it was an intimate family gathering. But his siblings-in-law are welcome. He's concerned about missing work and wants to stay even longer, but is willing to be off his computer Monday without calling off to go to a, a big impromptu reunion. Then he has my car and leaves me with a busted van for twice as long as he originally was going to be gone. I let him know I was feeling hurt and even though I knew it wasn't about me, and it was a mournful event. I didn't hold things against him. I did feel very specifically excluded and like I wasn't part of his family. He said I was being selfish and I've been keeping my distance from him in terms of communication since. Today, he texted me to ask when I wanted him home as his siblings were going to take some time off if he were allowed to stay longer so they could all catch up and go out and all that jazz. I told him to just come home when he wanted and to give me 24 hours notice so I could watch to make sure he got home safe. It's a 12-hour drive and we share our locations. I turned off notifications as I was pretty heated. Now he's blowing up my phone saying they want to buy me a one-way ticket out to be with them. At this point, I've already told my bosses I won't need the time off. I told my neighbor he won't be needed after all. He's already made plans for the week. I made plans to see friends, work on the house, etc. I called him and said no that I had been excluded from the start and I wasn't going to scramble to make plans to assuage whatever guilt he felt when he was called out. 
He said that it was a hard week and his grandfather just died and that I was being an asshole for not giving him grace and understanding. I feel like I've given him nothing but grace and understanding from the start. So before I say anything I regret Reddit, am I the asshole? Opie then also added an edit on the post which says went past the character limit but edit I left for groceries and came back didn't expect this much of a response to clarify a few points that have come up. One I can 100% guarantee he is not cheating. First because I helped plan the funeral so I know that's where he went. Second because as I said we share location so I can see clearly that he's been at his dad's house since arriving Saturday morning. And third, because his family moved while we were in college and the only people he knows in that area is family. He's a grade A introvert and has worked from home for years. No business trips, etc. And I have to practically pull teeth to get him to be social, so I doubt he's been able to cultivate an entire relationship in his free time. Two, normally we have a very open and transparent relationship. We communicate very effectively and I've been trying to brush the slights off throughout the process as I have a lot more experience with grief and this is his first familial loss. I know when someone dies, especially when plans aren't made before their passing, and especially when you need to figure out travel, one can become very singularly focused and not in their right mind. I genuinely don't attribute his actions to malice, but the singular thought of, I need to get there, I need to make sure my dad is okay. Three, his dad is neurotic at the best of times and can be genuinely unhinged under periods of high emotion. I think my husband's motivation was to create as few people in the house as possible so his dad could process his grief openly without having to be performative for guests, even if the guest is his daughter-in-law. I don't think he expected his dad to question why I wasn't there. I think he expected his dad to be upset if I came along. Or, for a variety of reasons, the funeral was going to be him, his dad and his siblings only. Being able to speak to grandpa for a little while before he was buried. None of the in-laws were invited to this. I had no qualms about this. I only met the man once in his 100th birthday and couldn't have recognized me from Adam at that point anyway. It wasn't the funeral exclusion I was upset about. It was the trip to be with the family as a whole, as he was going to be there longer than the funeral. 5. We are within reasonable driving distance of my family, where he only sees his family three to four times a year. For him taking the opportunity of the funeral to spend extra time to see family isn't suspect to me. Again, the upset comes from not being able to see his family too, as they are now my family as well. Now, I'm just wondering what his real reason is to why. Is he really not expecting any of the other in-laws to turn up to this funeral? What is it? Is it this just grief at play? And like, I'm not making excuses for it, but you know, grief does weird shit to people. But like we always say, you know, grief, mental health, whatever, is never an excuse to be an ass. And I can see why OP is incredibly upset about this. The post comes across as, you are not part of the family. And I think he's turned up and the rest of the family's gone, you know, where's your wife? And we could go down the path of, you know, he really doesn't consider her family. I hope that's not the case. Or it could be a stupid grief-driven message. As I said, it's not an excuse for it. But I guess we're going to find that out in a moment. But we'll start with Riz who says not the arsehole. I'm sure one of his siblings or their significant other has noticed you missing and said something. I'm sure he lied and is not freaking out because one call or text you will tear his lies apart and his ass will be grass from his family. It would be one thing if he did fly out and it was expenses that stopped both of you but now he has no excuse. Odd Welcome says grace and understanding are things meant for mistakes or trying moments. He made a full-blown pattern of finding every excuse to exclude you and treat you as an afterthought. Once there and the questions began flowing, making him or you look bad, 
Kay wants to fix it all for him. Forget that. Let him know that you are giving him grace by staying away as he clearly wanted. You can't undo that decision last minute for him now. You will have to live with the consequences of his decision, just as he forced you to do. If you need to, I wouldn't even fault you for asking him to just stay no contact until he is on his way back. That way your existence won't further complicate his family and set of choices. Once he is back home, give him a few days and show him this post. Ask him if that is who he wants to be, or if it is who you deserve. Then just sit silently until he is done reading and ask to answer. Make him actually face his decision head on. Rissy says, not the asshole. I suspect his family asked why the hell you weren't there and he explained. At which point, they told him he was being an asshole and offered to fly you out. In quotes, he said that it was a hard week and his grandfather just died and that I was being an asshole for not giving him grace and understanding. They said all he did all week was repeatedly essentially tell you you are not really part of my family. And his family clearly got on this case about it so he grudgingly offered you a last minute half-assed invite. When you were, understandably less than thrilled with all this, he starts screeching about a lack of understanding. He's got a nothing but. I would have been done with this bullshit far sooner than you were. In cases like this, I'd normally think the in-laws were the problem. But the vibe I get from the order of events is that they expected you to be there because you're part of the family. And it's just your husband that is weirdly insisting on keeping you at arm's length. You mentioned this. In quotes, he's assured me for years that I'm part of his family and that I'm not an outsider even though I have felt that way often. And then says, I have to ask, who makes you feel more like that? Him or his family? But Opie does come in to update the post and they said this will not be brief, but it's probably not the bombshell plot twist everyone expected. So I took your advice and reached out to my father-in-law to share my condolences and express that I wished I could be there. But he wanted to respect my husband's wishes that it be family only. And no, I was not passive aggressive about it. I'm not trying to pit family against one another despite what some have implied. He called me immediately. He apologized on behalf of my husband and said he and the family were surprised that I hadn't come along. As when husband said he was driving, they assumed any conflict of finances were no longer relevant and that I'd be joining him as I always do. I guess they tore husband the new one when he explained what happened and insisted he call and invite me. And they'd pay for my ticket out there so I wouldn't have to drive the busted van. He said I'm part of the family and should be involved. I sucked up my ego and took the offer, as I don't want this to hang over us for the rest of our marriage, for one. And thoughtlessness or not, my husband deserves to be supported after seeing his grandfather. As I said in my previous post, I understand grief very well, and I know it can fog our normal sensibilities, and I've been sympathetic to this throughout this whole affair. I asked my bosses if I could work from home. They said that was fine. And while my neighbor was unavailable, I managed to convince my sister to stay at the house for a few days in exchange for a childcare down the road. I flew out this morning and my husband picked me up, so we had a good while to speak privately before getting to his dad's. He says that he genuinely thought after the chaos of arranging the viewing and hearing how distraught his dad was that it was going to be a brief, solemn, intimate visit and that nobody would be bringing their spouses along. He says it didn't even occur to him that just because the viewing was immediate family only, it didn't mean the whole visit was. He thought his dad was going to need a lot more support, but on getting there, he realized his dad was in pretty good spirits and pretty level-headed, and that he wasn't going to need to be dad's rock for the whole visit. Then when his siblings started to arrive with their families, he realized he fucked up, but was embarrassed to admit it since he turned down my offer to come along, no less than five times, and didn't want to admit he fucked up. The family noticed my absence and asked him what happened. 
He said he insisted I stay home and that, and that I wanted to come along to be available to him and family. And I guess they smacked him upside the head and told him to get his wife on the phone and that I needed to be there too. And he was being a dick. As I'd suspected, he could only think about making sure his dad was okay. Someone asked if my husband has ADD and yes, he is diagnosed and medicated for it. He added that growing up, his dad was prone to huge tantrums when he was upset and would often scream at people and throw things, which I have witnessed. And with emotions being high this weekend, he was hesitant anyway to subject me to that. And I told him that I'd seen it before and I'm obviously more than capable of giving people some leeway when they are hurting. And that if that was an issue, I had no problem removing myself or the both of us from the situation until it became safe. I asked why he felt it was okay to change plans so many times and not even clue me in. He said that he was caught up in the chaos of the sudden gathering and didn't feel he had the spine to tell anyone to wait to make further plans until he could talk to me. As I'd already given him shit for my not being there in the first place, he figured an ask for forgiveness, not permission strategy was the best one. I mentioned that I posted about this on Reddit and that it received a lot of responses. Before he hears about it from a disembodied voice reading it over a video of a Minecraft backdrop, I wanted to show him everything first. He was upset that I had shared this vulnerable time but was understanding that he put me in a hard situation and that at the end of the day, I needed the support and advice and I was asking because I cared about him, not because I wanted him laid out. We agreed that regardless of his motivations at the time, there was some serious concern with how blasé he was about leaving me behind and how ready he was to say I wasn't close enough to come. We are going to be seeking counselling, both for us and for working through some of his own familial trauma and overall grief counselling, as this is his first close death. And there were some more initial questions to OP that was coming from the comments in the first and the second post. So someone said, why did you let him take your car? OP said at the time it was only supposed to be a three-day max trip. As I commented in the original, he broke a side mirror on his van and didn't feel comfortable taking it on a 12-hour highway drive with limited visibility. I agreed with that concern as I wanted him to be safe and it would only be for three days. The limit in my own driving wouldn't be an issue. Ten days, not so easy to manage. Someone asks, why can't you just communicate like adults? And Opie says, we do, and we did. I didn't feel it was necessary to detail every word said, but I did say we had discussed my feelings before he left, during his first post-departure plan change. And again, when he changed his mind. The first two times I tread gently, but expressed my feelings transparently and offered full support of his emotions. The third time I was less gentle but still firm and placed a boundary on how my time and efforts were to be respected. I wasn't just keeping this all inside, I promise. Someone shouts, he's cheating, and Opie says, no he isn't. As a regular on Best of Redder updates in Am I the Arsehole, on my main I totally understand where this is coming from, but genuinely he isn't. As I mentioned before, we share locations and I can plainly see where he is at any time. Since his arrival, he's been firmly with father-in-law, and there are no exes or old flames in the area. Anytime he's visited family up until the last trip for the last decade, I've been with him, so he hasn't had the opportunity to cultivate a side piece even if he wanted to. Someone says, why do you feel alienated? Opie says his family is very wealthy and focused on financial growth over familial connection, and was like this during the husband's upbringing as well. They have previously expressed classes views, but stopped when they learned of my upbringing. Broke as shit. They've expressed to husband that they don't understand why he doesn't take longer hours, but why I won't pursue a higher paying career in my field, etc. When we chose our careers to have a better work-life balance. I've also recently learned they've made some less than great comments to my husband about 
Here's my weight and how they feel were better than blatant laziness and gluttony. I don't think it was relevant at the time, but since many people asked, we separated briefly in 2017, two years before we married, as he had just graduated college and was in a crisis of direction. While it was amicable and we got back together within two months, his dad had told him that he was glad he dropped the leech. When husband said it was just a break while he figured stuff out, he rescinded the comment. Yes, this was six years ago, but I've always been suspicious of their treatment since then. That said, I'm not rude to them, despite some assumptions. I'm the same around them as my own family. Lastly, yes, I use the term his and my throughout the post. This does not mean I don't consider our families blended or I don't accept his side as my own. It's merely for clarification and to emphasize that I knew this weekend was not about me. Which is why I didn't make a fuss until plans had been changed for the hundredth time with no explanation or warning. Someone said to OP, I don't understand why you can't go to the funeral. OP says, it's a long story, but the bulk of it is this. Grandpa lived in Texas during his final years, not hubby's home state. Being older than God, his wife had passed a long time before and he wanted to be buried alongside her. He was 101 when COVID hit and his other son, his caretaker, made end-of-life arrangements during the pandemic, assuming he'd die that year. Because of gathering restrictions, this didn't involve a funeral. Just shipping him to his home state and burying him in his plot his wife was laid in. This was never changed after the pandemic ended, and he continued to spite morality. When he passed, father-in-law and husband's siblings did not get a chance to say goodbye, and the funeral home was unwilling to change plans to allow him to be seen, as the family was in hysterics and grief. I took it upon myself to get in contact with the other son, the funeral home, and the cemetery to arrange a viewing. At the end of it all, we managed to secure a private, brief viewing for immediate family to say goodbye before he was buried. Nothing formal, no priests, just grandpa and his son and three kids in a room for 15 minutes. Well, I wish we could have arranged more. This is all we could manage, and I'm not even a little bit upset that I couldn't be at the viewing. They deserve privacy and intimacy in that vulnerable time. Someone says, how do you expect him to act next time things get hard? He says, I don't know. I know he supported me completely in a two-year battle with cancer and through four miscarriages. And with my brother's attempted suicide, I've supported him through years of addiction recovery and other trauma. He was a bit thoughtless and self-centered this go around, and I grant that. I think my feelings in the matter were totally valid. I don't think he's a bad man or a bad husband. Grief is a son of a bitch, and I don't expect anyone to be in their right mind. I have a good relationship. I don't want a funeral to be the end of it. Someone says, why would you even post this if you felt you were in the right? Maybe he says I didn't. I snapped at a man who was out of state for a funeral. I wouldn't ask if I was the arsehole or not if I had no doubt that I was in the right. I felt it was important to discuss my feelings in the event. There was any semblance of deliberate intention. I wanted to hold that space for if it was unintentional. Someone says, why are you such a doormat? Opie says, I uphold boundaries 99% of the time and stand my ground on my needs. He does the same. A family member died and he was in disarray. I'm willing to ease up on technicalities while someone is going through it, just as I hope others would do for me. Thank you again for all the advice and thoughts. It really helped me see more clearly how things happened and helped me navigate this very delicate situation. I hope this is the last of this saga, but if shit comes out of the field, I'll be sure to drop another update. I really dislike doormat comments in, in posts like this. Like, like people are expected to just deal with stuff perfectly every single time. 
And there was a lot of breakup comments on this. And I'm just thinking, this, this couple's been together, married for over a decade. And whilst, yes, I still believe that the husband made some, you know, shit choices in all this. Absolutely. I just think Opie's a very compassionate, a very compassionate person to, to step back and see the bigger picture that, you know, there could be a lot of grief going on here. Again, not excusing it. And understands that he might not be quite in his right mind at the moment. You know, we can... People can take stabs at this in all sorts of different ways. But I'm super glad that they did communicate in the end. You know, the, the extra comments on the end there about the family and, and what they, they said about Opie. Calling Opie a leech. It's sort of like, yeah, that just sounds bloody awful. But, but now I'm going to turn this one to you guys. What do you guys make of this situation? How would you deal with it if it was you? Let us know your thoughts down in the comments below. And our next story is from throw away account and says am i the asshole for telling my father i'll cut ties with him if he doesn't come to my wedding throw away because my younger sister knows my main account my 26 female father 59 male is a slightly known musician in my home country due to his career he missed out on most of my milestones while i was growing up school plays a few birthdays and both my high school and college graduations to name a few most of the events he was informed of months in advance and cancelled on me either weeks or days before. He always apologised for doing so but never really seemed to feel guilty. I remember we almost had a fight because I didn't want to watch a video he'd missed my high school graduation to film. It hurt me so much as a child that I stopped expecting him to show up. It still bothered me when I got older but at that point I understood that it was his job and I should be grateful he even had one. I'm getting married in early September. My fiancé, 28 male, and I have been planning this wedding for a year and a half. The date was decided and invitations were sent months ago. Almost every guest has RSVP'd. I've reminded my father of the date several times this past year and he kept assuring me he had blocked the entire week of the wedding and would be there. A couple of days ago, my father called me to inform me he had scheduled a concert for my wedding day. He apologized and said he'd make it up to me with a gift. I don't want a gift. I want my father to come to my wedding. I told him that either he figured out a way to reschedule, which I know he could probably do if he tried, or I'd cut ties with him. What followed was one of the biggest fights we'd ever had. He called me ungrateful, spoiled, and selfish for giving him that kind of ultimatum and expecting him to change his work schedule for my own benefit, which he has asked me to do on many occasions before yelled and I held myself not to yell back. We're still fighting over this. Most of my family is on my side though both my mum, divorced from my dad and my fiancé have warned me not to make any moves I might regret. My sister, 20 female, is on my father's side which doesn't surprise me. I love my father and I really don't want to stop talking to him but I'm done with him expecting to be able to miss out on my life with no consequences. That being said, I'd be lying if I said that I don't feel guilty. Just writing this all down made me feel like a huge brat. Am I the arsehole? Edit. Thought I'd clarify some things. My mum and my fiancé are 100% on my side. They told me to be careful because they know I don't really want to go no contact. Also, my mum has barely spoken to my father in almost 20 years and my fiancé is with me because we love each other, not because who my father is. My father is not a struggling artist. He's been in this line of work since before I was born. I wouldn't consider him rich, but he lives more than just comfortably. 
If I thought he couldn't afford to reschedule a concert, I wouldn't blame him for not being able to come to the wedding. And yes, he paid child support and provided for both me and my sister. I do have other people who can walk me down the aisle. My stepdad, which would make my dad furious, so I might do it purely out of pettiness. And at least two of my best friends would be more than willing to. My father isn't paying for any part of the wedding. He offered to, but I declined. I don't live with him anymore, and both me and my fiancé have good jobs. When I was younger, I told myself that once I didn't need his money anymore, I'd never ask for it again. My sister isn't the golden child. He missed many of her milestones as well. Edit 2, I've tried acting indifferent before. It doesn't work. He interprets it as forgiveness. It's the reason why he still does this. I found this one really sad and it might not be the case, but it just feels like Opie is holding on to what might be, you know, a father-daughter relationship somewhere down the line and it just seems like it's never going to happen. Like Opie said, he's pretty much missed every single milestone growing up and he's not going to attend a wedding, which I just find absolutely ridiculous. He knew about this wedding well in advance. He'd been told several times about it, but then still decided to book something on that day. And so I would love to ask the question to OP. Like I ask in several stories, what is he bringing to your life? There must be something because you're still in contact and you want to have contact. So I'd really love to know what. And whenever I say this about like father and child relationships, people always say, you know, that's what's there is their family, etc, etc. And it's not easy to just cut them off. And I absolutely, totally understand that. But could you imagine missing your own daughter's wedding to do some work? In the comments, someone says, don't cut ties till after you get his wedding present. Opie says I could care less about presents, especially coming from my father. Pretty much anything he gives me will come with strings attached. Someone replies to that and says, that sounds like you have more problems with him than not showing up to stuff. Opie says, yep. We've had a rocky relationship for a little over a decade now, for various reasons, including his tendency of using how much money he'd spend on me and my sister against us. That's why I try not to ask him for anything. Got nothing to do with why I'm threatening to cut contact though. Someone says not the asshole, but if he's busy providing for the family, he's not the asshole either. It's a lose-lose situation. Sure, it's an important moment in your life, but this could be one of his last tours before he hangs up his boots and walks away from music. Opie says, as far as I know, he has no plans of retiring anytime soon. Someone says, what will you tell your children when Papa misses their milestones? Oh, that's just how he is. Make the choice now if you're going to subject your future children to the same pain as you. Opie says, I wouldn't be surprised if I had to force a relationship between him and my future children. My paternal grandfather died when I was 15 and I barely remember his voice because not only did we only see each other once or twice a year, he lived in a different city. He also never tried to have a conversation with me. Someone says, expecting him to change his work schedule for my own benefit. And it says, what does that mean? He changed his own work schedule to four on prior commitments. OP says, as he explained on the phone, he forgot about the wedding date while scheduling the concerts with his manager. His current girlfriend reminded him hours later. I knew he couldn't actually block the whole week. He promised the same thing before my high school graduation, but he could still avoid it. Someone says, if he can't be bothered to walk you down the aisle, one of the most precious moments a father should look forward to, then you were never important to him at all. This was the final indication you needed to move on. Opie says, before he cancelled on me, 
He specifically said he wanted to walk me down the aisle. I didn't want him to. I hate the whole giving the bride away thing, but I'd agreed because I thought it would be important for him. Someone says, I need to ask if your father has not missed much with your sister and that's why she's taken his side. Was he available at her milestones? Opie says, nope. He missed most of hers as well. My sister keeps taking his side for three reasons. She still lives with him. She's been belittling me since she was in elementary school. This is probably my fault, but I've been sheltering her from these things her entire life. The only reason why our father went to a high school graduation was because I berated him. As a teen, I took over her fights with him and played mediator whenever I had to. Basically, she never had many problems with him because of me. She doesn't know half of what I've done for her, and I don't really want her to. The specific concert is in a smaller city. For these, he can usually reschedule until ticket sales are announced, which they haven't been yet. There is some bureaucracy involved, which is why I've never asked him to do so before, but it is doable. He is doing well financially. He's been on four vacations to a nearby town he likes this year alone. He paid for my education and then is still paying for my sisters. He's not Scrooge McDuck or anything, but rescheduling the concert won't affect him too much. So OP did update the post and he said, Hey guys, a lot has happened, but I'll try to keep this short. I start off by saying that your comments on my first post were very eye-opening. Though some of the assumptions you made were wrong, I could see where they all came from. And most of what you said was so spot on it was painful to read. Someone said that my father doesn't see me as a person but as an extension of himself. That one hurt the most because it's the best definition of my relationship with my father I've ever seen. My father wasn't neglectful in the traditional sense. My parents divorced when I was 7 years old and my mum had primary custody of me and my sister. But we still went to his place several times a week. My mother is a teacher and couldn't raise us on a salary alone so he was our main financial supporter even after the divorce because of all of this he seems to believe he was the best father ever whenever we fought he always insisted i was wrong and ungrateful those same arguments were used whenever i demonstrated i was upset over him missing out on my milestones in his head for instance i couldn't get angry if he missed my high school graduation or if he didn't pay attention to any of the projects i developed in college because he was the only one paying for my education. I decided to stop complaining about this when I was younger, having realized I wouldn't be able to get him to see my side. This wedding incident felt like a turning point though, especially since he wasn't paying for anything this time. It made me accept that he doesn't care how much he contributed anymore, but still believes I don't have the right to be upset. I now realize there's no winning this. If he doesn't come, I'll be devastated, if he does, I'll always remember I had to force my own father to come to my wedding. At this point, I'm not even sure which is worse. A few days ago, I had a discussion with my father over the phone, in which I expressed all of the above and more. And as expected, he called me dramatic, accused me of alienating myself and berated me for talking to him the way I did. I hung up on him. This is how our fights have gone since I was a teenager and it never solves anything. We haven't spoken since. I sent him a long text, basically saying I didn't want to hear from him until he was ready to both give me a sincere apology and own up to the status of our relationship is his fault. This is all wishful thinking. I really don't think either are going to happen. I love my father and I know he loves me to bits, but I can't do this anymore. He's been around my entire life and still barely knows me for who I am. It's his turn to make that effort. Right now, I'm trying to muster up excitement for my wedding. I lost most of it these past weeks. 
My fiance, my mum, and my friends are all trying to cheer me up and it's starting to work. I'm definitely feeling a lot better than last week. I'm really grateful to have them in my life. So that's it for now. Thank you all for your support on my previous post. Someone asked some questions to OP after and said, an alternative to your dad walking you down. What about the mum and sibling that you mentioned? OP said my mum may be. Definitely not my sister. I'm also considering my stepdad. Truth be told, I never really wanted to do that part in the first place, so we'll see how it goes. Someone said, I want to say it might be best to have some therapy alone or with your new husband to learn and stop getting hurt by your father. OP says, yeah, I'll look into therapy. I refused to for a long time because I hate the whole opening up thing but now feels like a good time to start. Someone says he will come running if you decide to have kids, but be careful and remember how he treated you. He will do the same to your kids. Oopie says that worries me too. My paternal grandfather was so aloof I have no memory of his voice. He died when I was 15, nor do I remember having a conversation with him. He knew that was his fault and expressed regret, but not to my dad who always idolized him. I think about having children frequently, but I never imagined my dad as a grandfather because I have no doubt he wouldn't recognize those mistakes. I gotta say, although I don't enjoy the pain and everything that Opie's gone through, I do enjoy when they they reveal their story and they get loads of helpful comments. Obviously, they get a lot of unhelpful comments as well, but they get a lot of helpful comments that guide them in the right direction and makes them realize what's actually going on in the background. And I hope that the OP does seek some professional help to talk through what they've actually been through and hopefully it will help them further. But what do you guys make of this situation? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below and let's move on to another story. And our next story comes from HomeWrong44 and says, am I the asshole for saying again after my sister announced that she's pregnant with twins? My 21 female sister, 32 female, has been married to her husband, 33 male, for eight years. They already have six kids total, the last one born five months ago. Yesterday, my sister had announced that she's three months pregnant with twins. While everyone was congratulating her, I said out loud, oh my God, again, can't your stupid husband leave you alone? I didn't mean to say it out loud, but it slipped out and my sister looked at me angrily and literally dragged me into another room and asked, why the fuck did you say that? I told her that she and her husband have been pregnant every year for the last eight years and that she needs to take a break. I was worried about her having so many babies in such a short time. I didn't want anything bad happening to her. She then said, how about you leave us alone and worry about your own shit? This is my life, so fuck off. My mother told me that I should apologize for being rude, but I told her that I won't apologize for showing concern. But now I just can't help thinking that Maybe I was being an asshole and sticking my nose into other people's business. I was just worried, but maybe I was being a jerk. Am I the asshole? Edit. Yes, I do babysit my sister's kids sometimes and all six of them at the same time whenever they need me to and if I'm available. They pay me $30 to $50 an hour, but their kids are pretty destructive and they don't respect other adults like they're supposed to. So it's a full chore watching after them. I'm aware that the stupid husband comment was inappropriate but I have almost no filter and my stupid mouth says shit before my brain can stop it. And um, I've seen some comments talk about the ages and assuming my sister is 21. I'm 21, my sister is 32 and her husband is 33. And in the comments OP left this comment as well saying I inadvertently said it out loud instead of simply thinking about it 
I know, I should have made sure that my big mouth didn't open. I remember we covered a story, it must have been over a year ago now, with the same kind of situation and people talking about, you know, how it's, uh, I don't know, morally not right? I don't know if that makes sense. But basically having too many kids, so you can't give them all enough attention because, you know, there's just too many. And I'm sort of guilty of saying, oh my God, again, about a family that I know, obviously not to their faces, which Opie did in this situation, but I, I definitely said it, I definitely thought it, so I could be guilty of being an asshole myself. But this family, the well, one I'm talking about, has eight children, and one of their children has just had two children. I mean, they're spawning like anything. I mean, it's not my business, keep your nose out of it, Mark, but you certainly hear about it and you see these kids all over the place near where I live. And I do think to myself, how do you care for all those kids? I can barely look after myself. <laughs> but Tube Sweater Guru says you're the arsehole and quotes, I said out loud, oh my God, again, and then says rude and arsehole behavior, but somewhat understandable. And then quotes again saying, can't your stupid husband leave you alone? And then says, what is wrong with you? You said this out loud and still think you may not be the arsehole. Get out of here with that nonsense. Aslob says, in my opinion, not the arsehole. That's too many kids to give adequate care to. And being pregnant consecutively for that long probably is really hard on someone's body and mental health, whether they want to admit it or not. Mother Tradition replies to that and says, if Opie finds those potential problems concerning, she shouldn't have a large family. This is her sister's choice, and she seems happy having a lot of kids. That slops replies to that and says, and what about the kids? Does anyone ask the actual children how they feel about it? Does it matter? I grew up with seven siblings and I can tell you, you simply do not have adequate time to care for each child after kid four. There was so many times I needed my parents to actually be there and care about me and my health, but they couldn't because they spread themselves out too thin. There's a lot of emotional neglect and children raising other children in big families. Busy Shrew says, okay, I admit it. I laughed when I read OP's post. I mean, you probably blurted out loud what a lot of people would be thinking. But yes, OP, you're the arsehole and your mother and sister are right. It's not really your business and it was a rude thing to say. You're still very young and I'm sure they will forgive you, but you might want to explain that you were not ill-wishing these new babies and that you will welcome them with love. And one more comment from Yankee Blue who says not the arsehole. I'm sorry, but I'm not one of those people that would hide my concerns if I don't think the pregnancy is good for them. Maybe your delivery was harsh, but it sounds like it was unintentional and it really did just slip out. I didn't exactly have that reaction, but had a relative get pregnant recently and I'll be honest, I thought it was a bad idea for it to be so soon where they currently were in life. I didn't exactly go negative, but I just didn't respond to the news at all for what felt like an eternity was probably 10 or 20 seconds in reality point being people may not like it but i think you're allowed to have concerns about it but you might have to distance yourself from them if you won't drop it and there was a lot of back and forth on this one you know about one bringing too many children into the world another one it's absolutely none of anyone else's business a lot of people obviously saying OP's the arsehole for saying what they said about the stupid husband, etc, etc. But OP did update the post and they said, I apologize to my sister for insulting her husband and making that rude comment. But I told her that I'm still worried about her having so many kids back to back and that just concerned in general about her health and well-being. She actually forgave me. She said it's because one, I'm a younger sister. Two, she knows about my problem with keeping my thoughts to myself and that I'm working on myself. And three, she knows that I am concerned for her and she appreciates it. 
but she assured me that she's fine and said this pregnancy wasn't planned and her husband plans on getting a vasectomy because they both want this pregnancy to be the last. For those asking in the comments, she and her husband can afford to have kids. She runs a very successful business and is still a co-partner with her best friend in the company that they both started before she got married. How she manages to juggle being a full-time mum and work here and there is beyond me, but she does. That's why I babysit sometimes when the nanny isn't available 24-7. Her husband was the one who initially wanted a big family, and my sister just went along with the idea. But that's their business. I've been sat here, you know, like absolutely their life and all that kind of thing. But I've been sat here trying to imagine what it would be like with like eight kids in the house. How would you deal with that? Like, I know as they get older, they probably get their own responsibilities and stuff like that. But just like dealing with breakfast, dinner time, lunch, taking them out for the day. You'd need a bloody van or two cars, school uniforms, just the costs involved as well. It's giving me a headache thinking about it. Holy shit. And now <laughs> I'm going to turn this one to you guys before my head explodes. <laughs> what do you guys make of this situation? Holy moly. Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. And our next story is from Personal Magazine 37 and says, Am I the asshole for giving my girlfriend an ultimatum? Throw away. I only made this for this exact thing, and from this, I'll plan what I do with this relationship. I, 21 female, am in a relationship with Tyra, 20 female. We've been together for a year now. Tyra had a previous relationship where the woman she dated truly was not lesbian but since coming out was a new thing in our town her ex just did it for some stupid trend when they dated tyra's ex was cheating with men which one of those flings became serious ex-girlfriend ended up spilling everything and left tyra for him this left tyra with some issues i feel like her issues are to the point where she needs help i understand her pain and done everything in my power to make her comfortable i constantly show her off buy expensive things for her. I allow her free room to check my phone when I'm out with friends. And if she needs me, I'm there before we're off the phone. I'd literally give the clothes off my back and the food out my mouth to this girl. A week after our one year mark, Tyra sat me down. I assumed it was because we were planning to move in together. She started off really sweet. To summarize, she said her feelings were strong and she could see us spending the rest of our lives together. But she had some rules which will make her feel comfortable and secure. Here's the rules. She wants me to FaceTime her every single time I'm supposedly on break at work. I can't have any guy friends. I can't hang out with any of my family friends who are men, including my childhood best friend. Literally since diapers, our families are immigrants since they're Asian and we are African. Our cultures have some similarities, so our families practically merged when the elders met after landing in the US. Good contact with him would rain hell on me. Plus, he's my brother. I'd never hurt him like that. Lastly, unless the guy friend is gay or trans, I can't chill with them. She also needs proof they are actually gay. I looked at her with a dead face and I said, no. If isolating myself from guys in general and my family makes you feel secure, then I guess I won't feel secure, Tyra. Do what you need with that information. Then I left. I didn't see her for two days after that. During that time, her mum and sisters called me to try to get me to see from her point of view. I told them they were stupid for enabling her point of view. Tara asked for us to talk a while after. I told her we could text as I'm pretty hurt and don't want to see her face. This is exactly what I said. You have no right to control me or what I do. I am not your ex and I've been dating women since I was 15. We've been together for a year now. 
Aren't I trustworthy? Have I ever let you down or disappointed you? Now, I have one rule. You get therapy, and I'm not bluffing when I say just as fast as you say no, I will have Tinder downloaded and my Facebook status back to single. I also told her she didn't have to respond right away. I'd give her some time to herself. Ira is now making posts about unfaithful people. I've never cheated on anyone, so I don't know who that's for. Partners who aren't focused on making their partner comfortable. I've done enough. There's so much more too. She hasn't responded to the message still because everyone knows I don't bluff. My family is on my side. After the whole thing about cutting contact with my best friend, they don't like her now and want me to break up with her. And I'm leaning towards that. However, I guess she told some of her friends because they are harassing me. They said partners don't give ultimatums to each other and if I actually cared for her, I'd go along with everything and give her some time to heal. With time, everything will get better. One of them even said I must be talking to a guy on the side because I wouldn't be going so hard about this. I think I'm just standing up for myself. I've never been in a relationship where someone has past relationships that were so bad, so I don't know if I'm just being insensitive. Am I the arsehole? Someone makes a comment about Ira feeling trust in a relationship and Opie says that's all I really wanted her to feel. I've always told her whenever she's down I'll always be there to pick her back up. It honestly feels like she's telling me I'm not trustworthy after all the hard work I put in showing that I love her. My heart's broken but I'm just getting to the point where I won't stick around and allow someone to treat me like I'm a cheater when I haven't done anything wrong to her. I'm praying I have the type of love you have later in life. Someone says hold up. Her friend said partners don't give ultimatums to each other. But isn't that what Tyra did with her rules? Opie says, yep, it's different because I didn't go through what she did. They, her and her friends, also agree I should lose contact with straight men, but she has guy friends. That's different too. In the end, what's expected of me is to lose contact with men, excluding co-workers, just until she heals. There's still no response to my last message about therapy. Based on the past few comments, it's official. My relationship is going in the trash now. God, so their friends have that point of view as well. I, I originally come into these stories and, you know, when you hear friends or family's been told about a situation like this, you think they can't, surely they can't have been told the real story here because no one would back them up on that. No one would say, you know, you can't have any friends from the opposite sex because that's just wild. Wanting you to FaceTime every time you're on breakup work. If someone came up to me and told me that, I'd be saying, I think you need to see someone because that's controlling behavior. And let's not forget that you can't hang out with family friends who are men as well. And you wasn't the one to give the ultimatum in this. She gave you the ultimatum by setting those rules and saying, you know, this is the case, like it or lump it. But you just simply said, no, I'm not dealing with that bullshit. So you just set a boundary in this. Creepy Addict says in quotes, they said partners don't give ultimatums to each other and says, um, she gave you an ultimatum that you just countered with one of your own. Her rules are all based on her trauma and she does need therapy. Also, her rules are borderline abusive, trying to isolate you from friends and family, even if it's only men. She isn't ready for a relationship and you'd be better off taking a step back and seeing if she gets therapy and block her friends. Not the arsehole. Lady Trigg says not the arsehole. Every single long-term relationship I've had has ended in them cheating, including my first marriage. I used to worry about where they were and who they were with, but I never pushed it. I never tarred them with the same brush as the last guy, even though they would ultimately go and do exactly the same thing. 
Each one hurt more than the last because they all knew I'd been constantly cheated on. When I got with my current husband, I just knew I could trust him. If I couldn't get a hold of him, I knew it was his signal or his phone died. I never questioned it. I just waited until he inevitably called. We were long distance for the first six months as well. We've been together 10 years now and I've been married for six of those. I trust that man more than any other person on this planet. And one more comment from Mark of Controversy says not the arsehole. She wants proof that you aren't going to cheat with guys. There will never be enough proof and you'd have to live with her controlling every moment of your life and she still won't trust you. That won't work in the long run, even if you agreed to all her demands. Also, since you're a lesbian, if you were inclined to cheat, wouldn't you be a lot more likely to cheat with a woman? She needs help or she'll never have a trusting relationship with you or anyone else. You were right to make your own demand for her to seek counseling. The OP says in their update, I just want to give an update and thanks to everyone who gave advice. I sincerely appreciate it. The day after I posted, I took some of your advices to help me break things off with Tyra. I texted her, informed her that due to the post she made, we were not fit for each other. I also added that I loved her and hope she still goes through therapy to help with her future relationships. My mum and I had a talk. She decided it would be best for me to give Tyra her things just to ensure nothing turned out for the worse. My mum's house is actually a family home and that all my best friends and my elders live in together so she felt it was better if Tyra got physical. I text Tyra one last time telling her she could pick the few things she had left over the year at my mum's place and my mum would be there to hand it off to her. I blocked her after because she began to blow up my phone calling more times than I can count. The next day in the evening, my mum called me when Tyra came to pick up her stuff. I heard some screaming from Tyra. She was yelling that my mum's the reason I was breaking things off, which is not true. My mum listened to me and ignored her. Sat the stuff down and went back in the house, locking the door behind her. She legit started banging on the door and sat outside the house for 30 minutes, saying she wasn't leaving until she talked to me because none of this is like my name. My mum called the cops and they got her off the property and told her that if she came back, they should be trespassing, so they'd have to arrest her. From what my friends have shown me, Tyra is on a rampage. They put lives in several posts about me. She even found she even found my first post on here and made a post about me telling people who have nothing to do with our relationship. She's been deleting comments where people are telling her she needs to stop. Tyra has made some threats concerning my life. But my uncle is a veteran and has good connections with our local police station, as well as some connections with judges who have said if she tries anything, even stalking my place or my job, there'd be grounds to get a restraining order. If she goes against that, then there'd be legal consequences. As of right now, my friends have kept her on Facebook and just take screenshots of any concerning posts in case I need them. Oh, and I was contacted by Tyra's ex. She's seen the drama on Facebook. A post my friend made, just talking about Tyra's past relationship caught her eye. Turns out she never cheated. She broke up with Tyra due to her abuse. You guys were right, with her ex. She first started off with cutting off guys, then women, and after a while she started isolating her from family and friends. Ex started dating other people, but Tyra made a lie that they were still dating when she started seeing others. She's bisexual. What do you know, Tyra is just crazy. I've been given permission to share this. Again, Thank you to everyone for the advice. I appreciate it deeply. I hope life gives the best it has to offer to all of you. And in the comments, someone said, How are her friends and parents not seeing how crazy she's acting? She needs professional help and help now before she does something crazy. OP says, From what I was told by her ex, they were even okay with everything happening in their relationship with her being isolated from her family. It's crazy to me. 
I was shown some reports that were filed by her ex. What she tried with me was only the tip of what happened with her last relationship and her ex has a restraining order on her so that will expire soon. Someone says I had security cameras to my home and dash cams to my door just to be safe. Does she know where you live? Opie says she does but I'll definitely take that advice and see about the cameras tomorrow. And I really do hope that Opie takes the advice about cameras and just setting up some sort of safety because threats against her just sounds wild and from hearing about her previous relationship and that she was abusive there as well is actually quite scary but what do you guys make of this situation what would you do in it let us know your thoughts down in the comments below and let's move on to another story now this next story comes from a throwaway account and says partner wants an open relationship with a specific person hello there these past few days have been some of the toughest for me and I'm looking for any insight. My girlfriend and I have been in a monogamous relationship for the past three years. Our relationship has always been healthy and we have been really happy together. We're completely transparent and we have always addressed any problems as soon as they arose. I trust her completely and she trusts me completely. Currently, my girlfriend and I are in a long distance relationship and not sure when we will be able to close the gap. She recently moved away to a new city where she has no friends or family around her, so I already know she's been feeling lonely. Recently, she developed feelings for a co-worker and explained that she feels a sacred and rare connection with this person and that she sees him as a long-term friend. But in order to move along as strictly friends, they need to release the current tension so they can move forward as only friends. She explained that she does not necessarily mean she wants to be sexual with this person, but just wants an opportunity to sort through her curiosity. She immediately told me she was facing these feelings as soon as she found out herself. She reassured me that she still wants to be with me in the long run, but she can't control her feelings, and it's too important to cut out of her life. Her preference is to open the relationship so she explore her feelings with this person. She explained that she is not even sure if she wants to be intimate with this person, but just wants the freedom to explore the curiosity and find out exactly what it is. She has made it known that ultimately I have the final say and if I ask to cut him off, she will do so. I just don't want her to resent me for this later down the line. The thought of her with someone else makes me uncomfortable, but I've been trying to be as open-minded as possible because I can see how important this is to her. I've been reading numerous posts about consensual non-monogamy and I still have a hard time wrapping my head around it to be honest. My girlfriend and I have been in a constant communication trying to sort through this and we have both been honest about our feelings and how this has taken a toll on the both of us. Is there anyone that's been in a similar situation? Is there truly a healthy way to go about discussing an open relationship? In this case, is she putting the horse before the cart when trying to suggest this idea? Lastly, does anyone have any recommendations or resources where we can go to talk to an online therapist that is familiar with non-monogamy Holly? Now I can tell from myself straight away that would be a deal breaker for me. Like I'd be okay that they've told me their feelings and you know, that's their feelings. But if you want to, you know, explore with another person, you're going to have to do that in a separate relationship. There's no way I'd be able to open it and then they'd be like, oh yeah, you're going to release the tension, which I found weird in itself. Like they're going to get together, they're going to have sex and then suddenly, oh, tension's gone, we're back to friends. No, it's just going to bring them closer together. And many people in the comments were stuck on that point as well about releasing the tension and just thinks, you know, that's bullshit. Opie updated and said, I told my partner that after doing research that I'm not fully opposed to an open relationship because of our current long distance circumstances and the uncertainty of when we will be together again. 
However, I don't think it's fair to rush into this decision for a specific person. It felt like it was more about the specific person than the actual concept of non-monogamy. Ultimately, I told her that I don't want to open the relationship right now. We talked yesterday after I made my decision that it has not been good so far. She told me she is hurt and doesn't agree, but she gets it. She said she feels scared because she didn't think it would hurt so bad. I'm in a lot of pain. I feel so defeated, to be honest. I can already feel her resenting me, and I hate seeing her so hurt. I feel like there was no right decision that I could have made. Part of me thinks I should have just agreed. I don't know. I feel broken. Next updates. These 36 past days have been some of the toughest of my life. I made my initial decision on February 8th and said no to opening the relationship. I saw what it did do to her, how it affected her. It hurt her so bad to see her like that and I started to second guess myself and reconsider my decisions for her sake. I started to question whether I truly made the right decision. She reassured me that despite how hasty it was, the situation would work. She told me again it was for the sole purpose of being his friend and that every day she'd make sure she'd be intentional and working towards that goal. She told me neither her or the guy wanted this to feel like a relationship. She told me she'd limit their time together and limit sleepovers. She told me she wanted it to still feel like they were still friends, just like with a physical boundary down. She told me it didn't feel feasible for her to act in a certain way with him because she knew how deep our love ran and she said that level of vulnerability felt like something I was only allowed to experience. She reassured me I was a constant in this and she wanted to be together long term. She eased my mind and I started to believe that maybe this could actually work. That even though it didn't sound logical that spending more time together and being intimate would somehow make it easier for you all to just be friends. I said maybe this is the anomaly and it's possible for in this situation. I reversed my decision on February 15th and decided to open the relationship. From there, everything changed. They spent a lot of time together. They've been sleeping over at each other's places. They're both experiencing NRE. I think that might mean new relationship energy. Not totally sure on that. And having a great time with their newfound relationship. My girlfriend acknowledged that they haven't really talked much about how to be friends again before April 30th. The day he's leaving comes around. It seems pretty clear that neither of them have any intention of wrapping this up before April 30th. I agreed to this open relationship under the assumption we'd be doing it so they could figure out how to be friends, not just having a fling for two months. I told her that. She acknowledged it's not really about figuring out how to be friends, but more so about her wanting to explore a sexuality and identity. I feel duped. When she told me that, I told her those weren't the parameters I was operating under when I agreed to open the relationship. I told her that they can still hang out together, but I'm no longer comfortable with them doing sexual activities. She pushed back on the idea and pretty much just wants to do whatever she wants with him for the next two months without restrictions. She's currently debating on what she wants to do. As she put it, deciding between her happiness in the moment and her happiness in the long term, in a future timeline that doesn't exist yet. I'm broken. This hurt so much and I did not think it would ever get to this point. I truly can't fathom why she'd want to throw away our three-year relationship for something she knows is going to end in under two months. I have no one to talk to. I just feel so alone and low at the moment. 99% of the comments from my initial post were spot on and said something like this would happen. Maybe I was just naive and hoped our situation would be the anomaly. Update 3 Not really much to update on, I just wanted to see if there's anyone out there that has experienced their intuition or gut feeling telling them to seek something else outside of their existing relationship. My girlfriend keeps attributing all of this to her intuition and pursuing this feeling with this guy as the right thing to her. 
I never know how to respond to that because it feels like a way to deflect what she's doing, but I am unsure. Can your intuitions really guide you to do something that isn't fair to someone you love? I don't want to burn bridges with anyone I cross in life, so how do I go about saying that your intuition doesn't justify screwing someone over? Opie's last update. Hi all, it's been a while. I haven't posted an update on the situation in a while, but it feels like the saga has finally concluded. So here's the final update. Last time I made an update, my girlfriend was debating between closing our relationship again or taking a break from our relationship. Well, in late March slash early April, she made a decision and asked for a break from our relationship. She told me she still wanted to be with me in the long run, but this was the right thing for her to do in the moment. We didn't really talk about it for a month and spoke again in early May. This is important because if you recall from my initial post, the co-worker she wanted to mess around with was leaving April 30th. And that's why it was so dire for her to explore this connection with him. Well, we talk and she reiterates that she does not want to be in a relationship with me at the moment. But she does want to be with me in the future. A few weeks go by and we talk again. She tells me that the now former co-worker is coming from his hometown to visit her in a couple of months. And they are spending an entire weekend together at a rave festival. It absolutely destroys me. From the beginning, I didn't want to rush into an open relationship and she swayed me because she made it seem like after April 30th, her and this guy would likely never cross paths. And yet, here they are, making plans to see each other, not even two months later. Time goes by and we don't talk again until early June. This time, her sentiment changes and she no longer wants to be in a relationship with me in the future. She explains that she felt this way before the new guy ever came into her life. I honestly don't believe that whatsoever and it just feels like she has cultivated a relationship with this guy and now sees a future with him. It upsets me so much because to me, her reasoning sounds like a way to not take responsibility for her actions. It just feels like she waited to cut things off with me until she was sure about this new guy. I feel so deflated and I've been trying to find reasons to keep going, but it's so freaking hard. I'm doing all the right things. Going to the gym, seeing my therapist, started a new job, got into grad school, but I still feel horrible. I hate the person I see in the mirror. I keep asking myself why I wasn't good enough. What did I do to deserve this? I was so good to her and I always put in so much effort into our effort. And it feels like she threw me to the wind as soon as someone better came into her life. I'm terrified to be involved with anyone. If the person I trusted so freaking much for three years can just change her mind one day, how can I ever feel secure in future relationships, whether it be five months, five years, or 50 years down the line? It's scary that things can change that quickly. I'm lost. That's an absolutely sad and frustrating update. But I gotta say from the way that I'm feeling, and it might sound horrible, and I don't mean it to be, but for OP's sake, I'm glad that the relationship did end. Because in all honesty, you don't want to keep chasing this person really just need to sort of block and move on from that but now i'm going to turn this one to you guys what do you guys make from this situation let me know your thoughts down in the comments below and our next story is from same file 502 and says am i the asshole for saying that i was hurt that i wasn't invited to a wedding that all my old friends were invited to i 28 male used to have a friend group of about 10 people back when we were in middle and high school then college happened and we all drifted apart. Nothing happened to make us drift apart, just growing up and losing contact. Still friends, but not talk all the time and hang out regularly friends, if that makes sense. But of course, some of us stay close friends with each other. One person from this group, Kayla, 
fake name, 28 female, is getting married in a few weeks. I didn't get an invitation, but I wasn't hurt. I understood. We didn't stay close friends, but then I was hanging out with my best friend, Bob, 28 male, who was also in that friend group, a few days ago, and he mentioned that he's going to the wedding. I was a little surprised, but I just told him I hope he had a good time. He asked if I was going and I told him no, I didn't get an invite. He said that was strange because everyone else from the group was going. Two of them were plus ones as they were dating or married to other ones who got an invite. But they were all going and Kayla knew it and even told Bob she was really happy that the gang was getting back together on her special day. I told Bob I was kind of hurt by that but I didn't want to make a big deal of it. Two days pass. Kayla calls me fuming mad that I was whining that I didn't get an invite to anyone who would listen. I told her that I wasn't. I explained to her what happened. She said that she's been getting texts and calls from other members of the group saying that she should have included me and wanted me to put a stop to it. I said I would do my best and that I was sorry that I caused her this trouble. She thanked me for the apology and hung up. I called Bob and asked him why he spread this around and he said that he didn't mean to. He felt bad that I was hurt and he wanted to ask someone else from the group if they knew why I wasn't invited. And she spread it around, I guess, and everyone wanted to know why Kayla cut me out, specifically so they started asking her. So I made a Facebook group chat with all of them and politely asked them to leave Kayla alone. But I was just hurt in the moment and vented about it to my best friend, and that's where it should have stayed. They all said okay and apologized to Kayla. Yesterday, Kayla made a Facebook post ranting about me without saying my name and said she had to hire security and give them a photo of me to make sure I didn't try to crash the wedding. Something I would never do. The comments under the post were calling her out. She called me again and screamed at me that I was ruining her wedding and told me that some of the friends are considering not going to the wedding now and now I'm just wondering if I should have just kept my mouth shut or stood up for myself or what. So the next day, OP adds a little edit to the post and says, I woke up to 160 something notifications on this and I'm doing my best to answer the questions and all that. But to answer some frequent questions and points, I'm bi. I have no knowledge of Kayla ever having a crush on me. I don't know if her fiance is gay or bi. I never dated Kayla. I dated someone else from the group back in high school into college, but the relationship ended amicably and I'm still good friends with her. The only notable event that might have made things weird is that we all went skinny dipping once when we were 16, but nothing else really happened there and as far as I know, nobody was creeped out or anything by it. There was no big political shift in any of us that may have divided us. Someone asks OP, was she always this unhinged? And OP says, not that I remember. She was a little intense sometimes, but never this kind of crazy. Someone says, why did you apologize? And OP says, she was very mad on the phone. I was surprised that she found out about a private conversation I had in my backyard and I felt bad that the others were asking her why I wasn't invited so much that she felt the need to call me. If I did it again after she made the Facebook post and then called to yell at me again, I probably wouldn't have apologized, but hindsight is 2020. Someone says, is it a race or a sexuality thing? Opie says, most of us are white, two Asians and a Hispanic person. But Kayla and I are white, so I don't think it's that. There are others in the group that are gay or bi for sure. Three of them out and one that's still in the closet but has told me. I don't know who else they've told though. Someone says, you don't know what your other friends may have said to her. And Opie says, you are right. I don't know what they were saying to her. They said they were just asking her why I wasn't invited while the rest of them were. 
but I just took their word for it. They may have been rude or badgered her, or who knows what else. And you are also right that it's within her right to not invite me. Of course, I didn't mean to stir any drama at all with any of this. I was just sitting outside with my best friend, having some drinks, and I admitted I was hurt that everyone but me was invited, and that's all I expected it to be. Just two friends talking. Then this whole thing spiraled into a shitstorm that I didn't intend in my wildest dreams. I mean, to me in this, you can't be the asshole. You was asked if you were going to the wedding. You simply said no. You wasn't invited. You're not responsible for other people's actions after that. I guess the interesting point is, and hopefully we're going to find out within the update, what's the reason why? What do you think it is at this moment? But Pepper Breaker says, if the recounting of events is accurate, not the arsehole, though I do wonder why she specifically excluded you. In any case, please give Kayla my contact details. With her great attitude and pleasing personality, she would definitely need a divorce lawyer somewhere down the road. Bop, 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 do what says, <laughs> not the arsehole. You were asked if you were going. You said you weren't invited. Your friend, not you, expressed surprise and told the rest of the group. The rest of the group, not you, reached out to the bride. You apologized to the bride for their actions. You asked them to stop. You've already apologized for something that wasn't your fault. Now she's spinning this into you wanting to crash the wedding. Anyone now decided to not go is making a good call and you've dodged a bullet. TGAH says, not the arsehole. Did you ever find out why you were excluded in the first place? Because all that drama she's stirring up is because of that. Of course, if you don't invite one person out of the group, it's likely they'll find out. You're completely not the arsehole for being hurt and for talking to your friend. This is all on Kayla. She has the right to not invite you, but this is the expected outcome if there's no obvious reason known to the group. And one more comment from Mr. Intensity who says, not the arsehole. Kayla is not your friend. If she is going as far as telling security not to let you in in her wedding, that says everything you need to know about what she thinks about your friendship. You should block her so you don't have to put up with her rants about ruining her wedding. It's her behavior that's making people reconsider going to her wedding, not yours. After your apology, that should have been the end of the rumors, but she's making a much bigger deal about nothing. You should never speak to her again until she gives you a sincere apology. So OP updates the post and they said I decided to just do the update here because it's too soon after the post and I didn't want to deal with the mods of am I the arsehole being strict about the update posts. Anyway, I finally got the answer to why I wasn't invited to the wedding. Turns out that someone else from the group named Samantha, again fake names all around, has had a crush on me for years but has been too afraid to tell me or act on it. Samantha was in the bridal party of Kayla's wedding and told Kayla that she was finally going to make a move on me at the wedding after all her bridal party duties were taken care of. Kayla didn't like this and thinks that I'm not good enough for Samantha, but she didn't say anything and decided to just not invite me and hope Samantha dropped it. But when Samantha heard about me not being invited, she could smell the bullshit and confronted Kayla. Knowing exactly why I wasn't invited and she wasn't sure she wanted to be in the bridal party after Kayla would do something like this to her. That's when Kayla called me and flipped out the first time. After the group chat where I asked them to stop, Samantha was so upset that she did drop out of the bridal party and that prompted the second phone call blow up to me. Samantha called me this afternoon and told me all this, apologized for all the bullshit and asked me out for dinner on the night of the wedding and I accepted. This might seem petty to go out on the night of the wedding but it was Samantha's idea and also Kayla is batshit crazy and her number and social media is blocked so I can't get any more calls if she blows up a third time. 
Thanks for the judgment and kind words and reassurance in the Am I the Arsehole post. Small additional update. I posted this to the bottom of my update posts, but someone told me to make its own post, so here you go. Hi, sorry I haven't checked in this in a few days. Little baby updates for you. Nothing big enough for a full update yet. The wedding and my date with Sam is next weekend, so I expect the big update after that. Sam is considering slash joking, not sure which, that she's going to wear her bridesmaid's dress to the date because she loves the color, she's already paid for it, and my tits look fantastic in it. <laughs> I'm a little worried that's too shoving it in Kayla's face, but Sam says she deserves it. I also asked Sam if she would be willing to write her own point of view here, and she said she would love to, and that she will after our date when we go back to my place. Also, Kayla actually sent me a letter in the mail apologizing and asking to unblock her so we can talk about this and heal the loose ends. I didn't unblock her. Sam is completely certain that she's only trying to apologize so that I tell the other four friends who have dropped out of the wedding to attend it. Like I said, big updates next weekend and Sam's point of view. So was I reading that right in that she was just trying to block them from getting together, trying to control her friends' relationships, not wanting there to get with OP. It's really strange. I guess the only other thing it can be is that they don't want them getting together at the wedding so she doesn't, so the attention doesn't turn to them, if you like. Holy shit, man. And it looks like there is still more to come after the wedding and it's not going to be the end of this one just yet. But now I'm going to turn this one to you guys. What do you guys make of this situation? Where do you think it's going to go? Ooh-wee. Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below and let's move on to another story. And our next story does come with an update as well. A little bit of office drama which caught my eye from Steel Snapdragon from the Am I the Arsehole subreddit and says, Am I the Arsehole for embarrassing a lunch thief at work? Ooh-wee. So pretty much the title. I don't think I'm the a-hole, but I've been getting some flack for it. So I really want to clear this up. I started a new job recently. I work in a small studio and there are several others in the building. Think open plan office with sections assigned to each studio. The person I had an altercation with doesn't work for my studio, just for your information. I ate lunch at 1pm-ish and most people eat at 12. I came down early to eat at 12. I made coffee and while at the counter, I noticed my Tupperware in the sink. Empty. Imagine my surprise when I turned around and saw a man I didn't know sitting down at the table with my food on his plate. He just stuck it in the microwave, acting rashly since I was mad. I sat down next to him and said, hey, that looks good, mind if I try it? Then, before waiting for an answer, I yanked the plate away from him and snatched his fork out of his hand. He just blinked in shock as did the other people there as I started eating. Then he quite loudly asked what I thought I was doing. I replied, huh? You know this was actually much better when I first cooked it. It probably lost some flavor in the fridge. He caught on quickly that it was my food and went a little red. I then asked him where he got the gall to steal someone else's lunch and then asked them what they were doing when they took it back. He stuttered out some nonsense about not knowing it was mine. And I replied, well, you knew it wasn't yours, right? He just mumbled something like an apology. I said, that's no problem. It was nice he had warmed it up for me at least in an admittedly bitchy tone. And then he just got up and left, and the people there just stared in silence. Two of the silent watchers, maybe his mates, I don't know, told me I was rude to him, and there had been nicer ways to go about it. 
I told them, I think how they'd feel if someone ate their food before saying they should focus on their lunch and I'll focus on mine. Well, it's been a little awkward at lunch since and I have the impression a few people are talking shite about me at work now. Maybe I could have been nicer, sure. I still don't think I was wrong, but tell me Reddit, am I the asshole? There was one comment which Opie replied to. The comment was, unpopular opinion, you're the asshole. People who steal food for no reason absolutely are assholes, but you don't know this guy's living situation or financial situation. He should not have stolen your stuff, but publicly humiliating someone who may have had to steal to survive? Nope. I'd have pulled him to the side and politely let him know it was my lunch. That way you get your lunch back, don't humiliate him, and don't look like an asshole for the rest of the office. Opie responds saying, I see where you're coming from, but I don't see this as an acceptable excuse. He doesn't know my financial situation either. I moved recently into a new apartment with a roommate and had to pay three times rent the first month, deposit and first month's rent, and my low three months probation pay at work just barely covers rent, not considering utilities, groceries, fuel for my car, etc. I've been dipping into savings till I can get better pay and spent the first month in my place eating on the floor because we had no furniture or spare cash to get some. It's very unfair to put a stranger's financial situation ahead of mine when I cook in bulk to save money and sometimes eat the same food for lunch all week. As I said, we do have an update to this in just a second. I remember when I had my baguette stole from work once. We used to have like a, a sandwich van that comes round sort of every lunchtime. You go out, you buy a sandwich, take it back in, put it in the fridge, whatever you do with it. And I remember being super hungry that day, but I was going to hold off. So I went out in the morning, got my roll. I think it was like a ham cheese one. Pretty standard, but absolutely loved it. Was looking forward to this because it's like crusty bread as well, which I absolutely love. Shoved that mother in the fridge and went about my, my work duties. I was working in the warehouse at that point. Come out about between 12 and 1 o'clock, go to the fridge, forgets gone. Totally gone. I can't tell you the disappointment I felt in that moment. And it was just like the insecurity of knowing someone around me. And there was a lot of people. It was like between 80 and 100 in this sort of office slash warehouse. Not knowing who has taken my lunch. And we never ever did find out. There was other lunch thieves that did get caught out. So maybe it was one of those. Apparently there was one guy that got spotted every time he went to lunch and he went out the office. He would go to the work fridge first and then just walk out the door. People didn't see what he was taking, etc. He was a thief at one point. Don't know if it is the one that stole my baguette, but I did complain to my manager at that point and an email went around about taking other people's food in the fridge, but that was about it. So I lost the baguette and that was it. It's really pissing me off. I get pissed off now about it. But one fine wire says not the arsehole. I was told when I was hired at my new job by HR that there are people who go through others' lunches and to not put my lunch in a certain fridge. That's why we have mini fridges around the office. I told her the second I find someone going through my lunch bag or eating my food, I will snap. And they said, okay, thanks for the warning. Like, what the fuck? Who steals others' food? I just can't understand. Vegas says, not the arsehole. I bet this guy does this all the time. And people know it because it's rude to tell someone off and he just gets away with it. I got told to calm down by my restaurant supervisor after I paid for a staff meal. Didn't get sent on break by him. Saw my food getting cold on the pass and then had the kitchen hand who knew it was someone's staff meal, take it home. Supervisor refunded my money, but couldn't understand why I was still pissy. Because I'm effing hungry. Brogling says not the arsehole. And this kind of thing is from what happens at my place of employment and stories I hear on here, and from friends personally, kind of becoming an epidemic. 
I don't know if it's because these people were coddled too much by their parents when they were young or what and have major entitlement issues, but it's definitely a thing now amongst the 30s and 40s crowd. My office finally just put a camera in the break room aimed at the fridge door. Problem solved. Never happened again after that. Erected Kirby says, comment sections like this really show Reddit's lack of real world experience, lol. The guy who stole your lunch is an idiot and you were way more rude than you needed to be over food. Anyone not chronically online can see everyone sucks here. And one more comment from Boxer who says 100% not the asshole. In what BS world do we have to be ever so polite to thieves to avoid embarrassing them? You didn't throw the food in his face or curse him out. You called him out in a professional manner and he deserved it. I hope he's embarrassed as hell. Your co-workers, minus the thief's friends, probably admire the hell out of you. The OP first adds an edit and says, Okay, this blew up. Just wanted to drop an edit on here to say thank you so much for all the comments, support and awards. It's great to know I wasn't completely overreacting. Maybe I should chat with some people and see if the food thief has struck before. We'll update then if you all are interested. Otherwise, additional info. I saw some comments saying I should go to HR, but my studio doesn't have HR and the perp doesn't work for the same place. We do have a de facto office manager, but I don't want to take it any further since I'm new here and on probation slash think my reaction might have been enough. An OP's update says, so not sure if anyone wanted an update, but I finally found out from a new friend at work that yes, the lunch thief is struck before. Apparently everyone wrote their names on their lunch to combat this. And then the thief targeted unmarked lunch or lunch items. Guess no one told me. People apparently started being petty and standoffish to the thief since, and he blames me for that. Lol. Also, according to my new friend, most were actually very pleased that the thief was finally identified and dealt with. I was assured that besides the thief in question and his cronies, no one thought I was being a bitch. However, not knowing much about me, they assumed I was a very serious or cliquey person from my reaction. Which I mean, fair. I dress very professionally when most of the office dresses quite casually. Which probably added to that. Think high heels, blouse and skirt versus shorts, graphic tee and slops. I started to come down to lunch earlier to chat with some people and the office seems to be warming up to me. So not a drama filled update but I'm happy things turned out so well. And my reputation with my colleagues is off to a good start. Thanks again for all the comments and support. This will be the final edit slash update too. Thanks Reddit. That's a positive update. It might not be drama filled, but it's a positive update for you, which I am all for getting in with your colleagues, getting to know them. Going down to meet your colleagues is going to be a great relationship builder. And I hope it continues to move in a positive manner forward. I just can't get what goes through people's heads when they're looking in the fridge and thinking, oh, what can I have today? What's not marked here? And think they're just going to take it, warm it up and start eating it. You know, there's the chance, like the other comment said, the person could be extremely desperate in a dire financial situation. But like OP replied, they don't know OP's situation either. They even went through all their financial struggles currently. But now I'm going to turn it to you guys. Have you ever faced an office thief? Have you ever heard of one around your place? Let us know your thoughts down in the comments. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. And our next story is from My Issues 123 from Lift True Off My Chest subreddit and says to my husband's female colleague. And before we do get into this story, I do want to give you a couple of warnings before we do. It does contain mental illness and talk of stalking as well so if you do want to skip the story please feel free to do so timestamps are always down in the description and along the timeline below thank you i do not know your reddit name but you finally gave me a reason to use this throwaway i know you look through the sub after you got advice here telling you to come clean to be about your affair with my husband i personally couldn't find a thread that fit the description but could be the wrong sub or you deleted it so if you read this and it sounds familiar then yes it's about you I have no plans of speaking to you in the future, but I want to make a few things clear. Yes, I do remember when we first met at the Christmas party. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. You kept trying to get my husband alone to talk. You pouted so much when he refused and I thought you would quack. Do you remember how all of his colleagues were friendly with me? I remember when you approached my husband and I was walking home from my birthday dinner. I'm pretty sure this was a coincidence, but seeing my husband practically jump away from you, trying to hug him was the highlight of my night. I know my husband is sexy. Of course I know. I married him and had kids with him. I bet you didn't know because you've only been at the company for a few months that your co-workers used to be my co-workers. I know all about you trying to get them alone after meetings, not only straight from my husband because you make him feel uncomfortable, but also from them. You think he wouldn't talk to me after you accidentally sent him two provocative photos on two separate occasions. Do you really think you could really get him? Did you look at his Instagram and think, wow, I want that life. I, I just need to lie to his wife and it's all mine. Do you think knocking on my door when I'm hosting a dinner party to hand me printouts of your conversations with him that I would go off on the deep end and divorce him? I'm pretty sure HR have spoken to you already about your inappropriate behavior and misuse of his personnel file. I'm sure you were shocked. Maybe you didn't think my husband would report it. I don't know what repercussions you will get and I don't care. If you come near me, my husband, our kids, or our nice home again, police will be called. A word of advice, if you're going to fabricate messages, you might want to get rid of the wrong number or at least replace it with a name. So in the same post, around a day later, OP said she's been fired with immediate effect. I will update when we know our next steps and then says thank you for the support so far. It updates again and says there's a more detailed post regarding the update. 
Then there were some people asking, did you try to find her post and use a Reddit site that basically finds deleted posts? And OP said, I thought about it, but I honestly don't know what sort of post I'm looking for. Like, is it a post where she admits to lying to me about a fake affair or one she wants to have an affair or does she believe she had an affair? Honestly, I tried looking for it when she handed me the printout. She had an entire monologue memorized with apologies and mentioned Reddit a few times. But I couldn't find anything when I looked that night. It could have been a different sub or she deleted it. Someone says, have you got a restraining order? And OP says, if she comes near us again, I'll look into it. Spoke to my friend who is a police officer. Can't do anything yet. If she comes by again, then I will discuss what our options are with him then. Something to do with intent if she shows up again, if I recall correctly. OP then says a little thank you to the comments and says, guys, I love the love had in this post so far. I didn't expect this much attention or support. I have my family to feed and my in-laws are around now. I will reply when I can and hopefully have an update tomorrow or Friday. For those worried about my safety, please don't be. Cameras are working, kids are safe, dog is indoors and safe, and our family is around. So if I don't respond for a few hours, I will return. Someone says, did she access his personnel file or was it some other means? Opie says, sorry, I'll try to explain the personnel file part more as it's the same since I left the company. Everyone in the company has interlinked systems with their own user profiles. Based on the department you work in, you should have access to various systems. HR have a digital personnel system. Now, every time you go into any file, there is a digital signature on a logging system. So if in the HR demo went in a file twice in a few days, a colleague in HR could see that while running the reports. There has been logs of her going into his personnel file. I don't know how many times, but she shouldn't have access to that system as she is in the events department. So either someone gave her HR access, which also means she can edit the files however she wants, sort of like Wikipedia, or it was a system glitch that wasn't picked up. It's part of what's being looked into. Opie then explains that she had to hand the printouts to HR, but summarizes their contents and says, I can only summarize as I don't have them, but that they loved each other, he would leave me for her, the house was his, so I wouldn't need to move out with our kids. And Opie says, the house is mine. But then continues and says that she wanted to have his babies, that she wished he met her first. 20 pages of bullshit. It was a wonderful work of fiction once you got past the bad spelling, text speech and the fucked up intentions. And during all this post, several Redditors were looking for the Reddit post that OP was originally looking for, but and they put him forward to OP and OP confirmed that that wasn't the post. But OP did update the post again two days later and says, first, I want to say thank you to everyone who supported my husband and I in my first post. This might go on a little bit, so I'm sorry in advance. I probably won't be as articulate as I was in my first post. I never found her post, by the way. If you all want the update, skip to the bottom line. A few people implied that there was no smoke without fire. Usually I would agree and have been on the other side making these comments myself on my actual account. But my husband is also on Reddit and saw the comments and he wanted me to add some prior events. My husband is high up within the company marketing department that works closely with the event team in their field. When they work together on a project big or small, they have to have meetings. The bigger the project, the more meetings needed. My husband worked very closely with a colleague that went on maternity leave. The woman was highly recommended by a senior employee in the events team. So after she had training on the systems and brought it up to speed by her department head, and my husband for a big project, he was friendly towards her. He remained professional at all times, and the meetings they had were also never alone. The project was a success, and then another big project landed in their laps. 
It was at this time the woman started acting strange just before the Christmas period, asking for clarification after meetings when the points had already been discussed thoroughly. My husband rebuffed this and directed her to her own manager. It escalated to offering to discuss work matters over coffee, lunch, and dinner countless times a week, telling him that he looked good that day. This was done using her work email. She met me at the Christmas party and sulked when she couldn't get him alone and a few days later sent my husband the first picture via social media. He didn't actually see the picture first until after she apologized in person. He accepted her apology before checking his messages when he was back at home with me. She had a oops sorry wrong person message straight after it so when he clicked that message the first picture was there which she could have deleted before he actually saw the message. A week later a similar thing happened with a second picture on a different social media platform. He saw who the message was from and asked me to open it. It was a little more provocative than before but when she apologized she asked him if he told me about the pictures as she didn't want me to get the wrong idea as they were both obviously a drunken mistake. She was not a friend on any of his social media so I don't know how she thought that was an excuse. My birthday comes along and when she went to hug my husband he jumped away as her actions were getting him worried. But after that, her actions calmed down a little bit. She just sort of stopped asking him out to discuss work so much. But then, last Monday happened. Next update. She was fired for sexual harassment and gross misconduct, and this has led to someone else being suspended pending investigation. As my husband and I were both working from home due to the events that happened last week, I was unaware at the time of my post that she had been suspended pretty much straight after my husband reported this to HR on the Wednesday. He handed over the text exchange, the messages on his social media, with proof he never responded, and he printed out the work emails he had received also. The reason for the rapid response was due to the nature of the allegations, but I can confirm she was fired yesterday. I have not been told what she said, but she did not try to raise any allegation against my husband. In my comments, I explained a little about the HR department system. The company used an electronic personnel database which only HR employees can log into. No other employee should have access to the system. Yet an employee in the IT department gave the woman unauthorized access to the HR system. Her report was ran and she had been in my husband's file 34 times. I don't know what she actually did in there, but apparently there were so many amendments that they had to restore his file from a recent backup. So the IT employee has been suspended pending an investigation, but I don't know much else about that as it's not my job to know. I'm only recounting what I've been told by my husband and former colleagues. The past 48 hours have been crazy, but I'm glad that this post reached other platforms as a relative of hers found the post and reached out to us to apologize for the woman's actions. After a few messages were exchanged, we had a very long telephone conversation. We'll not go into specifics due to their privacy. However, I can say the following things with permission. The woman has been fixated on other men before, resulting in her having an order of protection against her and her needing treatment. The family believes this is due to a traumatic event she witnessed when she was a child. She is normally very stable when she has medication. The only problem with that is when she is stable, she believes she is completely healthy and stops taking the medication, causing a relapse. The person that she had the text exchange with was her teenage niece, who was not aware of her aunt's condition. The niece was under the impression it was a joke and became scared when we called Wednesday morning, so she hung up. So we reported this to her family and they found out later that day the woman had been suspended. The family found the post and my comment reference in the text exchange and got my husband's name from the woman after confirming the post was her. The woman is currently staying with other relatives about four hours away from where we are. We'll be contacted if she goes missing from their care, especially while the medication is working its way back into her system. 
who will not be pressing charges at present, but we have logged this with the police, especially after talking about it with her friend and her family are aware of this. Our security is being updated within the next two weeks. The school and daycare have also been made. The school and daycare are also aware of the people who can and can't drop off and pick up my kids with photos of them. They have been provided a photo of her to contact my husband and slash or I if they see her near the schools or attempt to pick my children up. Hopefully, I won't need to provide a further update to this as I'm going to have a bottle of wine and hopefully my husband and I will have a very good night's sleep. Edit. The niece found the post and recognized some of the text exchange I referenced in my comments. Possibly the part about kicking me out of the house with my kids as that was the only part I was not too vague about. I don't actually know what else has gone on in their family behind the scenes as I didn't speak to her directly. Someone says, what are you going to do moving forward? And Opie says, police are aware of the situation, but unless she goes missing from her family's care and shows up, then I'm okay with how things are. But if that does happen, I will definitely call them again straight away. Someone asks Opie, what did you mean by amendments? I assumed that means the personnel file. Opie says she had changed a lot of information on this file. I'm not allowed to know the exact extent, but she had access to everything HR would. They managed to confirm that she didn't access anyone else's file also and the amendments were reverted back when the backup was restored. Opie then responds to a bunch of people who were saying that they're glad that Opie is safe, and Opie said, me too. I'm a little sad it came to me posting online for someone to give her the support that she needed, and I'm happy she is far away from my family at the moment. If I knew the full story back then, I probably wouldn't have initially posted, but I'm glad her family took action when they knew she wasn't well again. Someone asks Opie, did you ever find the old post? And Opie says, I never found the post, but with people making so many suggestions, I admit I was overwhelmed with crazy posts. I looked through them and none of them matched. But I honestly don't know what I'm looking for because she either fully believed she was having an affair with my husband and posted about that, or she admitted she lied to get me out of the way. I also think it's possibly just posted but changed too many details to remain anonymous, so I couldn't recognize it. I didn't ask her family for a Reddit post history when we spoke. She never baked anything for my husband. She wasn't in their relationship either. Hope that answers a few. Let me know if you have anything else I can clarify for you. Opie goes on to say, so a few mini updates since my last update post. We're still in contact with her relative. She's doing better than she was, but the medication still needs to work its way into her system. It took a little while and her whole family to convince her why her actions were inappropriate and she needed to take her medication. The family is still worried we'll go to the legal route, but we won't at this time. The niece has reached out to apologize for her part, but she is only young. IT person has been let go. However, I do have a bit more information regarding that. She'd asked for access to check her own file to check a reference. The IT person did it and forgot to take back the access. Had also given access to a few other employees. Access has now been revoked from everyone with unauthorized access. I don't know what the company will do with him yet, but I believe they're talking this out with their legal team. The senior employee that referred the woman in the first place has also reached out to apologize. I had no idea there was even an issue until HR spoke to them. We will not be pressing charges against her or the company as we wish to just move on from this as well as we can. We would have if my husband's professional reputation had been tarnished by this or we seem to be in danger. We are glad nothing more has happened other than a few new grey hairs on both of us. Almost six months later, OP comes back again and says, Hello everyone, it's been a while. I was hoping my last update would be the end of everything, but things got crazier than we would have expected. I've tried to write this time and time again, but each time I did, something crazier happened. Just sorry if this post is a little rough around the edges. For a while, it seemed like a bad soap opera. 
Things went from bad to worse to outright ridiculous. A lot of stuff has happened since my last post, so I apologize if I ramble and appreciate if you have read my other posts so far. If you have not read the previous posts, a quick recap. My husband worked with someone who became infatuated with him and turned up at our house with fake evidence of their affair, but she was slash is mentally unwell. So my husband and I agreed with her older brother, Wayne, fake name, is the father of the niece. Her ex-colleague Sarah, fake name, went to stay with her aunt and uncle four hours away who would help her recover and make sure she stayed on her medication until she was healthy enough to get a job again and trust her to stay on her medication. Wayne promised us they would contact him if there was anything important to report and in turn, he would contact us if she went missing in their care. But everything was going well until late March. My phone was in the house and I was doing some gardening in the front while the weather was warm and I look up and Sarah was in front of me. She was smiling and also glad that she caught me when I was home because she kept showing up when none of our cars were in the driveway. Before I even managed to process her presence, she yells with excitement that she is pregnant and my husband is the father. I swear, my eyebrows contorted in confusion so much that I couldn't see for a moment. It was evident she had not been on her medication. Not because she was a mess, she was dressed very well and looked well cared for, but she was still under the impression that my husband had this forbidden romance with her. She goes on to tell me that their love child is due in mid-June, and that as I have been a dutiful wife and stuck by my husband through his infidelity, then we have to get along if I'm to be in their love child's life, and she hopes that I do not hold a grudge of their love against their child. Which is all well and good if there was a chance what she said was accurate, but I will state again that there was no chance he could be the father. He doesn't have the time for an affair. With four kids, work, our joint social life and hobbies that are in our house and our joint hobbies, unless he is actively cheating on his commute to and from work, there is no chance. Also with her due date, she would have gotten pregnant before she even met my husband. I mean, he had a little something to do with the interview process by glancing over her resume, but they didn't actually meet until she started working. As soon as she left, I found my phone had numerous missed phone calls from Wayne and messages and voicemails begging to call him back. So I called back and got more information before I called my husband. Wayne confirms that his aunt slipped up when she was giving him an update on Sarah's condition, which led to her spilling everything that had happened. I was not witness to this conversation, so I don't know the full details, but I know there was an argument and it resulted in finding out the following. As soon as she got to their aunt and uncle's house, that she admitted she was pregnant, they jointly decided that she wouldn't take the antipsychotics until she gave birth to her baby. She promised that she would stay away until after the baby was born, but she was adamant my husband was the father and then decided the day before she needed to let us know. She is a curvy lady, so I may not have seen the four to five month baby bump when she turned up at my house, but I was still a bit preoccupied when she turned up. There goes my bragging about my observation skill set. According to Wayne, their aunt and uncle were of the impression that my husband was the father of the baby as a result of a one night stand and that he was denying his cheating to me and that she became obsessive after this event. But apparently she could do no wrong in their eyes so accepted all of this and took her at her word without confirming this with Wayne. But all of the updates we had from them was just lip service. Wayne was just as upset as we were. He knew his sister was spiraling in this delusion and his family that were meant to support her were letting this happen. So I relayed all of this to my husband who was understandably upset and concerned for our safety. We logged this with the police and decide that we can go forward with a restraining order after paternity is proven, as at that moment, it is just he said, she said, because my husband could not prove he never touched her. The next time Sarah showed up in early April, we see her approaching. 
We send our kids upstairs and casually walk outside to talk to her. I did not want to talk to her where there were no cameras. I don't want her near my kids. I didn't want her knowing the layout of our home. She asks to go inside and rubs her rounding stomach. I firmly tell her no. My husband tells her he wants a paternity test, which she seems offended by because she never cheated on him. But to prove that the baby is his, she agrees to have one after the baby is born. As infuriating as the situation is, it's understandable as it's her body. I admit if this was the first time I had met her witnessing the conversation, I'd be seriously questioning my husband. She seemed genuine, coherent, and confident even. That was the scary part, that she fully believed that my husband was her baby's father. I've seen mental illness before and I've never witnessed anything like this. She just seems so sincere until she asked for money to support his unborn child and get things as even though she was staying with family out of town and she no longer has a job with their affair getting out, she wanted to be on her own by the time the baby was born. We refused and told her if paternity was proven, then we would help. Late April, we get a call from my husband's parents, who despite knowing the whole situation, asked my husband if there was a chance the baby could be his after reaffirming the no, they explained that they were at home, got a knock on the door and it was Sarah. She wanted to introduce herself because once the baby was born, she wanted them involved in the baby's life. They already knew who she was already and what had happened, so we gave them strict orders to not upset her because we do not know what she is capable of, just that she is pregnant and unmedicated. My husband was disappointed and worried, but understood they had to ask at least once. His no was enough for them. We do not know how she located their address. We think she may have followed us at one point or maybe it was on his personnel file. She saw us his previous address. We checked with our kids that nobody they didn't know had approached them and they said no. Even checked to make sure if they'd been told to keep secrets. Confirmed no, even our youngest, but they're never alone anyway. A week after this, she came to our house when we had people over for a barbecue. Our kids were at my in-laws and we had an opportunity to try and relax with our friends. We spoke briefly about what happened recently and then she was walking through my kitchen into the garden like she owned the place. She was cradling her rounder stomach and started introducing herself. This was the first time our friends had a look at her, but she was not allowed to stay for long. My husband ushered her out quickly, followed by me. Everything about trying to keep her calm to not trigger a mental health breakdown evaporated then. There were words exchanged that she cannot come to our house. It was not possible for him to be the father of an unborn baby as they had never slept together. They never had a relationship. He didn't owe her any money. My husband let loose on her all of the frustrations. We saw his face sort of break. No violence on our part, but for a second she looked confused and shocked and then she left quite quickly. We got Wayne on the phone after Sarah left to tell him what had happened. He was going to search for her and found her later on that night. I started the process of putting our home up for sale. I needed a place that was a fortress and despite loving our home, knowing she just seemed to be turning up when she wanted, I didn't feel safe and secure there anymore. My husband and I discussed bringing the restraining order forward, but we didn't want to trigger any mental health breakdown. I got word that after the barbecue, a few of our friends were not 100% confident in my husband and started asking more questions, trying to poke holes into his story. I can understand why, and so does my husband. She is so adamant that he is the child's father that something must have happened at least once and that I was deluded for believing my husband. I don't blame them for gossiping. If it was happening to someone I was acquainted with, I'd probably think the same. But we are lucky that it wasn't any of our close friends or family that were gossiping. She turned up when we were visiting my relatives. The camera caught her looking inside our house through the windows. She didn't seem too coherent at the time. 
She stood outside the house for a long time and she was talking gibberish to herself and seemed paranoid. Seeing this made me accept an offer on our home and pick out a lovely new home in a gated community. We're in the process of moving now. Wayne reached out and advised that Sarah had the baby, who looked a lot like her ex. Asked if my husband still wanted to do the DNA test because it obviously wasn't his, but she agreed to because he wanted to put this behind us and remove any possible doubt from me. I told him that I never doubted him because I didn't. I was scared of the situation and behind closed doors, we had a lot of heated discussions because we were stressed out, but, but never because I thought he could be the innocent child's father. We also agreed that she could not ask for child support at a later time. The aunt and uncle have been corrected on their misunderstanding of the situation and also berated for the enabling behavior of Sarah. Some tough but necessary conversations were had with them, according to Wayne. Once they understood what had happened, they were mortified and wanted Wayne to pass on their apologies. He had also taken PTO and will be staying with them for a while. After Sarah had the baby, her brother, aunt and uncle gave her an ultimatum that she takes her medication in front of them every day and to not try and contact us or they put her into a mental health facility while her brother looks after a newborn until she is well enough to be released. She agreed to take the medication. Ine came back and surprised my husband is not the father. The look of relief and happiness on his face was priceless. It's been a crazy six to seven months, but things have calmed down now. Sarah is doing well, but apparently still struggling as a new mother. Wayne is encouraging her to get in contact with her ex. She is slowly coming to terms with the fact that she didn't have an affair with my husband now that the medication is starting to take effect. I gave some baby essentials to Wayne to pass on to her as I'm packing up things to move anyway. I may have missed a few events, but if you need any clarification, let me know. Glad life seems back to normal. Someone questions the police involvement and OP says we are going ahead with a restraining order. Sorry my post was too long and I had rewritten this a good few times so I may have cut a few relevant bits. The incidents were logged with the police each time but a lot of the time she did nothing but talk. No threats, no violence, just something off about the conversation at best. Also my husband wanted to clear his name first and in order to do that he needed the DNA test. Restraining order would have complicated getting that done quickly. He wanted to prove to me that he hadn't cheated on me. Have you ever dealt with a mentally unstable person that just shows up out of nowhere when you least expect it? When you see that panicking is the worst thing you can do because you do not think clearly when you panic. It's best to keep calm and avoid confrontation. We did lose it at her once when she turned up at a barbecue. This woman completely believed her and my husband were in love and that I 100% believed that her baby was his. And yes, I care about the well-being of an innocent child. I'm a mother to four children. I can't imagine what it must be like for her being mentally unwell and a new mother. Hope this helps. Someone asks OP, did you tell the people buying your home about the situation? OP says, don't worry. I already made them aware of why we are moving. Someone says that they wouldn't have given her anything. OP says she honestly doesn't know they're from us. I say that because she wouldn't even suspect they are from us because why would we after everything she has done give her anything out of the goodness of our hearts. I told Wayne and his wife that I didn't want her to know who they're from. He can say he picked them up at Goodwill or for a good deal or that one of his friends knew his sister was pregnant. A lot of the stuff we kept in pristine condition, other than the boxes looking a little worn, you would not know they are not new. Someone says, why didn't you get a DNA test during the pregnancy? Opie says, thank you. We know there are blood tests, but she refused and wanted to wait until after the baby was born. We were not, at the time, going to force a mentally unwell pregnant woman to do something she didn't want. We didn't want to risk her harming us or herself. 
Someone says, why was your husband relieved? And Opie says, he believed that I thought that I did have doubts about him. That there was a little voice in the back of my mind telling me he did it. That she was his mistress and he got her the job at the company to spend time together. You know, the usual bored soap storyline. And I looked on the post and there was a few people questioning that about why he was relieved. Of course you're going to be fucking relieved after that. It's, the, it's almost like the end of the saga. You've been told that everyone around you suspecting you doing something wrong. Of course you're going to believe when you have that proof in front of you. So you can say, yeah, look, I told you all along sort of thing. Although OP, the wife, confirms in this one that she was behind him 100% of the way. But there was other people, you know, doubting him around. And I gotta say, I think Opie is a wonderful individual to still hand over some baby items after everything that's gone on and recognize, you know, the person is mentally unwell. And it's incredibly sad and, and terrifying. And there's just so much in this story that, you know, being completely convinced that man is your baby's father and people around her telling her no must be like, that's her real. That's what she thinks is real. I just find that, you know, it's, it's absolutely mind-blowing and, and scary. And, and I'm really sorry that they had to move away from a house which sounded like they loved to sort of escape this, if you like. But I'm glad it sounds like they have a pretty solid relationship to get themselves through that when there's so many points through that it could have absolutely crumbled them. But now I'm going to turn this one to you guys. What do you guys make of this situation? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. Now, apparently this is one of those Reddit stories that's that's done the rounds. People absolutely love it for whatever reason it was sent to me. But I said, why not? Let's dive into it, shall we? Would I be the arsehole if I complained to the owners of a cafe about how long it takes their employee to cut cheese? You can imagine my what the fuck face thinking, where's this one going to go? <laughs> I work in an office building which has a cafe in it. It's not table service. You go up to the counter and have a choice of a hot meal, soup, or a sandwich. The owners don't manage it as they're a catering company that supply the food in the morning. They leave the worker to deal with the distribution of the paninis and soup. He is a pleasant person and very talkative, and there is nothing particularly odd about him other than his apparent immunity to the passage of time itself. He will not prep anything. There's no sandwiches assembled and waiting to go. There's an empty fridge bit next to the counter. The racks stand barren, devoid of even a glimpse of a BLT. Okay, so the sandwiches are freshly prepared each time. Yes, great, but he doesn't prep the ingredients either. He has to take out and cut the cheese up every single time someone orders something, and he will take his time. The man will cut cheese with the concentration of someone disassembling the large Hadron Collider, and he does it on an order-by-order -order basis. I will explain the process. There will be a line of four people. The first will order a cheese panini. He will take out and cut open a panini from the cupboard. He will open the fridge, take out the 5k block of cheese, unwrap it, cut three slices with the aching determination of a man clinging to the last trace of his self-control, rewrap the cheese and place the cheese in the fridge. He will turn on the panini maker. It's not already on. He will assemble the panini and put it in. He will wait 20 minutes for the panini to cook, during which time he will start another order and begin the same process of taking out and unwrapping and slicing each ingredient before putting it away. He will take out, open, serve from, close and put away each box of salad in turn. He will boil a kettle with enough water for one tea. Ladies and gentlemen, he will turn the machine off between paninis. <laughs> 
Lunch only lasts two hours. We've had clients visit who attempt to get lunch during meeting breaks who return sandwichless and with a thousand yard stare. When he runs out of something, he doesn't score it off the board. Last week, he ran out of all types of cheese. All week! He just kept explaining it to everyone individually. He ponders about aimlessly like a Skyrim NPC in an inn, insurmountable tasks mounting in front of him. But he honestly seems to enjoy working there. Just like he just doesn't grasp the concept of pre-sliced cheese and well-timed panini makers. We've mentioned how long it takes him, but he just sort of laughs and says, ah, fresh food. Just cut the cheese. Please just cut the cheese. The reasoning he's running out of food is the owners aren't selling as much and they're adjusting their stock accordingly. There's a lot of demand, but the supply takes 30 minutes to toast a panini and spends it talking shite about how mild this winter is. It's honestly driving me insane. But still, I feel like it'd be a dick move. <laughs> I absolutely love a post like this. I'm in tears. I'm in bits thinking about this. The situation, just picturing this getting wound up by it. <laughs> and there was one notable comment that OP responds to. So Calvin comes in and says, no one's an arsehole here. The cheese man doesn't seem like an arsehole, just not in the right job maybe. Or maybe the owners get furious if he pre-slices and then some cheese gets wasted. If he runs out of cheese, he's clearly getting some sandwiches made, right? I think it's okay to bring it up to the owners that it takes too long to get a sandwich and they are losing business as a result. I would not throw your seemingly kind, happy server under the bus though. Let them figure out why it takes so long and what processes or people should change. OP says, thanks for this. That seems like the best course of action. I've discussed this with several other key players in the cheese drama. <laughs> what? <laughs> and think we're going to do a bit of recon on the situation. We're sending the least threatening among us in a fluffy cardigan to the cafe to ask him if he can prep the food or if it's a weird owner thing. Words will be chosen better than this. We'll go when he isn't busy, which honestly is any other time not between 12 and 2. If he says I'm not allowed, we'll take it up with the owners, emphasizing how lovely he is and we think the lack of prep specifically, which we have established is not his fault, but a top-down command, obviously we will not reveal, is an issue and we noticed a long wait. If he says what is prep, I will erupt, feral, from the cardigan screaming, pounce over the counter and eat the entire 5 kilograms of cheese. <laughs> so OP does come in to give us an update and he says an update. I already ran out of the characters, otherwise would have tagged this on the end. Other victims have weighed in upon my discussing this with them. He starts about 9am and takes a cigarette break in the middle of the two hour lunch. Apparently someone already asked him why he doesn't prep and he told them it makes his hands sore. I don't know if she had anything else to add there because at that point I just started screaming. Also to those of you picturing me as petty, slightly weird man, I'm happy to reveal I'm actually a far pettier, deranged woman. Also, I need to stop milking it now because my exasperated boyfriend keeps asking me if I keep going quiet because I'm thinking about this post and it's true. I'm ruining Saturday. <laughs> going to bring this up kindly with a view to helping and supporting, as per cardigan plan below regardless. Also, thank you for all the awards. Holy shit. Opie comes in and gives us a final update and says, So, I didn't update further as it felt like I was really milking the attention and being a bit insufferable. But that was probably somewhat my own anxiety about suddenly getting more than the attention of three people. I don't know if posting one here is okay. Probably is weird to do so too, but just as you were interested. So basically, I think the thing I failed to convey accurately was that the complaint was on behalf of everyone. Like I wasn't routinely forgetting lunch, but 
We all do sometimes, and when you have an office of 40, that affects someone every day. Also affected our clients who visited, etc. Ultimately, my boss ended up complaining after the guy went for another cigarette break at exactly 1pm. But it was constructive and nice, and the guy ended up getting extra training and the owner came in to assist at lunch and stuff. However, shit started getting crazy with COVID, so the focus kind of went away. We went into lockdown a few weeks after, if I remember correctly, and haven't been back in the building in over a year. Hopefully soon though, but at this point I'm kind of dreading it as it means I need to spend money on new clothes. I've gained so much weight in lockdown that when I need to put on a bra and pants, I look like sausage links. <laughs> oh, this person's way with words. The guy has a different job now in a call center, presumably costing them thousands in calls per minute due to his glacially chilled pace. So I don't know if the cafe will even be back open when we go back. Also, there are a few comments that the guy may have had autism. I don't know. I have a few friends with autism and I used to work both as a teacher and support worker, so I know a lot of people with autism. I appreciate I don't know for certain, but I don't think he had it. I think he just didn't care that much and wasn't really suited to hospitality. But one global pandemic later, this seems to have worked out. When I used to work in the Bista area and I used to go to a sandwich shop sometimes at lunch, and there was this fantastic sandwich shop there that would make the best sandwiches, but holy shit did they take their time i found it in some cases i just want to offer look i'll give you the money but can i make the sandwich please <laughs> but i love it when we get a op like this with this way of words it always absolutely tickles me and the vivid image op gave me when they said that they're gonna go feral jump out of their car they're gonna eat the five kilogram of cheese <laughs> absolutely amazing what do you guys make of this situation let me know your thoughts down in the comments below and let's move on to another story and our next story comes from a deleted user who says, Would I be the asshole if I reject my husband's gift? Let's come with an update as well. My husband, 28, and I, 27 female, have birthdays during the same week. I am big on birthdays, so for my husband's, I often go all out. And he also does a great job with my birthday most of the time. I do not expect the same level as I give because I know I do a lot. For my husband's birthday this year, I threw a big party for him. People flew in from other states and I got it catered and it was so fun. I also spent a lot of money and time on it. I was planning it for months. I also got him a very nice gift that is something he will definitely use. He showed everyone at the party because it really was perfect lol. So my birthday comes, I wake up and he's golfing. Then he gets home and tells me the plan for my birthday is to go to a bakery and a bookstore. I was starving so we got brunch first. Then we go to the bookstore. And I left my credit card at work, so I had no money and asked if he'd get a book for me for my birthday. And he originally said no, but eventually he relented. Then we go to the bakery and I got a coffee and a few treats. It was like a serve yourself type of place. And every time I picked up an item, he got annoyed about the cost and made a comment. It was not an expensive bakery. The average item cost two to three dollars and I got three items long. We got a slice of cake to share. I went to the bathroom and got back and he'd eaten most of the cake. The day was very nice, but I was kind of sad about the lack of effort and then the constant complaining about the cost of things. Now is a good time to mention, we don't struggle with money in the slightest. So then he mentions my birthday present. I was very clear on what I wanted for my birthday. It gets to my favorite artist. And no, not Taylor Swift. I told him like five times, you could get very good seats for about $60 to $70 per person. So he tells me I'll get my gift on Friday and it's an event and he wants to keep it a surprise. 
and Friday is the day of the concert. So I got super excited expecting tickets. Well, long story short, I found out my gift is attending a baseball game. I was immediately annoyed because I hate baseball. Sorry, baseball fans. Everyone knows I hate baseball and he also hates it. I'd rather just not get a gift at all than pretend to enjoy sitting through a whole baseball game. So would I be the arsehole if I told him I don't want my gift? I'm going to start in the comments with make life subu says not the arsehole. Is he trying to break up with you? Playing golf, which takes the whole morning. Annoyed at spending money on you on your birthday, especially bad. I don't care if it was also his birthday nearby. Lackluster events for the day. Ate almost all of the cake. Tickets to an event neither of you like. This is like purposefully mean. Sepia says not the arsehole sounds like the bar is low for he does a great job most of the time. Like he doesn't complain about buying you something or get you your own full piece of cake. The gift is to himself. You deserve better. Opie responded saying he also hates baseball. Like we went to baseball three years ago and both agreed we hated it and wouldn't go back. It's one of the reasons I find it so odd. I will also say usually he does way better. I swear the bar is not this low. I do agree this year I deserve better. Thanks for your input. Wooden Scholar says definitely not the arsehole. What the fuck? Why are you with him? He really is perfect otherwise, which I doubt, and just doesn't care about birthdays at all. You can make it work by from now. Each of you gets to plan his own birthdays and party. Honestly, OP, if you want a party like the one you threw for him, do it yourself. Don't wait for anyone around you to make you happy like that. Sometimes it's better to just take the wheel into your own hands. Now to the husband problem you might be having. Is this the norm of how he treats you? From your post, he doesn't sound like he knows you or is interested in getting to know you. Please think long and hard about his qualities. If the good outlays the bad and if you're happy with the dynamic of your relationship. If this was a single incident on his part, then simply communicate your feelings on this to him in a calm and collected manner. Make suggestions on how to improve in the future or work on a solution together. If this happens on a regular basis, you should leave. Relationships are give and take on both ends. Not you give and he takes. Good luck, OP. An OP responder saying, I definitely did not want or expect a party, and this is not the norm at all. That's probably why I'm so disappointed. The last gift he gave me was a romantic trip away, which we had so much fun on. When before that, he took me to an art exhibit. I've been wanted to go for a while. A great lunch, and then the entire day boating. My favorite. He took me to a specific bakery I've been saying for a while that I wanted to go. And the bookstore is definitely something I love. The gift is what I'm most disappointed about because neither of us like baseball. Lane says not the arsehole. Curious if you two are having money issues. We spent a lot on his birthday and now he is very concerned about the cost of pastries. And the baseball game. Something you both dislike. Smells like someone gave him free tickets. Opie says no, we do not have any money issues. We both make over six figures in a very low cost of living area. We have about 100000 in savings. We don't have kids or anything and we live in a tiny house that we love and can afford on one of our salaries. We're going on a two-week European trip in a few months and he's just suggested today that we extend it another week because he knows how badly I want to go to a certain country but couldn't with the original plan. I also don't think he bought the tickets yet. He told me that he'll probably be moving the date of the surprise because it's supposed to rain Friday and he wants the weather to be nice for it. Anyway, OP updates the next day and says I was not going to post an update but my original post got a lot more comments than I anticipated so I am. First a clarification. My husband did not tell me the gift was a baseball game. He keeps a list of reminders and when I was cleaning I saw the reminder that said my name's birthday gift get tickets baseball game. 
so I assumed it was a baseball game. Also, another thing I want to add is I absolutely love surprises, which is the reason everything surrounding my birthday was so hush-hush, because my husband knows I love the anticipation. Anyways, he brings it up tonight, and I finally ask if he would just tell me what the surprise is. It was not a baseball game, lol. It's an adventurous activity-type gift that I've been wanting to do forever. I'm being purposefully vague because this is a throwaway. Think skydiving or bungee jumping. It also comes with a dinner at my favorite restaurant. It's a very expensive date evening for us, and it had a cost over $1,000. As much as I wanted to go to a concert, this tops it by 100 The reason a reminder mentioned baseball is the activity doesn't run when there is a game. I also brought up my actual birthday, and he apologized for it. He told me he was so focused on planning the surprise and was treating that as my birthday celebration that he didn't realize I wanted him to plan something for my actual birthday. He scrambled and just picked out some of my favorite things to do. He also apologized for being very cost-focused and explained that he was concerned because of the cost of the real gift. We don't struggle with money, but we do have a budget we both make together and follow. And we also set limits for how much we spend on gifts and holidays. I'm sure a lot of people will still call him horrible and selfish, but it really was a bad case of him trying to plan a fun surprise for me and keeping it a surprise because he knows that's what I'd want. And me making assumptions and not communicating, and him not communicating because of the surprise. Very middle school sitcom. So my American friends are going to have to help me out on this one. What happens in a baseball field that could be considered like an extreme adventurous activity like skydiving or bungee jumping in the middle of a baseball field i mean could it be bungee jumping can they get a crane in the middle of a baseball field i don't know you guys are gonna have to help me out on that one i got a clue but i'm glad things did turn out well in the end now i'm gonna turn this one to you guys what do you guys make of this situation let me know your thoughts down in the comments below let's move on to another story which is from the Am I the Arsehole subreddit from NetActual2149 and says, Am I the Arsehole for saying my body is not just a result of having had no children? My female 26 went to the pool with some female colleagues from work today. We all know each other pretty well, but only ever see each other in scrubs at the hospital. Most of my colleagues are a few years older than I am and some have kids. We were all wearing bikinis and having a nice time so far. And out of the blue, one colleague complimented me on my body. It was a genuinely nice comment. And I blushed and said thank you. I am pretty fit. I have a dog I walk daily. And I am a dancer and used to dance seven days a week. Ever since I've been working, I dance less though. While my body doesn't look nice as it used to back then, I still am lean and I suppose pretty muscular, especially the legs. After the compliment, another colleague with kids said, that of course I have a nice body. I don't have kids. Some others then chimed in and said how easy it all was before kids and how easy I have it and my body is nothing special. I didn't say anything because I'm pretty uncomfortable with body talk in general, but at some point it became a bit much and I said I don't think my body is just from not, not having had kids, but I think I also work out a lot. I also said not having kids doesn't equal a good body and having had kids doesn't equal a bad body. The colleagues then exploded on me and said I belittle parenthood and downplay pregnancy. I should just wait until I have kids and those legs are going to disappear quickly. I said nothing to that and the rest of the outing passed rather awkwardly. Am I the asshole for saying what I said? Can you ever imagine saying to someone, your body is nothing special? Oh my word, it just baffles me sometimes. Like That runs through someone's head and it comes out their mouth. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? 
Fan says, obviously not the arsehole. You got a compliment, accepted it gracefully, and they felt the need to attack. Your body is nothing special. It's crazy when you're not fishing for compliments. I get it, but looking good in a swimsuit compliment is held high in regard as many people are insecure about their swimsuit body. It probably stung to hear ego cookies were being given out and, and then not receive one. But that's no reason to degrade someone. Mindless locksmith says not the arsehole and I appreciate you sticking up for mum bodies. That was what we call a pack of harridans? Never heard that before. And they are jealous and projecting. I've had four children. My body isn't the same. That doesn't make it bad. I love myself as I am. I'm sorry you spent the day with a bunch of insecure mean girls. And one more comment from Can't Handle This Forever who says, Very tepid, no one's an arsehole here. If I had to pick an arsehole, it wouldn't be OP. And a giant, Jesus fucking Christ, yikes. This is never a good conversation to have, even with people you know well and like. Your colleagues created a football field's worth of landmines, and then you all stormed through it, detonating it, and now everyone is a casualty. It complimented your body only to instantly take the compliment away by calling attention to the fact that you are child-free. I never assume this is anyone's choice, by the way, and it's just a thing you should never ever say to a person because you don't know their fertility journey, even at 26. Then with all the weird scrutiny on your body, and them talking about it like you weren't even there, and how it came to be or not be, you bristle, understandably, and try to defend yourself and your body. You made a statement that is objectively true about good-slash-bad bodies emotionally obtuse but you were ganged up on and backed into a corner you didn't disparage parenthood or pregnancy they were patronizing you were defensive the whole thing was a clusterfuck starting with your colleague who decided it was a good idea to start comparing physiques next time scrubs at the pool <laughs> p.s bodies aren't good or bad they're bodies damn now i'm gonna turn this one to you guys what do you guys make of this situation how would you have dealt with it if it was you maybe you have a different opinion on the matter as always let me know your thoughts down in the comments below and our next story is from striking emphasis 34 and i've got to give you a warning before we do get into today's story just in case you want to do skip it timestamps are always down in the description and along the timeline below but it does contain child abuse slash neglect so as i said if you want to skip it feel free to do so and let's crack on with it and it's titled, Am I the Asshole for Taking in My Problem Cousin and Cancelling Family Events? Me, male 30 and wife female 27, own a sizable farm that is usually the nexus of family events. Five bedrooms, three bathrooms, 300 acres and electrical hookups for four campers so the whole clan can come stay for extended visits in the summer. We built it that way deliberately. My cousin Bill, male early 50s, as a daughter Alice female 18 from his first marriage. His first wife was an immigrant with no family in our country and no contact with any of her family in her home country. She passed away when Alice was two and Bill remarried Tanya, female early 50s, six months later. They have since had three kids, male 14, male 12, female 8. Alice is a brat. Everything in their house revolves around either the boys, their two oldest together or their princess, their daughter together, and Alice is left behind. She doesn't get to go on family trips. They wouldn't pay for extracurricular stuff. She couldn't take elective classes that had extra fees, etc. I'm not a smart man, but I recognize a kid that's hurting inside and being neglected. She's like Mr. Hyde with them and Dr. Jekyll elsewhere. For the last four summers, she's been coming to work on my farm because her parents don't want her around over summer break. She turned 18 recently 
Leading up to her birthday, her dad was very adamant that she was being kicked out of the house when she turned 18 because it will teach her responsibility. We, wife, Alice and I discussed it and early on her birthday, we pulled up with my truck and packed stuff up. We only packed things she purchased herself or things that were given to her by another person. My boss got creative with our benefits provider so we can get Alice on my medical benefits until she finishes university. She starts in a few weeks, so she's able to go to therapy. He reads this subreddit a lot, so even though this is a throwaway, I know you'll read this, Chief. Thank you. And she's able to get back into sports while still saving her money. This is where it all comes apart. Bill and Tanya are pissed that we took her in and refused to come to family events. Part of the family refused to attend as well because I'm undermining Bill and Tanya. I'll understand when I have kids. After they refused to attend events, a few others said that with gas being so expensive and not everyone attending, they'd skip as well. My answer of okie dokie, come if you want and, and don't if you don't. Further upset people who thought I should have tried harder to get people to come, so now we're down to a quarter of the family in attendance for events. My aunt suggested that we have Alice over on weekends and that she stays in a dorm during the week to smooth things over. I think that is dumb, but I'm dumb and stubborn. My wife thinks it's dumb and she's really smart but also very much attached to the situation. Alice said she'd rather stay with us but would try dorms to help make peace. Am I the arsehole for not going with the dorm suggestion to keep the peace? Edit for info. I called Alice a brat and my original post was way past the character limit but in some of the stuff that got parred down I explained it more. Typical teenage acting out, but cranked up, slamming doors, screaming matches with her stepmom, swearing. Probably three or four big blowouts a week, and sometimes over some pretty disproportionately small stuff. I've watched her grow, and the acting out definitely came after the exclusion from family stuff. Edit 2. Thank you, everyone. Gonna keep on keeping on. Bit of a mini update. I ripped the band-aid off with the old fam jam. <laughs> and told them that fewer mouths to feed isn't the punishment they thought it was. Anyone else who was coming is still welcome and I'd have the extra cash from not feeding so many people to help folks concerned about gas prices make it out if they chose. I'm in like four different family group chats and they're all lighting up. I'm going to turn my phone on silent for a while and let the sparks fly. I'll check in on the post in a while and if anything noteworthy comes up and is interesting, I'll give you all an update in the future. Sorry for chuckling there, but the old fam jam <laughs> had me going for some reason. But OP updated a day later in the same post and they said, alrighty, here's the update on the situation and a little background info for some consistent topics in the comments. So my family likes to gossip and they're damn efficient at it. If your truck breaks down with only you in it five miles from home, word has reached every aunt and cousin before you're in the door. I put the word out, it travels fast. This morning I've been called all the names in the book and some new ones so, so there may be a revised and updated edition of said book coming out. I've been told I'm a good guy, a bad guy, I'm stupid, I'm smart, I'm short-sighted, I'm thinking ahead. It's been neat. Long story short, I've gotten about a dozen relatives telling me thanks and they buy me a pint next time they're out and about triple that who never want to speak to me again so those are both significant victories. Now, nobody here really cares about me. We're all about Team Alice here. She's a Redditor apparently and came across the post independently of me showing her. There were tears, born of stress and relief I think and 
she's going to be staying here with us until she's ready to start the next chapter of her life. Whatever and whenever that might be. She got classes picked. The college picks first year classes for you. For the most part, so it's couple electives. Anna's looking into a women's rec league for a hockey team when the season starts, so she's all set on that front. Regarding feeding everyone and paying for gas. Without going into details, I was very fortunate as a young man to be working very, very hard at a job I was woefully underqualified for while a very wealthy person was on site. Basically right place, right time, and the chief took me in and mentored me. We've made a lot of money on a business venture together, in addition to me working for him, and since then, I haven't exactly had a few money, but enough that I was able to buy property I live on outright and build my home here with my wife, who also makes good money. Family is important to both of us, and neither of our sides of the family tree have much for money, so we've done our best to make sure money isn't a barrier to getting together and seeing one another. Now to the big news. Tanya drove down to my house this morning. Bill and I had some very loud, very angry words when he drove down last night after I chose the nuclear option in the family group chats, so she actually waved a white flag from her car when she pulled up. I shooed the dogs and alpaca away and went out to talk to her. Brought her out a muffin and we had a bit of a chat. Allegedly, Bill was threatened to kick Alice out to scare her straight and that they weren't actually going to kick her out. They were caught off guard when we showed up the morning of her birthday. I told her that she was missing the point and that I'm not sure I could use small enough words or short enough sentences to explain it to her if she thought that was the only problem. She cried, she peeled out of my driveway at Mach 7 and it's been radio silent since, which I'm currently enjoying. Thanks everyone for the support. I'm not really a Reddit guy, so I don't imagine I'll be back, but for my brief stay here, you definitely don't live up to the negative reputation the rest of the internet has given your site. You're a good bunch. Keep your sticks on the ice. And there was one comment that really jumped out to me and unfortunately it's from a deleted user, but... It, it sort of summed up much better than I could. And it says, you call yourself dumb, but you have a grasp of nuance that a great deal of your family lacks. The Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde comparison proves it. You understand her position and the cause for her undesirable behaviors. You understand the unfairness of her treatment and the failures of her parents. You also have the courage to stand up for her and to stand up against your family. I think you're aware of how many people like that. They live in this subreddit and many others. You also have the heart to care. You're doing the right thing. Everyone who has a problem with it is a problem, and that's not on you to solve. What your aunt suggested is quite literally your family trying to manipulate three adults because they are immature and controlling. Her living there affects no one beyond their own self-absorbed mental inner world. I hope she makes great strides with you both. Has a blast in college. Not the arsehole. So OP gave some relevant information in the comments as well. They started off by saying, in our conversation about the dorm, I told her that was 100% her decision, but I really didn't care about cousins. I only see when I'm feeding them show up and that I wanted her to make the call that made her happy. Consensus between her and my wife seems to be that maybe in a few years, the dorm would be a good step between living at home and getting her own place, but staying with us for now is what she wants. OP gives some additional information about Alice's relationship with Bill and Tanya and says, at this point, it's pure speculation, but I've always sort of picked up that Bill is of the opinion that Tanya and their kids are his family, and she's this sort of Harry Potter-esque relation he's stuck with. At first, I thought it was a race thing. Her mom was from Guatemala, and she has dark skin and pin-straight dark hair. 
rather than being pale curly haired like the rest of us. But as she aged, if you compare photos of her mum to her at the same ages, they could have been twins. I think it's just a lot of jealousy from Tanya and Bill is just a dirtbag, so I have no idea how his brain works. OP supplies more information about using the term brat to describe Alice and says, what I meant is that Alice acts out pretty severely and is like a completely different kid with her folks than anywhere else. If you ask her teachers, coaches, other relatives who have her over, will all tell you she's a great kid, smart and compassionate. You see her at home with her parents and it's a different story. I 100% recognize that she's acting out so badly because the only time she gets any attention at home is when she's being punished but I cut the part explaining that out because I'm not such good with the wordsmithing sometimes. Alice doesn't cause harm from anything I've ever seen or been told. She stomps off and slams her bedroom door, gets into shouting matches with her stepmom and swears a lot. Some additional information about the rest of the family. Her dad and I have locked horns over this a few times. I was still a young and myself when her mum passed, so I haven't always been in a position to do anything more than lock horns, but I've at least been here. Not to excuse the extended family, but I think a fair few of them would have been more sympathetic if they lived closer and didn't just get his spin on it over Facebook. I saw what the branch of the family tree that lives here sees. They're not a big league of evil aunts and uncles, just kind of ignorant and, and have been fed a very creative interpretation of the truth by Bill and Tanya for over a decade with no evidence of there being more to it. Plus, my dislike for Bill and Tanya is quite well known in our family, which also colors their perception of the situation a bit I wager. Someone said something along the lines of Bill remarried Tanya quickly after his first marriage and Opie says that does sound ominous when it's put like that but as far as I know there's nothing untoward there. Alice's mum was hit by a random drunk driver and Bill's just a schmuck. Without putting the family dirty laundry out there, my understanding is that their marriage was born out of convenience and not necessarily love. That's his own story that doesn't really belong on Reddit. So 11 months later... OP comes in with a new update and says, So about a year ago, my 31 male cousin, Alice, female 19, moved in with my wife, female 28, on her 18th birthday, after being told she needed to move out on said birthday from her parents, early mid-50s. I don't care enough to do the math. House by said parents. I'm here with an update at her suggestion. The good. A year later, she's a year into an engineering degree. She'd been playing lots of hockey, raised a couple of steers all on her own, and that's her therapist's recommendation. She's down to monthly sessions after a brief stop at a bi-weekly, after starting with weekly. She's the same sweet kid, but without the extra unneeded stress of being treated like an also-ran alongside her younger siblings. The bad. Her dad showed up about a month after my original post, and there was a confrontation of sorts that ended with a peace bond being issued with restrictions on how Bill and Tanya could contact Alice, myself, my missus, or a couple of other family members that got involved. After the six months required by the peace bond, Tanya had started getting back up to her old tricks, but Bill seems to have smartened up a bit. The peace bond meant she has had limited contact with her siblings, which has been tough. The oldest, 15 male, started out pretty hostile, but some of the other cousins filled him in on what was going on. I got blamed for his sudden shift in attitude, because we've established that I'm just the worst with jazz hands and everything. The silly. Gossipy family mellowed out when they realized that the literal gravy train wasn't going to stop at the station for them. Thanksgiving last year was 26 people compared to the 60 plus that came the last year I threw it prior to COVID restrictions. Easter this year was back up to an even 40, so we're probably going to plateau a little short of the old numbers. 
As for resolution to the problem, Bill has been texting Alice every couple of days to check in. They've gone for coffee a few times after the peace bond expired. I go to his funeral, but not his birthday party, were Alice's words when I asked her about where they are at. I'm hoping time can heal that wound, but she's been really good at setting boundaries. To quote one of the great warriors poets of all time, John Cougar Mellencamp, life goes on. I'll answer questions if it's allowed. Otherwise, here's some closure, guys. Then there were some more relevant comments. So on Tanya and Bill. OP says, yeah, the two of them are a bit of mustard shy of a sandwich sometimes. <laughs> they swore up and down that they aren't actually going to kick her out and that it was meant to smarten her up and stuff like that. But whether or not they're lying is for someone who cares more about it to figure it out. Kiddo's safe and sound. That's what matters. Where they are from. Oopie says, oh, Canada. That part's not a secret. It's a big place. People from rural Canada talk funny. Truth in television. And then one more thought on his family and their relationship. Opie says, I was Alice from my generation of the family tree and thankfully, while I didn't have a relative to throw me a bone, the chief took me under his wing. Because of this, they, rightly, assume I have a chip on my shoulder and I'm projecting my own frustration and hurt on the situation. They are wrongly assuming that the chip, frustration and hurt are the sole motivating factors and I'm seeing parallels between us that aren't there because of it. This has led some of the family that, that got one side of things, not others to be hesitant to take anything I say, do, think at face value. Is what it is, I suppose. And I just love Opie and his wife in this situation. They sound absolutely amazing and completely compassionate towards Alice and what she was going through. And Opie having to stand up to, and wife of course, having to stand up to the whole family which seemed to be turning against them just for sticking up for Alice and no one else taking Alice's side, not thinking about the bigger picture here like OP did. Wow. And it's nice to see and get that update that Alice is making some fantastic progress. But what do you guys make of this situation? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. Let's move on to another story. Now, our next story comes from Compromise. He says, am I the asshole because I ate early? We're on vacation with my husband's family. We got here Sunday afternoon and I was hungry. I made food for myself and my son. My husband said to wait for his family so we could all have dinner together or maybe even go out. I was around four o'clock and he was saying we'd eat at seven. I said I was hungry and my son and I ate. After that, the three of us sat by the pool. His family arrived around six and everyone was hungry and wanted to go out to eat. I don't know if it was the traveling or what, but I was exhausted. So I said I was too tired and would go to bed early. My son stayed home with me because he wasn't hungry and wanted to stay. I woke up early this morning and I made tea and sat by the pool while my son played. When my sister-in-law woke up, she came out to the pool and told me off for eating early, not going to dinner and being so standoffish. She said everyone wanted to see me and my son and I was being such a bitch. I said I was tired from traveling. She said if I forced myself to stay awake, I'd be on the same schedule as everyone else. But since I went to bed early and woke up early, I was going to have the same excuse tonight. She also told me off for not making breakfast when I was the first to wake up. But I didn't know when everyone was going to wake up and no one wants cold breakfast. She just rolled her eyes and walked away. I feel like everyone's been standoffish to me all morning and I'm wondering if I should apologize. Was I an asshole? And we're starting the comments with Kronkler Sorda, who says, not the arsehole. 
It was travel day and you were hungry and tired. And quotes, she also told me off for not making breakfast when I was the first to wake up and then says, is that a rule for your family when you do family events? Shit like this is why I don't do group vacations. Inevitable Pi says I'm going with everyone sucks here. But OP because she was passive aggressive in her behavior. Yes, our bike kid was hungry and tired and she was. However, a tidy over snack at 4pm won't ruin a 7pm dinner. And a quick nap would have freshened both up to go enjoy the evening meal with family. OP chose instead to eat a full meal with her kid and noped out of a group dinner she was aware of in advance. Not as an oops, but because, in my opinion, OP never wanted to go on a vacation in a group to begin with. OP didn't want to join for dinner and blew off everyone and went to bed. That's just rude. Sister-in-law sucks for being rude and confrontational first thing in the morning. And according to OP, OP wasn't aware. First one up cooks breakfast is the habit for this family group. If OP didn't know, it's unfair to be belligerent about it. Sister-in-law, though, has a point about OP being stubborn, about their own sleep and wake schedule, and refusing to adjust it to be with a larger group. In my opinion, this is OP's immature way of avoiding attending group meals and events. She simply doesn't want to attend. Next time, just don't go on the group holiday if you don't want to be with the group. Chlorin says not the answer. When your body is sending hunger signals, you should eat. Waiting three hours to do so is ridiculous and unhealthy. And your child's bedtime would have likely occurred during the time they were out for dinner. So pretty inconsiderate of them to not include that as a factor when choosing a dinner time. And like, these people are adults. They cannot get themselves breakfast. Lol. Aromatic Day says everyone sucks here. I agree with other posters that you could have had a snack, then gone to dinner. But even if you made a meal, you could have still gone with them. A family dinner isn't about food. It's about time together with a family. Travel and pool time can both make you tired, but you could have stuck it out to sit with a family for an hour or two. However, your sister-in-law was wrong to tell you off in such a rude way. There are better approaches to telling you she's disappointed that you didn't join them. Additionally, it is not your responsibility to make breakfast for everyone just because that you're the first person up. You don't know everyone's morning schedule. Unless it was planned, breakfast shouldn't fall on your shoulders. VF says, so in my opinion... I'd say you're not the arsehole for feeding your kid. I also think you could have had something up for that was more of a snack to keep you going until 7. I'm an early eater too, and I'd be beyond hangry if I had to wait 3 hours to eat. However, I think you're the arsehole for how you handled the situation. There was nothing stopping you having a snack and still going to dinner. I think the not going to dinner was rude if you're all meant to be holidaying together. Hoser says, yes, you're the arsehole. Your husband asked you to wait to eat and go out to dinner with his family. Could have made a light snack and taken a quick nap so that you'd be able to participate in the family event. Instead, you had a full meal, sat by the pool, which tends to make you more tired, not less, and then went to bed early. And the comments were just all over the place in this particular story. But now I turn it to you guys. What do you guys make of this situation? Let us know your thoughts down in the comments below. My supervisor at work, early 40s female, is almost certainly trying to seduce me, 31 male. I'm happily married. I also have a work trip coming up with just the two of us. How do I handle this? I've been working my current job for about a year and a half now. It's pretty cool, pays fairly well, and doesn't usually have long hours. It's been great because it provides a good life for me and my great wife, so... I can't complain. In the first year that I've had the job, I've mostly had a great working relationship with my supervisor. Professionally, she's a great supervisor at work. She challenges me to learn new things. 
to grow my career and always goes to the bat and defends me with higher ups. She honestly has made me a better person professionally and is wonderful in that regard. Personally though, she's a little bit of a mess. She's a divorced woman around 10 years or so older than me. She has constant drama with her ex-husband that I've picked up on. She is very good about not bringing it into work, but I've overheard some phone conversations and she's told me a bit of it at times over lunch and stuff. She's also a huge flirt. I've never noticed it with anyone in the office, but she used it as a tool at times at trade shows and such push deals, for example. She's not an unattractive woman at all, so she does that fairly successfully. Up until two or so months ago, I always just dismissed that as something funny and not something worth worrying about. That is until some of that flirting started being directed my way. She had sometimes done this kind of innocently as a joke in the past, which was easily dismissible. But lately it kind of feels like it's crossed the line a bit. She'll knowingly lean over so I can look down her shirt. We'll leave her hand on my shoulder a bit too long. Make slightly sexual jokes. Stuff like that. I brought it up with my wife over Christmas break and she was a bit conflicted. She's met my supervisor before and liked her, so on the one hand, she thought she was just being her usual self, kind of like a female version of Michael Scott from The Office. But on the other hand, she does think it's a bit weird, but doesn't really know what I should do. She's been my lifeline at work so many times and has defended me when most others wouldn't. I'd be putting myself into a really risky situation politically at work if I try to initiate any conflict or risk my professional relationship with her. Here's the real kicker. I have a work trip coming up in about a month or so where it will just be the two of us. We've done this twice in the past. Obviously, we have two different rooms. We don't travel together as she just lets me borrow her corporate card and make my own travel arrangements as long as I get a good deal. But I'll be meeting up with her in Vegas for a three-night trade show thing. I'm concerned that her flirting might escalate things and that she had tried to pull something. While I don't have concrete evidence, I'm fairly certain that she's done this before. Not necessarily with anyone in the office, but with other guys in the industry from other businesses. I really enjoy working with this lady and I'm beyond appreciative for what she's done for me in my career. But I'm also extremely happily married. I'm concerned that she's thinking about trying something on our upcoming Vegas business trip. Any ideas on what to do? Opie adds an update on the post and says, I didn't want to make an entirely no update thread as nothing major has happened as of yet, but... There have been a few small developments in the past 24 hours. First, I found a few more details about my trip next weekend. I'll be heading out from the nearby airport Wednesday and getting to Vegas that night. My supervisor is going to be there already and is going to pick me up at the airport since she already have a rental car. We have most of the day off on Thursday and she's told me that she wants to meet one of our clients Thursday evening for dinner. While I can't know for sure, I'm fairly certain that there is no client really coming to dinner Thursday. The show doesn't really start until Friday afternoon and only exhibitors are going to be there Thursday, not really attendees. I could be blowing it out of proportion, but after reading what everyone said here yesterday, my spidey senses are kind of tingling. I also noticed two little non-verbal things yesterday. He came into my office to check on a project we were working on and kind of sat on the edge of my desk, leaning over to check on something on my computer screen. Without going into detail, he did all of this in a way that was a little uncomfortably intimate. It's embarrassing and uncomforting because my male instinct kicked in and I found myself having thoughts I hated myself for. This is heading in a direction I do not like. I did some checking around yesterday and there's no way I can back out of the trip. 
I already got meetings scheduled with colleagues and clients. Everything's booked in my name and is more or less non-refundable, especially the high-cost vendor badge, which is non-transferable. I've also talked with my wife and tried to see if she can come along. That's not really possible as she's got the biggest event of the year at her workplace to tend to next Friday and Saturday. So seriously, what do I do? So Kegel points us on this one, so she is casual and flirty. Start to bring up your wife more, how happy you are, that your wife likes her, etc. Play ignorance to any sign she shows. Keep it as professional as possible. OP says, well, last week she joked about a threesome with me and my wife. That sounds horrible out of context, but she's pretty good about slipping things in like that and making it sound like a horrible joke. Like I said, pretty much a female Michael Scott. A user replies to that and says, that would have been the perfect opportunity for you to tell her that a commentary was totally inappropriate. OP says, I know, right? I was just so dumbfounded and didn't know what to say. And she already moved on to more work-related point. And honestly, in retrospect, it was just a dumb joke other than any kind of suggestion. But still. Hanford gives some advice and says, don't give her an opening. No moments where she can lean in for the kiss. No flirting back. Get back to your room early, etc. Unless she makes a truly, truly bold move like hiding in your closet naked or something. You can get through three days without giving her the opportunity to even think about making a move. It's a weird situation, but at the end of the day, if you really don't want to fuck someone, it's pretty easy to avoid. Jasper Kaska says, I suggest you wait and see what happens. Don't jump the gun on anything because your signs are fairly weak so far. In addition to that, I would kick the can down the road for now, so to speak. That is, don't give her a chance to try and hit on you or seduce you. Don't spend any alone time with her. Then if worse comes to pass, you can turn her down. OP says, that's the trick, right? Unfortunately, I will be having a good deal of time alone with her. We've got a presentation the two of us are given in Vegas and I'll be working with her quite a bit in the upcoming month. And one more comment from Kat who says, I really hate that so much of this thread is about how OP can protect himself without hurting his harasser's feelings. I get really, really, really upset when women do this shit. Because for every one of these that's happening, there are hundreds of subordinate women saying I'm being subjected to some really professionally dangerous sexual harassment and I'm scared and stressed. Women like me are saying, yeah, you know what, this is still a pretty nasty problem. And then 20 MRAs pipe up and say, it's not just men, women do it too. And trying to derail the whole conversation. And that just pisses me off. Fuck women like your boss for giving them that opening. Well, don't actually fuck them, that will compound the problem. I hope HR nails her to the wall because this is some bullshit right here. And I'd like to see it not fly or be coddled. So OP comes in with an update and starts off by saying, okay, so a quick summary of the other thread for anyone that missed that. I have a supervisor at work that is a pretty cool lady and helped me tremendously in my career. She's also kind of the female version of Michael Scott. She's prone to sometimes being awkward and inappropriate and had taken to kind of flirting with me and such in recent months. We had a work trip together in Vegas this past weekend and I'd been worrying that she might try something. As for the update. I just got back from the trip last night and things went, well, awkwardly. I followed everyone's advice from the previous thread and mostly kept to myself and kept things professional as possible. I went ahead and arranged my own travel from the airport to my hotel this past Wednesday and feigned some excuses to not do anything with her until Thursday at lunch when we met up to plan stuff for our booth the trade show and get it set up and such we had normal chit chat otherwise she seemed comparably tame to how she's acted in the past and my previous fears started to fade away 
We got our booth set up, kind of went our own separate ways for a few hours to do some touristy Vegas stuff for a while, met some colleagues from another company for dinner and called it a night because we both agreed that we'd want good sleep before having to get up early and work a long trade show from 8am to 5pm the next day. The next day, work in the show went fine. We were actually pretty productive and such. I politely turned down beers and such as they were passed around the show floor, opting instead for Diet Coke or whatever. The company hosting the show had a nice dinner slash social hour for us afterwards, and I felt comfortable enough to have a Jack and Coke. I know my limits, and I knew that one wouldn't put me too far. Afterwards, I took a half mile down the strip to get into a little Vegas trouble and lose a little money and had some fun. I got back to the hotel room about nine, so I could watch a movie and get to sleep early again. I felt pretty good about the trip so far. Business was good, I was having a good time, and my boss was well behaved. At least, until that point. This is where things got dicey. I got a call from my supervisor about 9.30 saying she wanted to go over some info before we had a meeting with a client early in the morning. She'd acted mostly professionally to that point, so I didn't worry too much, but asked if she wanted to just meet in the lobby bar, which she agreed to. We met up for a bit and she mentioned that she had forgot a folder in her room and asked me to come with her because there was just one more thing she wanted to check on. This was kind of a red flag, but she'd been normal to that point, so I reluctantly agreed. We got back to her room and she got me the folder that had the client info that we needed to look over. She said she needed to use the bathroom really quickly while I looked it over. After a moment, she comes back into the room in a bathrobe. I knew where this was possibly going and I immediately wanted out. I got up and said I'd better go and call my wife and get a good night's sleep. But she kept asking questions about the client and what I thought. I kind of stammered through, looking for an opportunity to leave. But she was sort of standing in the way. I couldn't just leave. It's all a blur at this point, but she dropped her robe. I looked away immediately, but she was standing there in lace panties and nothing else. I did not want to be attracted to her and given to any primal male notion, so I just kind of averted my eyes and slipped out the door and said I'd see her in the morning. I called my wife and told her what happened, and she was just kind of dumbstruck and didn't really know what to tell me. I felt so confused. Part of me was offended that she'd go that far. Part of me was scared to death over what would happen next. And I'll be embarrassingly honest. A primal male part of me was a little excited that something actually happened. I even told my wife about it and with her encouragement and a few fun Snapchat pictures she sent me, I visited certain sites on the internet and got that out of my system. The next morning, it was as if nothing happened. I was probably acting very awkwardly the next two days and tiptoeing around her. But she acted as if nothing happened. It was cheaper for the company to stay another night and fly out Monday afternoon. And I just totally kept my distance between the end of the show Sunday afternoon and when I left. It's the first day back in the office, but she took a day off and won't be back until tomorrow. I have no idea what to do. It's possible that she'd never just talk about it again, but so are many other possibilities. If I tried to bring it up with anyone here at the office, it'd just be my word against hers. I just have no clue how to proceed here. I've already been looking elsewhere for other jobs for around two months now and haven't had much luck. I don't know if I can just leave. This is just so damn confusing. OP was responding to a lot of the comments on this one, but there was one comment they left, which was their final comment on that account, which said, I'm not sure that the mod will allow me to post a third update, but I think things are going to sort themselves out, at least for the time being. We talked, she was deeply embarrassed. She's going through some issues and apologized at length and in as many words begged me to never tell anyone. I haven't decided 
how to play things yet. And there was a lot of advice in the comments below. Some people saying, you know, to lawyer up and get all the info down. Other people telling OP that they've been sexually harassed here. Others telling the OP that they made a mistake by going to that room, but I think they know that. Other people telling OP that he has an awesome wife, but let us know your thoughts down in the comments below. Let's move on to another story. And our next story is titled, Am I the Arsehole for Not Preparing My Pregnant Wife Food? And it does have an update as well. My wife is five months pregnant and has started to feel hungry a lot. She's recovering from vomiting constantly and now it's just one in a week or two. We both work from home. I try to do the majority of household chores, cooking, dishes, laundry, cleaning, breakfast, lunch, dinner, etc. Though it's a small apartment and no kids, so it's not really much work. And we typically just have milk and bread for breakfast, which I bring to her bed. She helps with cooking whenever she is feeling good, and very lately, she has started to cook more than me. Otherwise, I cook the dinner with often some assistance from her, cutting onions, etc. We save the dinner for lunch the next day. It's good going most of the time. The problem is that my wife keeps complaining to me that she is hungry and I haven't fed her. I do offer snacks like banana, fruits and nuts, but she says she is looking for some real food because she is really hungry. When I ask her what do you want me to make, she often doesn't have an answer and tells me she doesn't know but is hungry. If I offer to make something, say soup or boiled potatoes, she shoots it down for one reason or another. It's carb and not good, it's too light and she is too hungry etc. This gets me visibly frustrated. Today, she agreed to a serving of watermelon, which I cut and served. While cutting it, I asked her to tell me what she wants to eat because she will start complaining in a while that she is hungry. I can't immediately have something ready to eat because it takes preparation. She says she is good for a while and didn't entertain my question. As predicted, when I visited her room in an hour or so after work, she started pouting that she is hungry and I didn't feed her anything since lunch throughout the day. This made me a bit angry because I did feed her the melon and some dry snacks. It just wasn't a proper food. Moreover, I had asked her what to eat exactly for this reason and she had refused to answer then. I told her she is expecting too much from me, both figuring out what to make and make them. I asked her that she should at least take responsibility for figuring out what to eat and let me know in advance. She felt like I was invalidating her and then said, okay, won't tell you anything from now on, pouting. I got annoyed and left the room. Am I the arsehole? Affectionate Owl says, not the arsehole. You didn't feed her. Is she bedridden? If not, why can't she feed herself? Pregnancy does not equal disabled. Opie says, her reasoning is that pregnancy troubles, discomfort, aches, nausea, and work stress is already taking a toll on her. Don't disagree there, and I should take care of things like getting food ready, which I'm happy to do, only if I knew what exactly to do. Addicted to dessert says not the asshole. Being pregnant doesn't make her a princess, and it doesn't turn you into a butler. You're clearly being supportive and doing your best. This would be a different story if she was bedridden or a very dangerous pregnancy where you should know what she should have slash not have. Evolving Cyborg replies that and says, That being said, pregnancy can be a hormonal minefield. I'm not saying you should endure abuse, but learning what can satisfy her cravings is invaluable. First, figure out if it's sweet, savory, or sour. Usually, it's one of the first two. Then narrow it down. Chocolate or fruit? Red meat, white meat, noodles, or crunchy snacks? If it is sour, try pickles. Chances are it's one of those. 
Once you find one that hits, it's likely to be a repeat winner. Keep a stash on hand. I know it feels like she's running you through hoops right now, and she is, but she's just stating a human, and it's a lot to handle on a chemical level. Tell her you don't know what she wants, and the aggression is uncalled for, but you're doing your best, and you just need some guidance in procuring what she's craving. You got this. Creed the dog says, not the arsehole. She is a grown adult woman with legs to walk her tail end to the kitchen and grab her a snack of her choice. Pregnancy does not make you an infant who needs feeding. PSI Blaze says, not the arsehole. Her getting pregnant doesn't grant you psychic powers. And her response, okay, won't tell you anything from now on. And then says, that's pure manipulation. Do not entertain that nonsense. So let her not tell you and fend for herself until she drops that manipulative BS. One more comment from Honey Bunny who says not the arsehole, but at the same time, you've got to understand that she may be overwhelmed with a pregnancy that she can't think straight. From experience, pregnancy affects us mentally as well. We go through a lot. Our bodies are changing every day. We're both happy and sad. Our hormones make us cry for no reason. I promise you, it'll all pass. At this point, do not ask her anymore. Just do it. Like you said, you know she's going to be hungry. You know she's not going to know what to eat. Then prep her something tasty so she doesn't have to think about it. She'll probably enjoy it and both of you all will be way less stressed. Communication is super important here. And then there was a few comments as well saying like sort of everyone sucks here. A couple of you all the assholes and it was mainly talking about the diet doesn't sound adequate, etc. But Opie updated the post and they said thanks everyone for responding to the post. While the majority of the not the asshole replies were reassuring to read. Most helpful ones were the no one's an arsehole here and everyone sucks here and even some of the you're the arseholes here. First things first. I feel I may have unintentionally cast my wife in a somewhat unfair light. She's far from the lazy pampered princess some may have pictured. She's on her feet a fair bit, grabbing her own snacks, sipping water and even tossing together some rice for our lunch now and then. She's really quite the team player around the house, always ready to lend a hand when she's feeling good. I often find myself encouraging her to kick back and rest. The real pickle here wasn't about her helping out or not, but about her leaning on me to sort out all her meals. Reading all your comments, I had a bit of an aha moment. She genuinely didn't know what she felt like eating. And to be totally transparent, this food decision deadlock isn't a new game for us. Pre-pregnancy, we'd often volley the no you decide ball until one of us gave in. Now that we got a baby on the way, I've realized it would be quite irresponsible of both of us to let her go hungry because we can't decide. Or technically, her responsibility to decide, I've taken up on following some advice here. A quick tangent. Have you ever noticed how different you can be from your partner in certain ways? Like when I'm under the weather, I'm a big fan of sorting out my own needs, calling the dog, taking my meds, fetching my own hot water. My wife though, she's all about caring and pampering, even when I'm barely sniffly. It's taken me a bit of time to get used to a high-level pampering expectations, but I'm getting there. So, following some solid advice from this community, I snagged Real Food for Pregnancy, the science and wisdom of optimal prenatal nutrition, and it's been quite an eye-opener. I've shared the need-to-know parts with my wife, since reading makes her a tad nervous at the moment. We've come to realize that we've been pretty off track with our nutrition. I told her we need to increase our protein consumption and have shared my plans on buying more meat and fish. I also started following the advice of just giving her food without asking what she wants. It actually works. Overall, I think this is making her feel that I care about her diet and her and our relationship has improved. I also feel pretty good about our diet now. 
In a nutshell, we're making progress. She seems more at ease with our meal situation and I'm feeling pretty good about getting our nutrition on track. It's always nice to see when a couple are working things out and they're, they're working together to get the best possible solution for this situation. A lot of the comments on this one saying, you know, it's a really nice update, but just do not put too much pressure on her and yourself to get this perfect diet for pregnancy. Obviously, if you can be as healthy as can be, that's a great thing, but obviously don't pressure yourself too much with it at the same time. But now I'm going to turn this one to you guys. What do you guys make of this situation? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. And our next story is from Miserable Ad 7975. It's titled Calm Before the Storm. Tried posting a few days ago, but could not find the post. Must be lost in cyberspace. Don't even know if this is the right forum at the moment. In gist, a fair partner got served divorce papers out of nowhere two days ago at work. Husband knows of us slash me. It's only a matter of time before my wife finds out. Don't know if I have days or hours before the world as I know it is gone. Took some time off work to spend with my wife and two daughters. My body is in turmoil, but strangely, my mind is clear. It reminds me of the days leading up to my dad passing away. Time has slowed down and I'm aware of all the things surrounding me. It's a nice feeling. My day today was filled with observation of details and appreciation. My wife's smell and clothes she wore. My daughter's laughter, the colors of the kitchen tiles, the dog, the yard. Feel blessed to have a healthy and beautiful family. What will my daughters think of me? I look at my wife that I love with all my heart and I see a woman who stood by me no matter what. We share our fair share of ups and downs like most couples, but I never imagined a life without her. How do I justify a six-year affair? Is that even forgivable? I don't know what the future holds. All I know is that the storm is coming and I am here basking in the sun until the clouds come rolling in. I plan to confess over the weekend. Even if I know the outcome, I pray she does not leave me. This was so fucking not worth it. Any suggestions on how to confess? How do you start? What do I tell my daughters? I have already made an appointment with a therapist. What else can I do? Wish me luck. Edit. Thank you for all the comments and suggestions. Some of them were hard to read. I don't have time to address all comments, but will reply to a few to clear some things. Yesterday, I reached out to my brother for advice. He left his wife some years ago and married as a fair partner. He seemed happy with her. The grass is not greener for him after all, and he is planning on leaving her, but is stuck at the moment. His advice is to not tell my wife and to minimize if confronted. He also said I should let down a fair partner gently so she does not go nuclear on my wife and family. I'm hoping for the best, but preparing for the worst. And then there were some comments which OP replied to. So one of them said, not trying to be mean or anything, but you never imagined a life without her. You had a six-year affair and you love your wife with all your heart. It sounds like you are really confused. Maybe she will stick by you with counseling. OP says, I am not confused. Never was. I don't have a problem separating love from sex. My heart is loyal to my woman and she is it for me. Someone says, you have a lot to sort through, but if you're taking the right direction to line up some icy for yourself, be ready to move out if you're kicked out after the storm. Someone says, six years is a long affair by any measure. If it wasn't worth it, what was a fair partner to you? Someone you could also toy around with along with your wife. For the record, this is the classic definition of throwing someone under the bus to save yourself. Maybe start by owning up to what you have done. 
If you think the affair partner's BS will reach out to your wife and tell her everything he discovered, I would suggest you start telling the truth. I am not a betrayed spouse, but it seems that trickle-truthing hurts way more over time. Whether your long-term affair is forgivable or not is no longer in your control. OP says, so many responses about how I don't value my affair partner. Well, since I'm on a pour my heart out role here, let me tell you about my affair partner. She is a gorgeous and smart woman who is funny and open to different experiences. She is younger than myself and my wife. Fit, seductive, sexy as fuck. But she is not my wife and does not even compare. Six years on and off is a long time to invest. As I see it, she is an adult woman who made the decisions to cheat with a married man on her husband for whatever reasons. Do I care for her? Yes. Six years is a long time. Do I love her? No. Did I say I loved her? Yes, of course I did, but I just lied, as I lied to my wife. Did I use her? Yes, I did. Did she use me? Of course she fucking did. We both knew we were playing with fire. Someone says you were selfish as fuck. Six-year affair and it was only not worth it because you and a fair partner were caught. Not only do you not deserve your wife, but you do not deserve your affair partner. Opie says, yes, I am very much aware of that. I don't deserve my wife, that is for sure. The affair partner don't mean to be rude, but don't want her. Someone says and quotes someone and says, I wish the best of luck with whatever you decide. These days are hell on earth. And if there is a way to avoid this, do it. Confession is not good for the soul. And unless the affair partner's SO decides to bunny boiler you, you may not be exposed, so no point. The better idea is just to stop with the affair partner, even though I know she needs support. It cannot be you unless you want to exit your marriage. Follow that with some counseling to figure out how to fix yourself and possibly some marriage counseling to have a third party help you guide the SO to get in fixed if you have a dead bedroom situation. A marriage counselor shouldn't have to uncover you unless it's already happened. In short, start making a plan for you if you get exposed. Make it a good, solid plan and be ready to use it. OP says, thank you for the advice. I am leaning towards not telling after talking to my brother yesterday, but I have not decided yet. Someone asks OP about the reason why they strayed and OP said, the reason I strayed has nothing to do with my wife. We have a good sex life in general, but I do have some kinks that she is not into at all. My affair partner was into the same kinks. That's how we met and that the affair partner was ongoing for six years. What led me to starting the affair was my wife being in an accident that took a toll on her body. Sex was off the table for over a year. I gave in to temptation and when I discovered the affair partner shared my kink, I was hooked. So all you people saying my wife was withholding sex and intimacy? No, my wife and I are very intimate. Having sex with my wife is making love. Sex with an affair partner is just sex. My wife meets 90% of all my needs my affair partner meets 10%. Someone says this wouldn't have happened if your wife was intimate on a regular basis. Assume that she was affectionate and her desire for intimacy and sex was zero. Don't feel bad for yourself. You will get past this and start a new life for your lover now she is getting a divorce also. Opie says nope, not true at all. And I don't want to start a new life with my affair partner. Best of luck to her and all, but she is not the gal for me long term. So Opie updates the post and says... I was prepared for all scenarios, but not this one. The doom day did not come in the shape I was expecting. My fair partner ended up convincing her soon-to-be ex not to spill the beans to my wife in exchange for a smooth divorce. I thought I was in the clear. Yesterday, the fair partner sent me a blurry photo of my wife in the car with another man. She claimed they walked hand-in-hand hand to his car from a store in a nearby town to ours. She got a shot of the plates too. After some digging, I now know she's having an affair. 
Don't know how long for sure, but at least six months. He's a single dad our age and is telling her to leave the marriage. She is telling him she loves him. Afraid to confront her, feel numb at the moment. Took the day off work. Any advice? I love her and want to stay married. Edit, any advice on how to proceed? Should I just let it run its course and monitor? Should I confront and hope for the best? Should I confess to my affair and hope we can all come clean and make way for a new marriage? I'm so fucking utterly confused. I've rehearsed the things I would say and do if she was to find out about my affairs. I was not prepared for this shit. Someone asked a question which must have been about a private investigator and OP said no PI. A fair partner's friend who also knows my wife, co-worker, saw in the parking lot, took pictures and sent to my affair partner. Affair partner forwarded it to me. Wife loves our sauna. Took the phone from the counter while she was relaxing. No password. It was all there on WhatsApp. He was saved under a woman's name. Did not have time to read it all, but saw enough to confirm. Convos go back since April. Someone says, I agree with this. Perfect opportunity to go open. But I'm guessing not all cake eaters want their SO to have a slice of their own. Opie says, yeah, I don't know how to feel being on the other side. Never had fantasies about my wife fucking other men. Had a good sex life minus my kinks she was not aware of. I am thinking, what do I have to lose? There can only be two outcomes. She loves him and she leaves. She loves me, she stays. I'm hoping this is just a fling and nothing serious. Someone says, promise, I'm not trying to bust your balls. Just trying to understand. Your wife can't have cake of her own. I'm not a cake eater, but a single affair partner to two of them. I guess I'm not seeing the big deal. You're both getting your itches scratched. OP says logically, yes, we are both getting our itches scratched. What's the big deal? I'm not ruled by logic at this moment. Maybe later, but now my emotions are overpowering every logic. Never in my life have I expected this type of emotional and physical distress. I can't even think straight. Never thought I was going to bawl my eyes out and throw up on the carpet. Someone says, I think you need to find out why your wife cheated. If her reason lines up with yours, maybe there is a way to move to DADT, which I just looked that up and it says, don't ask, don't tell. OP says, I'm desperate to talk this out to know why this happened and how invested she really is in this piece of shit. If she is doing this out of revenge, maybe I have a chance, because if so, she does feel something for me at least. Can't imagine her being emotionless, throwing away over 20 years. I know this woman like I know myself. Deep down, she's hurt, but also very stubborn and proud. I just want to know if she knew about my affair. Why the hell did she not confront me? I would have chosen her over an affair partner in a nanosecond. What the hell is she hoping to find with this douche? Is no better than me, sleeping with a married woman. Ah, fuck. I'm trying to respect her wish to have some space, but I'm desperate, desperate, desperate to just talk to her. An OP's next update says, My marriage seems to be over confronted wife this past weekend sat her down without warning and told her i knew she was having an affair and with whom asked her if she loved him and what her plan was she was caught off guard went to the bathroom for 10 minutes when she came out she looked me straight in the eyes and said i know about your affair too i have known for some time now i love him and want a divorce next days were a blur i tried to talk to her but she shuts me down she has moved into the spare bedroom and is making appointments with law firms. Has told our two girls. I've signed up for emergency therapy. I'm on meds for dealing with anxiety and lack of sleep. This is surreal. Heard her talk to him last night and cut the internet cord. Kind of crazy because I need fucking internet for work and she just switched to her phone. Ah oh, man. So many emotions are running through me. I made love to her past week and today she is a total stranger. 
How does this happen? How can she not feel any fucking emotion? Over 20 years gone. All the love, friendship, partnership, intimacy, jokes, memories, plans for our future, gone. Just like that. No looking back. Feel so blindsided and the only person I can talk to is my brother who lives across the country. Sorry to vent here to you fine people on here. Just need to get this out. Someone in the comments obviously laughed at Opie and told them that they get what they deserve and Opie responded saying, yeah, you can loll your dick off. I'm a selfish, entitled, arrogant, worst asshole among cheaters, but I do love my wife contrary to what many of you believe. In my heart, I have never strayed, but she played me. Well done. Someone says, did you not play her for six years? Have you asked her how long she's known? I'm guessing she's known for quite a while and had time to process her feelings before even stepping out. You can't demonize her for something you were doing first. You should have listened to your heart instead of your dick if you didn't want this to be an outcome. Anyone who cheats and doesn't think the scenario is possible outcome is a fool. Opsec be damned. Well, I'm not totally sure what opsec means. I looked it up and it says operational security about sort of like keeping information away from your enemy. Uh, there might be another meeting on that. You have to let me know. But OP says, yeah, you're right. And that was their final comment on that account. It was the last comments that really hit me and i'm you know all of it is an absolute mess but where he says how can she not feel any fucking emotion over 20 years gone and reflects over what they've all gone through gone just like that no looking back it's just like what the hell but now i'm going to turn this one to you guys what do you guys make of this situation could you have seen it ending any other way let us know your thoughts down in the comments below let's move on to another story and our next story comes from the am i the arsehole subreddit from charlie boxcutter who says am i the arsehole my wife and i got into a fight over mcdonald's milkshakes and it's now blown out of proportion so we had plans to go out to dinner tonight we took two cars one car with family of five plus a nephew then another car with two sisters an uncle and a niece we get to the restaurant and the wait ends up being two hours long, so my wife calls her sisters waiting in the car and they immediately agree to go back to the rental to eat dinner. The sisters will pick up groceries to make mozzarella, cheese, tomato, basil sandwiches for dinner. I know my kids will not eat that, so I tell the wife I'm going through McDonald's for the kids. The wife calls her sisters to make sure they don't get offended with going through McDonald's for the kids and also to ask if we can order their nephew a Big Mac like he wants. Here's where the fight started. I tell my wife not to offer to buy them dinner. I don't want to buy everyone dinner tonight. I buy everyone in my van dinner, but they're in the car right behind us. If they want McDonald's, then they can drive through the line. Also, I know they won't pay for us for whatever they want because family and we are sharing. I have no problem with sharing either. I've bought the most groceries for everyone, but this instance, they're in the car right behind us so they can get their own food. My wife, of course, asked them if they want anything. Now, my first thought was that I didn't want to buy a combo meals for everyone, but that didn't happen. They just wanted two milkshakes, but at this point I was already upset, she asked. I did order the milkshakes on the second ticket. When we got to the window, my wife handed me her credit card to pay for the milkshakes. She didn't offer to buy the kids dinner or anything else, but just the milkshakes. She then proceeded not to talk to me for the rest of the ride home. She doesn't talk to me when we got home. I go to the bedroom for 30 minutes and when I come back, I ask her if she's still mad and she is. I ended up drinking alone on the front patio all night until everyone goes to bed. We did talk for 10 minutes on the patio where she told me I was unreasonable and overly aggressive. 
Maybe unreasonable because the order ended up being just two milkshakes for $10, but in no way was it overly aggressive. Stupidest fight in the world, but I'm not apologizing and neither is she. I've got to tell you, and I know it's not really relevant to the st story itself. I was shocked at the very start when you said, you know, you basically got 10 people and you're going to a restaurant and no one's booked anything. <laughs> and then the very last line really jumped out to me. You said stupidest fight in the world and I'm not apologizing. It's like you, you're admitting it's the stupidest thing. You're just not going like, come on, let's move past this now. I'm sorry about it. It was, you know, this is an absolutely daft thing to argue about. Let's not go down this path. But Wandering Aimlessly says, I think you guys have a lot more issues than two milkshakes. I also think if this causes you to drink all night, you might have another problem. But that's just food for thought and I'm not making an accusation. Had to sign up for this says you're the arsehole. They offered to make everyone dinner. You're the one who decided to get the kids McDonald's. Then you got all bitter and twisted about your wife offering to do what they had just done and get them something. Two fucking milkshakes. You got off cheap and got dinner made for you rather than spending it at a restaurant. Apologize already. Dehydrated Rain says you're the arsehole. They already agreed on sandwiches. You chose an alternative for your kids. That isn't buying everyone dinner. Then you locked yourself away in the bedroom, followed by drinking alone all night. Yeah, I'd say this is blown out of proportion. Suck it up, apologize, and move on. And one more comment from Queen Yin, who says that you're the arsehole. What everyone is saying about them paying for slash making dinner is true. They also shouldn't have to go through the drive-thru if you already are. It's unnecessary and it would have meant they'd start dinner even later than they already were because you didn't want to be courteous. The fact that you're already going to make dinner also heavily implied they wouldn't want much. You were just catastrophizing. I gotta tell you, that word catastrophizing <laughs> took me ages but and this is the biggest part for me buying everyone mcdonald's combos was still going to be cheaper than the dinner at the restaurant you didn't have you're still going to come out ahead even if they ordered for everyone because of that it's kind of just an asshole move to be stingy and sulk over the situation but now i'm gonna turn this one to you guys what do you guys make of this situation and let's have another story from baddie throwaway who says would i be the asshole if i told my wife i would fire her married 16 years met in college both employed and students married before graduating she became pregnant i dropped out to work full time she continued until around seven months pregnant we agreed that she would take care of the kids and be a stay-at-home mum until the kids were old enough to go to school during the day. She'd been back to school four times for different things, each time has worked maybe one year of the 16 years we've been married. Our youngest has been in school for the past six years. I've supported everything she wanted to do. She's had multiple MLM, ooh, craft making and business ventures with friends over this time period and she doesn't stay with any of them for more than a year at most. During the same time period, I've upgraded jobs multiple times, finished my bachelor's and obtained a master's. I went from working barely above minimum wage security to working in tech, making over 130k a year. I never stopped supporting her or being there for my family. I remember taking a damn group meeting conference call for a courses team project on Google Hangout while I was at Disney World with a family. The first career jump I had, I went from working a double shift security job to driving six hours away to an interview, thinking I was late. But I was actually early because it was in a different time zone. While I've been doing everything I can to build us up, I feel like she's been doing nothing but drag us down. She always says she's going to get a job, but she does nothing at home either. 
She's supposed to be taking classes now to be a teacher, but she doesn't do jack shit on her schoolwork. I put up with a lot of this over the years, and I think what finally set me off was she opened up a letter from the state we live in talking about teachers and retirement plans. She subbed maybe three times in the last year, and I guess they had her in the system for that. She turned to me and said, can you help me figure out what I should do for my retirement plan? I burst out laughing, like legit laughing my ass off. I've never cussed at her in my life, but I couldn't help it and I was, you have to have a fucking job before you can retire. She just looked at me shocked. I kept laughing. She said it wasn't that funny. But to me, that was the funniest goddamn thing I've had ever heard. In the end, I want to know if I'd be the asshole if I sat down and we had a conversation that went along like this. Imagine we both worked full time and made enough money that we could hire living nanny, housekeeper, chef. I know that'd probably cost a lot, but that'd be pretty cool, right? Now imagine after you got home every day, you had someone like that. Someone that said that was their job and you agreed that's what they do since that was their job. And the house still looked the same. Dirty place it is now. And instead of cooking food, they just put some dino nuggets in the air fryer every day. We'd probably fire them, huh? Holy resentment, Batman. This is going to be rough. Lane says everyone sucks here. She definitely needs a reality check and a frank conversation. But what you have written there is so unproductive and sure to come off as insulting that you are only going to blow things up. Hibernative says everyone sucks here. You're an asshole for ridiculing her and you would be the asshole if you delivered the little speech you've prepared here. There's right ways and wrong ways to address the disparity in your relationship and you've outlined just about the wrongest way possible. The two of you should have been having discussions about her school plans and business plans where you expressed your concerns all along. Instead, you supported her without complaint while quietly building up this giant mass of resentment and contempt. Now you can't hold it in anymore and you want to unleash it in a hurtful manner. Well, too fucking bad. Figure out a way to talk to your wife that doesn't include laughing at her or metaphorically firing her. East Bake says you're the asshole. Have you ever talked to her about any of this? It doesn't sound like you have. In fact, it sounds like the opposite. You told her you support her projects, but you don't. And now you have this seething resentment for her. Well, all along you've been lying to her about your support. You've got to talk to her like she's your partner and someone you love. If you don't love her, sounds like you don't even like her, then you need to figure out a healthy and adult way to deal with that. But now I'm going to turn this one to you guys. What do you guys make of this situation? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. And our next story is from Professional Rush 24 and asks, am I the asshole for not being the nicest about my not father having cancer. I'm Sophie, 22 female, and I have two older half-brothers, 25 male and 27 male. The man who had been raising me as my father, 54 male, found out I was not his biological dad. My two older brothers are, when I was seven, and promptly abandoned me and divorced my mum. He was very involved up until this point and was actually in the middle of coaching my soccer team when it happened. He abandoned that too and the assistant coach had to take over. Anyways, he ended up, not sure how, paying my child support to my mum for me. Probably because he was the breadwinner and him leaving my mum left us two in pretty dire financial circumstances. I was also yanked out of the private school my brothers and I attended. He remarried a few years later to a woman with a daughter a year younger than me and promptly did everything with her that he used to do with me. Hurrah for them. Sophomore year of high school, some organization was hosting a father-daughter dance in our school gym while I was around campus with some friends. Can't remember, and we vandalized the fancy car he pulled up in. 
Not something I'm proud of, but I'm mentioning it here because although I paid for half the cost of repairs, he graciously paid the other half and decided not to press charges. Anyways, now the old man has cancer. Both brothers and stepdaughter are out of the state with school, and his wife has early arthritis or something, not really sure. He calls my mum and asks her if either of us could drive him to and from chemotherapy. We were in the car and he was on speaker, but I told him no. That's something that family does, and he's made it very clear he doesn't see either of us as family and hung up. Mum is doing things like bringing casseroles and driving him. I don't try to stop her, but I don't help her either. She has recently started trying to guilt me into it, saying, He always paid child support, which I said the amount of money he lost on that was about as impactful as a fart in the wind for old money bags. He didn't press charges about his car, which I said great, he did one nice thing for me so he can get one casserole and one car ride. Now my siblings and his stepdaughter have all flown in and my brother says he, not dad, really needs to speak to me. I said to tell him that if he has something to say to me, I don't want to hear it and if he writes me a letter, I'm not opening it. I said I was sorry for what they were going through but that he's made it very clear that I'm not his family and so I don't want them asking me for things they would ask of family. However, they are struggling and the more they ask for help, the more my patience wears thin and the more insensitive my rejections get. My mother recently talked with me about being the bigger person. Am I the arsehole? Also, please don't leave comments like the real arsehole is your mum for cheating and committing paternity fraud. Like, thanks for that one, Sherlock, and my mother and I have reconciled. Edit. My mum is pushing me to be the bigger person because our pastor says it will have a healing effect on my soul. She is very religious. Edit 2, the situation is more complicated than not dad being an innocent angel victim and mum deciding to do paternity fraud for funsies. I might do a separate post or something to explain since this is anonymous anyway. While her circumstances don't excuse or justify her actions, which was still wrong, having the full context made me more amendable to forgiveness. Edit slash update, I have agreed to speak to him and will do sometime this weekend. And there were some comments to which Opie replied to. Someone asked, if he's rich, what does he need you for? And any leads on your bio dad? Opie says, oh, he will not admit to being rich. He's just very comfortable, lol. He hasn't said anything to me because I haven't heard him out yet. I'm not sure about him paying me. I think it would just make me feel like the help and further emphasize the glaring socioeconomic differences between us. I have a name and some basic info about bio dad. Mum isn't 100% sure if he was even a US citizen. He was working doing construction on a new addition to our house. I know, it's wild. That's what actually caused Not Dad to first give me the side eye. The summer before he left, we went to vacation at the Bahamas for the first time. My Mexican genes activated or something. It got really dark to the point people just assumed I was adopted. We can't track him down, so I'm pretty sure he's happy in Mexico with zero clue I exist. More about the family's relationship. Mum had sole custody of me, duh, and dad had primary custody for brothers. To be honest, I really think that A, not dad spent time trashing mum to brothers, which yes, I understand, she is responsible. Brothers have never let go of resentment of her, which is their right, and B, he has always had money. He had better lawyers. C, mum went from being very involved to very tired from working all the time. Sometimes she would fall asleep early on the couch. Not dad doesn't do this. He has a normal nine to five. He doesn't work crazy hours. Stepmom doesn't do this because she's a stay-at-home mom. 
I don't blame her for this, but I think they do. So I can see why they resent her a lot, and I don't get upset with them for it or try to force them to reconcile. I just wish the same courtesy could be extended to me. Opie adds a bit more information about why she felt betrayed and starts off by saying, nor was there a love connection. And then says, yes, that is what hurt the most. He loved me so much up until we found out I wasn't his. Funny thing is, he and mum always talked about how they would always love us no matter what, but I think they just wanted to lay the groundwork for us feeling comfortable coming to them if we did drugs or something when we got older. Homeboy was definitely not expecting that curveball when he told me, forever and ever, no matter what, every night before bed, lol. Teaching Classic comes in and says, not the arsehole, the man who had raised you as his own daughter for seven years suddenly dumped you. It was not your fault that your mother had cheated. You loved him as your father. He ripped away your security, your family, your lifestyle, and I'm sure a good chunk of your heart. That is not something that is easily forgiven. Maybe your mother is helping him because she still has some sort of sense of guilt. But that is not your guilt to carry. That man did you very wrong. I wouldn't shed a tear when he died if I were you. I'm sorry your brothers are suffering. It's understandable. They're worried about their father. But he has not been a father to you for 15 years by his own choice. How much is one child supposed to take? Not only did he withdraw his love and affection, but then he made you watch as he showered that attention on another little girl who was also not his child. He seems to have no problem loving her. The hurt and trauma he has caused you has not easily gotten over. It sucks that your mum is so quick to overlook the damage that was done to you in order to try and rehabilitate herself. It's not about being the bigger person. The injustices he did to you were inflicted on a child. He had the opportunity to do right by you and he chose not to. Your mum's infidelity was not your fault. The relationship you had established with him for seven years meant nothing to him. And now he means nothing to you. And that's okay. Zalker says and quotes not the arsehole and says my mother recently talked with me about being the bigger person and goes on to say you're already the bigger person by choosing to forgive your mother. The way you're acting is vengeful towards your not father but not in any way out of line. From what we know you haven't gone out of your way to do anything harmful or manipulative. I think you'd be hard pressed to find someone calling you an arsehole. One more comment which says, I do think you should sit down your brothers and, and as calmly as you explain that while their struggles and feelings around their dad's health, the man has made it clear for over 15 years he has no interest in you. Explain the more they push, the more you're losing your patience. Explain that you respect and validate their feelings and in turn they need to do the same to you and stop trying to get you involved. Write a letter if it helps and maybe bring a friend who can pinch you every time you get rightfully angry. This is solely to preserve your relationship with your brothers. Remind your mother that she might have some guilt towards the man she cheated on. You, however, are innocent and government-mandated child support and the decision to not report a crime does not father material make. Finally, keep doing what feels good for you. If your siblings try to engage in the conversation, say, I respect your relationship with him. Respect the fact that I don't have any obligation to a man who abandoned me. Keep living your life. Be happy and this too shall pass. You'll be just fine, dear. Not the arsehole. Opie then did update the post and said, well, he's dead. Sorry for the long wait for the update. To be honest, I completely forgot I made this post in the first place. Family fessed up to all the requests for help, basically being plots to get me and him in the same room. He was in a hospice care, which I mixed up with being in the hospital in my original post. He started out by basically wanting a bunch of life updates from me. 
basic things like what college did I go to, what was my major, where I was working now, did I have a boyfriend etc. He asked me if I still played soccer and I said no, not since he left me. He looked sad and said I was really good and I agreed. I humoured him with a casual talk for about 10 minutes but I made it clear that I wanted answers and for the visit to be on my terms. So this was the segue into the deep stuff. I told him I had questions for him and he agreed to answer them. I said, did you miss me? He looked kind of offended by that which I thought was very audacious and said of course he did and I snapped back. Could have fucking fooled me. And there was this awkward moment of silence but I decided to keep going. Two, why did he leave me? He talked about how he was betrayed by mum and looking at me was a reminder that he had been tricked into raising another man's child and then I got upset. I told him to me I was his daughter. Maybe not on a DNA test but here. I pointed at my heart. He just got quiet and said you're not mine Sophie. Three, why wasn't I as a person more important than the results of a paternity test? Was I an easy child to abandon? He looked kind of shocked by this one too but I wanted to know. He goes no of course not it has nothing to do with you. But I snapped at him to tell me the truth that I deserved that much and he said very bluntly two kids are less stressful than three Sophie so yeah sometimes I was relieved you weren't around especially as a single parent okay. But there's nothing you could have done to change or overcome the fact that you're not my child. You're the one I got tricked into raising. You weren't mine and you still aren't. I'm sorry Sophie. This is where the list was forgotten and I just said, but you treated stepdaughter like yours no problem. And he said it was different. I quietly asked if she was a replacement for me and he said he wasn't going to dignify that with a response. I asked if he was going to apologize. Why did he ask me here? And he just said he wanted me to know I was in his will. I said, okay, I don't forgive you. He looked kind of shocked and said, what? I just repeated, I don't forgive you. He said okay and looked really sad and added that he would pay my student loans via the will. I told him the conclusion I had come to, that forgiveness was the kind thing to do and I wish I could have given it to him but there was too much hurt. He said he understood and I left. Note, that was very condensed for the character limit. Opie adds another post the same day about the mum and says, A lot of context and info had to be cut out to fit the character limits on the forum so I thought I would answer them. My mum is most frequently asked about and I understand why people are the most curious about her. I'll try to answer everything as best as I can. Questions about my mum. Why did you forgive her slash why are you mad at you're not dad and not her? This is going to be a very long answer so buckle up. The first part is that I as a seven year old hadn't been given the talk yet and simply didn't have the capacity to understand what was going on. I just knew my mum was kissing someone else and so she and dad were breaking up but didn't grasp why or how that meant he wasn't my dad anymore. As many of you in the comments suggested, for a while it was just me clinging on to the only parent instability I had. Dad left, mum didn't. It was simple. Middle school was when I started to process things and shit really hit the fan. I hated my mum for a period there and I mean hated her. I accused her of ruining my life, told her I hated her and a lot of other nasty things that I really regret. Our relationship was really rocky and strained but we love each other a lot and I'm just going to paste one of my earlier comments here because I think it summarizes things pretty well. I mean it's easier because she has a 
fully owned up to her actions, B explicitly apologized and asked for forgiveness without expecting it as her due, and C worked her ass off for the last 15 years to try and make up for some of the fallout. It's way easier to forgive someone who shows you through their actions how sorry they are. She taught me how to drive. She spent hours watching YouTube videos so she could help me with algebra homework. When I was drunk, alone, and scared at my first high school party, she was the one I called and who picked me up with no questions asked. My life with her wasn't easy, but I wouldn't trade her for any of my friend's parents. Would you find it easier to forgive someone who did the biggest wrong but had genuine regret and tried to make reparations or someone who hurt you slightly less and never reached out once? Also, I read the Scarlet Letter in high school. And it made me reflect on my mother. And at a certain point, I was just like, how much penitence is enough? Does she deserve to be miserable for the rest of her life? When will it be enough? I know that for some people, there's no amount of suffering she could go through that would make you forgive her or have a favorable opinion about her. And that's okay. She's my mum, not yours. Also, she is just generally a nice person and much easier to be around than not dad. What were the extenuating circumstances you alluded to? This also factored a lot in my decision to mend our relationship and sympathize with her. When my dad had my oldest brother, Andrew, he was 27. My mum was 20. The timeline is, met her when she was 17, started dating at 18, dated through freshman year of college, and he pressured her to drop out of school the whole way through. And she finally drops and marries him halfway through sophomore year at age 20 gives birth right before her 21st birthday. Not dad isolates her from friends, has her doing all the housework and childcare, and I mean all of it. When I said he was involved as a dad, I should have clarified in the fun stuff. As a kid, you can't really tell the difference between a fun parent and a good parent. She also confessed she suffered from PPD and never totally lost the weight from her pregnancies, which not dad liked to joke about publicly and berate her for privately. Yeah, he paid for everything, but that was about it. And yes, I understand explanation, but not excuse. But the portrait some of you are painting is, she was a greedy freeloading hoe who just served her perfect loving provider husband and committed paternity fraud because she was evil and it was fun. The truth is, is that she was miserable and tried to remedy that by being with my bio father, which I understand is not okay. And then was terrified to leave or even fess up because he had all the money and she wanted a good life for me, even if she had to lie to get me there. She says she was on the verge of confessing and called her mother, my grandma, to ask if she and I could potentially stay with her. And grandma was drunk when she picked up the phone. Grandma herself and her relationship with my mother is a whole different can of worms. Grandma was a violent alcoholic who lost and regained custody of mum a lot, which led to her being sexually assaulted by her foster father from ages 12 to 13. There was a lot of resentment and hurt between them, but my mum said basically grandma was a last resort. And when she heard her slurring her words over the phone, she lost all courage and decided to stick it through to the bitter end with my not dad. The thing that got me when people kept saying, imagine if the person you love betrayed you like this. Put yourself in the father's shoes. And the thing I don't think he loved her. I don't even think he really liked her. The truth about my mom is that she was a very hurt person who desperately wanted some affection and comfort and my bio dad gave it to her when her husband wouldn't. Yes, it was wrong, obviously, but my heart goes out to her in those circumstances. When she was my age, she had a toddler and a newborn and was essentially a single mum. I couldn't imagine being in her shoes. Her childhood gave her this almost desperate attachment pattern. 
Her foster situations never lasted longer than a few years. And around the time I was conceived, her marriage had lasted longer than any living situation she'd ever had. And she confessed she felt this need to sabotage it, run from it or change it because change is all she knew. Once again, this is not an excuse, just me explaining there was more going on in her psyche than let me do this for a laugh. Obviously, I condemn her actions, but I get it. I feel for her. She's my mum. Edit, if you still have questions, comment them and I'll answer. And there was a couple of questions which was asked to OP. Someone said, um, was your not dad grooming your mum? OP says, in fairness to him, I'm not sure about grooming because I think that's where an adult picks a kid with the intent of manipulating them into a relationship. But they met, he asked her out. She said she was 17 and so the next time he waited until she was 18. It was casual interactions from what I understand. They didn't have each other's numbers when she was underage, but I'm not an expert obviously, so maybe it is grooming, I don't know. OP continued to say she was a waitress at a restaurant he went to a lot. Someone says, yes, but all of this is your mother's point of view. I said this in the comments in my original post. I had reached out to him and would have gladly heard his side for 15 years. And by the time we talked, I simply didn't care anymore. He had every opportunity to explain himself to me. Now, that conversation that Opie explained at the hospice where he continued to say, you weren't mine, you still aren't mine, I'm sorry, and says it multiple times, was absolutely heartbreaking. And then to be shocked when she turns around and says, I don't forgive you, it's just like, what? You really expecting her to, to just forgive you for what's happened in the past? Incredibly sad, but what do you guys make of this situation let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. And our next story is from Evil Librarian 999 and says, Am I the asshole for not siding with my brother over his compulsory portion of inheritance? First, English is not my first language. I live in Europe. Please ask for clarification if something's unclear. This is not my standard vocabulary. My parents decided to cut my brother's portion of inheritance down to the compulsory portion. He'll only get what he's legally entitled to nothing more and he won't get a say in the whole process whereas my stepsister and i get to distribute heirlooms and money that is specified in the testament towards the grandchildren if certain conditions are met the reason for this is that my brother is very unreflected selfish and a weak person who is a very shitty father to his two daughters he divorced their mum, who we refer to as the dragon within the family and that not without reason and basically abandoned his daughters the girls have to be with their mum, and that in itself is horrible. Unfortunately, the Youth Welfare Office can't help since a certain amount of cruelty towards your children seems to be legal. My parents are locking my brother out of the inheritance to protect their assets. They want the girls to have their share, but they fear, rightfully so, that the dragon will take it from them. As far as I know, there is nothing comparable to a trust fund where I live, so as long as the girls are dependent on their mother, she will get the chance to steal the money. My parents want my stepsister and I to give the money to the girls when they've gained independence from the dragon. They are supposed to use the money for whatever they want. No other conditions need to be met. Now my brother got wind of this and contacted me for the first time in three years. He wants me to influence my parents to change their will back to how it was. I said no and now he and his ex are blowing up my phone, threatening me and my parents will never see the girls again and whatnot. The girls need their grandparents. They're the only adults who support them and love them unconditionally. I do not get to see the girls that often because the dragon hates me too. For other reasons. 
I used to fight this, but when my nieces have a nice time with me and my family, the dragon will punish them. I can't let that happen, so I pulled back. Am I the arsehole if I don't let myself be blackmailed? I'm going to start in the comments with Gotta Have My Say, who says, Honestly, I'll just lie and say that they've changed the will back. That way the kids have contact with their grandparents and you deal with the issue when they die. OP says, It might sound stupid, but lying didn't even occur to me. Thanks. This might be the best option. Ditch Digger Girl replies to that and says, Maybe lie, but act like bro successfully backed them into a corner so the parents came up with a compromise. They agreed to switch the will back, but only conditionally, dependent on certain levels of access. If that access is withdrawn or curtailed, their inheritance automatically goes back to you. This keeps the blackmail pressure in the other direction. Of course, nobody should be allowed to see this will, since it doesn't exist. Lion says not the arsehole. If you have those threats in writing or on voicemail, contact police and child protective services. It is indeed blackmail attempt. If nothing else, they can be forced to stop harassing you. Opie says, I asked a friend who works for the youth welfare office. I showed her the messages I got, but she doubts that it would be enough. I fear that any action in this direction would escalate the conflict even more. I'm really torn. The harassment doesn't really bother me. I'm used to their hurtful words. I wasn't no contact with my brother without reason. But their threats towards their own children are getting to me. And the messages do not clearly say, we know that we're hurting the girls over this and that's why we're doing it. They only claim to protect the girls from their grandparents by going no contact. Bryce Martle says not the arsehole, it's your parents' will. It's up to them what they want to do with it. That being said, I would consult with a lawyer, notary, etc. to see if there is really no such thing as a trust fund and what type of legal protections could be put on the granddaughter's inheritance. Just like your brother and the dragon could start legal procedures in the future to still take over the inheritance. Opie says they can't start legal procedures since my brother will get what he is legally entitled to. Dragon is divorced from our family so she has no rights and grandchildren don't inherit legally unless there are no children alive, unless the will says otherwise. My parents wanted to set them up with something for their future and save for them. The law in my country doesn't allow for a scenario where an adult, 18 years old, can't get access to their own assets, since it's unlikely the girls will be independent from their mum at 18. My parents rightfully fear the money will be taken away from them for their own good. But you are right. That's how my parents had talked to a notary or a bank person or someone similar. If there is no other option, my stepsister and I will inherit the money for the girls, pay taxes on them, and happily so, and give it to them later. That is what my parents asked us to do. And one more from Miss who says not the arsehole. Look into the trust fund option again to see if there is a legal way to set it up, particularly as your parents are still alive. This may be the best way to do it as they may outlive the whole conflict and the girl's mother may never have a chance to get the money. As a matter of fact, you and your sister may die before or in the same accident as your parents if you are really unlucky. And in that case, everything will go to your brother no matter what. Hope you reply saying thank you for your comment, even though I shuddered at the thought. I'm a mother too. I already said in another comment, as soon as you're of age in my country, 18, there is no way to keep you from access to your assets. But I'll tell my parents to look into that again. If there was something similar to the American Trust Funds, it would be great. But OP does update the post and says, Hey everyone, I wanted to give you an update on the situation with my brother. I'd spoken to my parents on the phone before and shared some advice I got here. Yesterday we visited them to talk further. I actually didn't want to tell about the threats and messages I received, but my husband said my parents had a right to know. So he told them. And my mother got so furious. I was even a little scared of her. My parents called my brother and demanded to speak to him. 
usually brushes off any conversation unless he wants something, but not yesterday. My parents gave him, a German proverb, an enema. I've never seen anything like that. They told him and held things up to him that had happened in the last 13 years, some of which I didn't even know. First of all, how his ex keeps lying and slandering to get her will and how my brother, often a victim of these slanders himself, is just completely useless. Yes, my mother called my brother useless. My brother didn't even get a word in, but he was visibly shocked to realize that he, too, had been lied to and manipulated by his ex. Honestly, how stupid can you be? In the end, my parents told him he had a choice. Grow a pair, I never expected to hear that phrase from my mum, ever, and start being a father to his kids, or live with it that he does not get a lot of inheritance and that the money for his children is divided between the remaining grandchildren. It wasn't his money at any point, so he shouldn't whine or pretend he had get something of his ex if his ex gets his hands on the money. After that, my parents called his ex. In a three-minute conversation, they told her how my parents distribute their wealth is none of her business, and that if she tries to keep the kids away from them, they will sue for access. Grandparents' rights. We have enough material that can be used in court. At that moment, I really thought my mother is now opening up to us about her past as a secret agent or something. Then they hung up. The ex sat there glumly and had nothing to say. My parents told me that they'd been documenting all conversations on lies for years because sooner or later they expected this kind of behavior. They showed me some examples and apologized for putting me in this situation. My parents told me that they still wish for the girls to get their money and they would figure something out. I offered to keep my promise because I love the girls and my parents. In the end, we all cried a lot, but honestly, I got some new kind of respect for my mother. She's a badass, and I never knew. Now, do I think that's the end of this story? Probably not, with the dragon in this particular story sounds like a right pain in the ass, so I can't see that being the end of her. But I am glad things took a better direction and mum started putting her foot down in it. I think it was an incredibly difficult decision, especially with all the legalities around it and, you know, the nieces being involved and being, you know, basically threatened that you're not going to be able to see them if you don't do a certain thing that they want, which, you know, bowing down to their demands would never be the good choice. But finding out that mum had documented all these conversations up to this point, pretty impressive. But what do you guys make of this situation? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. Let's move on to another story. And our next story does come with an update as well. It's from Loving Mum 12 who says, Am I the arsehole for wanting my son to move back closer to his family? Hi, this is my first post on Reddit and English is not my language, so I apologize for the mistakes I will probably make. I'm 56 female and I live with my husband, 64 male. We only have one son, 33 male, who currently lives abroad and we see once a year. And it's very far away and expensive to go to. We live in a small town. He moved away when he was 18 for college and never came back. We expected him to move back after he graduated, but he decided to stay where he was since he already had a job and a girlfriend there. They got married. Our town is close to our state's capital where his work field is very strong. Ever since his senior year in college, I've been trying to convince him to move closer for a better career and to stay close to his family. He never showed interest, which I find it odd, especially since his wife also works on the same field. Four years ago, they moved abroad. I felt betrayed when he told me. He was already living three hours away from us. Why would he choose to go even further to another country? But not the city right next to us. I never told anything besides let them know me and his father are always here if they needed us. 
Until recently, things were fine. I miss him a lot. We text every day, but we don't get to speak to each other often. The problem is my father, 84 male, whose health took a dive and is very fragile. And with my son living so far, he is missing a precious time he could be spending right here. His granddad is not likely to live many years now. I told the news to my son and he was sad about it and he came to see us and left a week ago. I was honest with him. I said his grandfather will not stay with us for so long and since he lives so far away, he will lose the opportunity to stay close and enjoy the time he has left. He was not happy about me touching on this matter. He said I was trying to guilt him into moving back. I asked him why he was doing this to me, why he doesn't miss me and his dad. We're getting old and he's only seeing us once or twice a year. It's cruel to us. He said he missed us but he is happy where he is and does not plan on moving back and he and his wife already making plans on buying a house where they live. I couldn't take it and I burst out crying. I told him I felt abandoned, that he didn't seem to care for us and he should enjoy his family while he can because we will not be here forever. I asked what makes him think he cannot be happy living here. He didn't respond. A few days after this were very awkward after he left. He seems to be even more distant, avoiding me and being very short on his texts. Yesterday, his wife called and said my son was feeling bad and told her what happened. She called me an asshole and said I had no right trying to manipulate him like that and I should be ashamed. I don't think I'm the asshole for wanting my son closer to me. They are the assholes for abandoning family behind and I'm including her as well since she did the same. I talk to her mother often and she is on my side. Then OP added some edits with additional information. They said edit. I didn't realize we could edit the original post. I just wanted to add some information. One, I'm not asking my son to sell his happiness just to be by my side. I just can't see why he needed to be so far away. While he and his wife could have wonderful careers around our area. They could earn more money while staying close to family. It's illogical for me to think about anything different. Two, some are under the impression I gave up my life to become his mother. And that's not true. I had my own career and a good one. I worked hard to give my son the best I could. I retired six years ago. Three, I realized this is a very strong cultural background where we come from. Family is expected to stay close. My son was the first member of the family that decided to move somewhere so far away that makes visitations once every two weeks or even once a month impossible to do. Or, I don't expect to be taken care of when I get old. Me and my husband already talked about this and unless my son wants to, we will not ask him to take care of us. 5. Just to clarify, I'm not Indian. While I love India and I've been there once with my husband, I just want to clarify that I'm South American. My son currently lives in North America. Edit 2. I think I'm getting it. It's really cultural. Most people here seem to be from the USA and I understand it's really normal for families to be separated after children move to college and they see each other just once a year at Christmas or Thanksgiving for example. I was raised to believe families should stick together. I raised my son to have the same values and I expected him to keep this tradition but has broken it. It's not his fault, but I will never understand this decision. Edit 3. This will probably be the last time I'm editing the post. I realize that I will never understand my son's motivations to move away. and will also never understand why he broke free from our culture of family closeness. No, I'm completely unable to see the world how he does and I just have to accept it. I'm still feeling abandoned, neglected and I'm resenting his decisions. I think he is ungrateful and will probably rethink our will. That said, I have to accept he adopted a new culture and that he is just who he is now. He changed and I'm not able to change him back. So I take the judgment and I will work with what I have from now on. 
just to add some extra info. I'm rethinking my will because why should I leave everything for him since he chooses to be far away? His cousins are all nearby and they help us when we need them. I'm closer to them now than I am to my son. I'm not taking him off the will. I'm just not going to leave everything to him. He gets to live where he wants far away from us and I get to choose whoever goes on my will. Choices, right? Edit 4. I am not writing him off my will. I was angry, frustrated and sad when I wrote that. I never expected him to give up his life for me. All I want is my son to be close to his family. That's just it. I don't know why it's so difficult for you people to see my point. My son had everything he could possibly need to be successful, start a family and still stay close. But he chose to move to another country. How am I supposed to feel? I am proud he is a good professional, a good husband and I'm happy to have helped him pave this road. Still, I don't think he is a horrible person for choosing to stay away. To be honest, he didn't even need to live right next to us. He could have simply stayed three hours away. This way we could have at least visited him often or plan any activities together. All you people say is his decisions, his life, his choices. I get it, but how is it so easy for you all to dismiss where I'm coming from? Why did he need to go to another country? Yes, I'm assuming he did that just to stay away from us, which makes him a horrible son. As clingy as I may be, I come from a place of love. I've always let him know I love him and I've always thought about the best for him. But at the same time, am I really this wrong to expect some closeness? He never starts conversations. I'm the one who sends the texts. If I don't tell him the news about his relatives, he doesn't ask. How am I supposed to not feel abandoned? Seriously, I don't know what else to say. 5. Lots of comments are asking why I don't move closer to him instead. 1. I will not do this to my own parents, what he is doing to me. 2. Even if I didn't have my parents, I'm unable to get a permanent visa. Look, I understand a loved one, a close relative moving away is going to be sad. It's going to be heartbreaking. But just looking over this post, you know, scanning over it again, I can see lots of resentment in there for him moving away. Lots of manipulation tactics to try and get him to move back. Telling him that you felt abandoned, that he didn't care for you. And, you know, he should enjoy his family while he can because we will not be here forever. You pretty much done the same with his grandfather. And part of me thinks, and I'm not trying to be mean, but part of me thinks that, you know, maybe he's just staying away because he's tired of hearing all this sort of stuff. But Unilateral Hope says you're the arsehole, not for feeling sad that your son lives far away, but for constantly trying to guilt him into moving back when he has made it clear that it's not going to happen. Adults get to choose for themselves where they want to live and what career they want. Your son is not required to move close to you. Changeling says, oh my goodness, he left home 15 years ago. He has a marriage, life and a career in another country. He will never come back. Expecting him to move for any reason at all is just absurd. It's not cruel for a 33-year-old to have his own life. You're the asshole, sadly. Bar opening says, you were manipulating him. Sorry, there's no way to sugarcoat this. Have you ever had an honest chat with him about why he moved away? Maybe the job is better there. Maybe he feels that his future children will have a better education or life in that country. Maybe the working environment in his previous job in your country was terrible and stressful. Maybe it was related to the home environment. They've not said about what dynamics were when he lived in your country. The capital where he worked was close, but he lived three hours away. I'm guessing there is more here you're not telling us. But as I said, OP did update the post and says, Hello. I wanted to provide you all with an update since my original post gained a lot of attention and sparked various discussions. Some were unfortunately rude and disrespectful. Since my last post, I, one, improved the relationship with my son and his wife. Two, switched therapists. Three, started treatment for my anxiety and depression. 
or lost my father. Things started to turn around when I decided to change therapists and went on a few sessions with a new one. Their approach allowed me to come to terms with the fact that my son's values, perspective on the world and life objectives will never align with mine and that's okay. It was a tough realization but an important one. During therapy I also discovered that my anxiety was way more off than I thought and I never treated it. I started taking medication. After a few months I was feeling a lot better about my son living away from me. Moreover, my therapist helped me understand a crucial aspect of my life. I've been living under the weight of guilt, giving up on so many plans for the sake of my own parents. A silly example, when my husband and I got married, I wanted to get a cat, but my father always hated cats. I thought to myself, my father despises felines. It wouldn't be fair to him to have a cat in our home. What if they come visit? I wouldn't be a good daughter. When I recounted this story to my therapist, they were shocked on how normal I thought that was. This was just one of many instances where guilt dictated my decisions. Both of my parents were masters at instilling guilt, and I had internalized it over the years. Main point of the original post, wanted my son to continue living close to me. He didn't. In my misguided attempts to enforce my desires, I resorted to guilt tripping him repeatedly. It's how I've been taught. It's what I knew. I now see how wrong and unhealthy that behavior is. While I may never fully understand or relate to the idea of living far away from family, still hurts. I've come to accept that this is my issue to grapple with, not my son's burden, and determined to confront this challenge alone and refuse to allow it to dictate my happiness. After my father passed, it happened suddenly. My son wanted to come to his funeral, but it would be so exhausting for him, not to mention expensive. So I told him there was no need to come. He could stay, and we could get together and remember grandpa another time. I was surprised with myself, and other times I would have guilted him into coming as fast as he could. In conclusion, I want to thank those who were respectful for the wake-up call and the discussions that unfolded from my initial post. It has been an enlightening journey of self-discovery and growth. I'm committed to continuing my progress and learning how to prioritize my own well-being while respecting the autonomy and choices of those around me. Edit. Thank you to everyone for this awesome reception in my post. I wasn't expecting this much love. I want to take some time and reply to each comment, but I'll address one point that everyone seems to be commenting. Yes... My husband and I will adopt a cat. We need to secure our house first. We plan on keeping it indoors for its safety, so we will catify the environment as best as we can. I'll be watching a lot of Jackson Galaxy videos. Oh, bloody hell, those onion ninjas are out in force again today. I don't know why I'm crying on this one. It was just the point where it got to Opie explaining about how their father passed, and I'm extremely sorry to hear that, by the way. Much love to you. When you said about the son wanting to come to the funeral but exhausting for him and too expensive and you told him there's no need to come and we'd get together and remember grandpa another time and then you saying you were surprised with yourself and it just showed that growth in that one moment and I thought that was wonderful. Not about father passing obviously but but the absolute change in the first post is huge and I don't mean to sound patronizing but I'm incredibly proud of you OP if you ever do get to hear this. But now I'm going to turn this one to you guys. What do you guys make of this situation? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. And our next story is from the Off My Chest subreddit from a deleted user and says, Brace yourself. I stalked my husband for two years before I formally met him. I, 24 female, married my husband, 28 male, about a year and a half ago. The first time I saw my husband, I was a freshman in high school. He was a freshman in college. He was walking his dog at the park when he stopped to talk to my brother, 27 male, 
because they happened to go to high school together. That moment, I became hooked. That same day, I found his Instagram, his family social media, and also where he lived since my brother offered to walk him home while I tagged along. When I got home that day, I knew I wanted him. But of course, I was only 14 while he was 18. I came up with a plan. I found out his younger brother was only one year younger than me and would be attending my current high school. I figured that I had to befriend his younger brother by any means possible next year when he moves up as a freshman while I became a sophomore. And I did. It took around halfway of my junior year where we became best friends and he invited me over regularly to his house to hang out. This is where I was able to befriend my current husband's mum. And God, did she love to talk about him. From her, I found out what college he goes to, his past girlfriends, what his elementary slash middle school was, his favorite slash least favorite foods, his pet peeves, what he likes, etc, etc. Eventually, when my visits started getting more and more frequent, I formally met current husband again. Current husband, I call him E, would come over every other week and stay for either Friday to Sunday or Saturday to Sunday. On those days specifically, I would wear my cutest outfits to impress him and also joke around with him a lot. Eventually, I befriended him as well. A little background on E. He is the school record holder for a certain sport at my school, which I just so happened to do. And around halfway through my senior year, E came back during the season to help coach the current high school athletes, which included me, in order to get some more volunteer work hours in. And I got to spend a lot more time with him. I loved every second of it. We were friends before, but then we became much closer since I got to spend lots of extra time with him after school, where sometimes he would even drive me home since we lived relatively close. Fast forward when I had to move away to New York City for college. He moved with me since he coincidentally got a job near my college. Edit, I lied, it wasn't a coincidence. I found out he got a job offer and applied to a college nearby his workplace. Being each other's only friends in a new state, we became incredibly close. We started dating when I was almost a sophomore year of college. He proposed to me after I graduated and we got married almost a year ago. He knows absolutely nothing about how I truly know him. He believes it is fate that brought us together through his younger brother. Lately, I've been debating on whether or not I should tell him, or at least his younger brother, the truth, since the only reason I befriended him was to get closer to E. I feel guilty every time he tells others our love story because the truth is, I've known him for 10 years. Well, he's only known me for about seven. Update, I read a reply saying that the best thing for myself is to keep it a secret, which is what a lot of people are saying. But the best thing for him is to tell him. I figured that person is really right. I'll be telling him this Tuesday on his day off. He deserves to know who he married. And we do have an update to that post in a second. And the first comment on this one says, this is so creepy. Take this to the grave, OP. This world says, don't tell, never tell, not even your kids. Think how you would feel if the roles were reversed. Wait, you might be flattered. He might hate you for using his brother like that. Then he, his brother, and their mum will hate you. Shut the fuck up and just enjoy what you've done. Kriton replies to that and says, enjoy. This is completely unacceptable by either partner and gender. OP, you need psychiatric help. Mental health treatment of some kind. Why did you do this? Were you looking for someone before you chose your current victim slash husband? I highly suggest you tell your husband like you said you were going to in your edit. I also hope for both your sakes, at the very least, enlist the help of a couple's counsellor. Again, I reiterate, this is not acceptable behaviour and should not be kept secret. 
Those of you saying that OP should be quiet and happy are deluding yourselves thinking this is a good ending. This is not the end. This is an underlying reason OP sought this intimacy from the entire family. It should all be made aware. One more comment from Callie who says, first of all, I'm completely baffled by the amount of people in these comments saying you shouldn't tell him. Communication is always going to be better than taking a secret to the grave, especially when that secret is eating you alive like this one seems to be. Also, you said you feel guilty every time he tells your love story. It's a really heartbreaking thing to read. That's the kind of dysfunction you'll start to see in your marriage if you take this to the grave. You owe it to your husband, you owe it to his brother, and you owe it to yourself to be honest. But OP, please, please do not try to have this conversation without deeply thinking it through and figuring out what's truly going on. Give it time, more than just a few days. I would suggest seeing a therapist about it as well to help you figure out if it's a true obsession or just some highly creepy teenage girl with a crush behavior that landed on someone that's genuinely compatible. For yours and your husband's sake, I hope it's the latter. A therapist will also be able to help you navigate how to tell him while also causing both of you the least amount of pain and betrayal. Though don't get me wrong, there will almost definitely be some pain. There are some questions I think you should ask yourself before you have that conversation with your husband and or his brother. How deep was is the obsession? Where is it coming from? Regardless of how it began, how much your relationship with your husband has been authentic? How much your relationship is a direct or indirect result of manipulation? What about your friendship with his family? How much of that was authentic, regardless of how it began? When you were getting to know your husband, did you put on the act to make him like you more? Did you show him your authentic self? How much does he know the real you? Have you had the chance to get to know yourself? Shame and insecurity can make us tell ourselves stories about who we are and what we've done that are so distorted. It will take some time and some effort to make sure you're telling yourself the right story. So please take more time than just a few days to think everything through before you tell him. And even when you do tell him, expect some damage. Possibly irreparable. Lastly, my hottest take, given we're on Reddit, but OP, please be kind to yourself through all of this. Obsession is hard on everyone involved, and shame does nothing but create spiteful, scary people. Have some compassion for both your husband and yourself. I genuinely hope this helps. So, the OP does come back in to update the post, and they said, I told him this 4th of July. After the fireworks mostly ended and we were heading back, I asked him in the car, wouldn't it have been weird if we met each other before the first time we actually met? but we just didn't think of each other as significant at the time. He smiled and turned to me saying, that's impossible. There's no universe where we could have met and I would not think of you as significant. That statement struck me in the heart because I knew I would soon prove that sentence very wrong, but I continued on with my plan anyway. What if I told you we have met each other before? Before that time, I was introduced as E's little brother's friend. He looked at me like I was crazy, so that's when I pulled over on the side of the road and pulled out my phone to show him the post I put up here before. That explained everything. He took about eight minutes to read the whole thing, and when he finished, he put the phone down and stared straight ahead. Almost like he was dumbfounded, scared, and confused at the same time. I started throwing out every excuse and apology I could muster at the moment for about 15 minutes straight when he decided to tell me to stop, and I did. Then he just sat there and sobbed uncontrollably for about 10 minutes before he finally asked me how much of our relationship and how much of my identity was fabricated according to his liking. I told him the honest truth. None of my personality or identity was fabricated for him, except for the fact of how we met. The only thing I ever changed about myself to make him like me more was lying about liking Chinese food. I hate Chinese food, but other than that, everything else was real. Although my friendship with his younger brother was built upon ill intentions, 
my friendship between his brother and I are now one of the most genuine friendships I have now. He just cried and told me that he does not want a divorce at all, but he does want us to have some time apart so that he could absorb the truth that I gave him. He also said that he expects me to tell his brother and mum this Friday because they deserve to know the truth just as much as he did. I told him okay, and we drove the rest of the ride home in silence. When we got home, he hugged me and cried for about five minutes before he got out of the car, packed his stuff and said he'd be staying at a nearby hotel for now. He said that he knows he still loves me, but does not yet know how to react to the fact that the beginning of our relationship was very, very orchestrated. To sum it up, I guess telling him was a success? I honestly don't know. He sent me a good night and I love you text last night while he was at the hotel. I guess he's not as much mad as he may be betrayed. Update 2. Woke up this morning to find out that hubby not only lied about going to the hotel to stay at, but also lied about not wanting a divorce through a text message. He went to his family's home, not a fucking hotel. Told him the entire story himself. Probably exaggerated it too to make me seem crazy. His whole family wants nothing to do with me too. Claims I'm psycho. He said that he lied about going to a hotel because he knew if he told the truth, I would try to stop him. Honestly, I feel so betrayed. I tried to be a good wife by showing him the true me, and this is what he does. I did all this work for it to just end up like this. Honestly, I kind of deserve it. I didn't even tell him in the first place because I felt bad. I told him because I had a suspicion that he was catching on to the fact that I knew him for two and a half years before he knew me. Largely because I found out he was keeping my old phone in his work desk. My old phone that had screenshots of a lot of his old Instagram posts, plans in my notes app about him, etc. So I guess he never truly loved me if he can't get past an honest confession like this one. I might update this in a few years when I find a new husband. Lol. Gee whiz, that ending gave me a shiver there. And I'm glad it was revealed to the husband in the end because that is just absolutely wild. But what do you guys make of this situation? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. And let's move on to another story. And our next story comes from the Am I the Arsehole subreddit from Melanie Seashells, who says, Am I the Arsehole for refusing to replace my eight-year-old niece's broken birthday present? My 22 female sister, Alexis, 30 female, has a daughter, Melanie, 8 female, whose birthday was last week. I was out of town on the actual day of her birthday, but came the next day with Melanie's present. Since my niece loves the beach and always wants to look at and slash touch my seashell collection, I gave her seashells so she could start her own collection. Melanie immediately demanded more, not in a playful or joking way. Melanie didn't even say thank you for the gift. I was taken aback by this, but still told Melanie that those shells were it for now and that she could get more seashells in the future by saving up her pocket money or waiting for Christmas. Melanie threw a tantrum. She dumped the shells on the floor and broke a large one after she stomped on it. Alexis wasn't doing anything to intervene in the situation. Melanie eventually calmed down and became upset when she realized she broke the large shell. Alexis asked me to replace the shell since it was Melanie's birthday, but I refused and Melanie cried. Alexis pulled me into another room and we started arguing. Alexis told me I was being an asshole to my niece because my niece is eight. Of course, she's going to act like a brat sometimes. I was no angel either when I was little. She argued how seashells are cheap where we live and it's a courtesy to replace a broken gift instead of ruining an eight-year-old's birthday. I agreed with Alexis that I acted up when I was little, that I was stopped because I was taught right from wrong and wasn't rewarded for bad behavior. I told Alexis that I will not reward Melanie for throwing a tantrum, that she is the one who ruined an eight-year-old's birthday by not teaching her daughter to be more grateful. 
Alexis told me to leave and we've barely talked since last week. But today, I saw it earlier on social media that Alexis took Melanie to a craft fair and bought her new seashells there. She posted a picture and captioned it. Who could be so selfish that they wouldn't want to see her, Melanie, smile for her birthday? And tagged only me in it. I think refusing to replace the broken shell was an appropriate thing to do in that situation. But Alexa's social media post has gotten a lot of likes and comments on it. And it seems a lot more people are taking Alexa's side than mine. Their money is replaceable, but memories are not. And the only important thing on an 8-year-old's birthday is to make sure they are happy. Am I the arsehole? Absolutely not the arsehole to me in this situation. And, you know, these people on social media, do they know the full story to this? That, you know, she threw a tantrum, she threw it on the floor, she stomped on it. Petty me is coming out here and I'm just thinking, you know, just take the link for this post. Post it in the comment section under that picture that she posted. and Let people read and come to their own conclusions there. Read a few of these comments because I'm sure they're going to be not the arsehole. You know, no one wants to upset an eight-year-old. No one wants to see an eight-year-old cry. But at the same time, no one wants to reward bad behavior as well. Your sister's doing this child no favors by continuing to allow that behavior. But Feedback Creative says not the arsehole. Nothing from you could have made that child smile because she was determined to smash it up instead. Feel free to respond with a comment about how you tried your best but it wasn't good enough and Melanie threw a tantrum and smashed the shells you gave her instead. They are hold off on gifts until the 8 year old toddler and her over entitled mummy learn some manners. Next comment says, Oda responded with, well if she hadn't thrown a tantrum because she demanded not ask for more shells and proceeded to stomp on the one she received and she wouldn't have needed new shells to replace the original. Will not acquiesce to terroristic demands because her mother failed to parent her properly. Your sister fired the first shot, so I would return the fire. One more comment from Stray's mum who says, not the arsehole, Melanie sounds spoiled and entitled. Her bad behavior shouldn't be rewarded by replacing a present that she broke when told no. Stick to your guns and keep saying no. Alexis is teaching her daughter that all she has to do to get her away is throw a tantrum. If she keeps acting like this, she will grow up to be a spoiled, entitled adult. And will unfortunately find that a lot of people will have no problem telling her no. And our next story comes from a throwaway account. It says, would I be the asshole if I fly across the country for a dream education I planned for a long time when my family mourns an unexpected relative's death? Hey Reddit, just for initial context, I'm a 22 male from Northeast US. Last week, my uncle passed away. The uncle was my mum's baby brother. This came as an extreme shock to everyone including my baby sisters and my entire mum's side of the family, such as my aunt and grandparents. My uncle had a horrible illness a few years back and we all rallied to make sure he was okay. Back to the story. My uncle was buried within the next day and I had to stay with my grandparents to make sure they were as comfortable as they could be during this process. A few days later, I received an acceptance offer from a medical school master's program in the Northwest, Washington slash Oregon. I've been waiting for others. However, this is the only one I've received a confirmation call from to date. This master's program offers an amazing linkage to a medical school, which helped me attain my dreams of becoming a medical doctor. However, much to my knowledge, I found out it starts in early August instead of early September. It doesn't give much time to spend with family to help comfort them. I come from a South Asian household, and as I'm the only son and the oldest child, I have to hold the responsibility to help my family through this process of grief. But at the same time, I have my chance for medical school sitting right in front of me. I don't know what to do if that's my only option. 
and I'm hoping to wait for the other programs from Philadelphia, New York City, and New Jersey so I can still be close to the family. But at the same time, if it comes down to it, would I be the arsehole? Now, I'm guessing there's going to be some culture playing a part in this one. So I'm going to have to come at it from my point of view. And to me, you wouldn't be the arsehole. And I always go through, you know, the last few years and, and, and dealing with a lot of funerals and, and grief and all this kind of thing. And I know what my family would be like. Like my family would say, you know, you go chase that education and you live your life. That's what the relatives who've passed would have wanted for you, etc. I know my mum, my dad, they would all wanted that. Like when I was talking to my mum before she passed away and we was talking about various, was talking about the funeral and if she wanted anything in particular and all this kind of thing. You know, it was a very, very sad conversation, but I consider it an important conversation and she just wanted us to continue our life. You know, if it was her choice, there would have been no funeral. There would have been nothing. She just wants us to move on and enjoy our life. Her words were, you know, she wants to be cremated and we're meat in the wind. So I know I would have the support of my family to, you know, chase that education, basically. But that's just my opinion. As I said, I'm guessing there's some culture at play here as well. Cataclysm says, don't lose out on your future lamenting the past, not the arsehole. And Opie said, this comment really shifted the perspective for me. Thank you so much. Youth says, get on the plane. Your family will mourn with or without you actually being there. You aren't a therapist and you'll be leaving several weeks after the funeral. How could you possibly help your family through this process of grief? Really now? Not the arsehole. Boss Lady says, not the arsehole. While your family may be in mourning, you cannot put your life on hold due to this. I'm sorry for your family's loss, but this is a great opportunity for you and you need to go. Stay in contact with the family as much as you can, but follow your dream. And the comments pretty much just continued like that. But I've got a little additional story from myself for you guys as well. It was I reminded myself of it when I said, you know, my mum said we're meat in the wind. And I feel like I've got to put a little disclaimer on it because I don't want people to think I'm heartless or being, you know, blase about grief and death and all this kind of thing. But it was a couple of weeks after my mum's funeral and, you know, we, I was at work and I received a call saying my mum's ashes are ready to be to be whatever we wanted to happen with them basically i'd originally talked to her about trying to like you know spread them down in weymouth down on the coast down on the beach there you know you'd have to get permission and all this kind of stuff but but my mum didn't want that she just wanted us to move on as soon as possible and live our lives so we had to respect that and her, she just wanted to be spread at the crematorium so me and my niece got together we went down there and we found a nice a nice spot in the crematorium it was really lovely actually there's a little little fountain there and a bench there and so if we ever wanted to go down we could sit on the bench and you know just reminisce kind of thing and it's the same location that we spread my dad's ashes as well but this particular time you know we've never spread ashes before the the lady introduces herself she said she gives us like this big urn thing with the handle on top and you sort of like squeeze the handle and she she walked us round to this fountain me and my niece were stood there we thought we was just going to sort of watch her spread the ashes. But she said, would you like to spread them? And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> you know, and she was giving us like an instruction of you just sort of squeeze, gently squeeze this handle. And then you walk up and down with it, sort of like just sort of rocking it back and forth gently. So I stood there with this thing in my hand. My, my niece said, you got to go first. So there I was with this thing in my hand. I didn't want to pull it too hard because I thought, what if the lid just pops open? It just dumps a pile on the floor. <laughs> How embarrassing would that be? It was such a moment of mixed emotion. Spreading ashes here. You're grieving at the same time. 
and then you're worried about not doing it right. But anyway, everything starts going off well. I pull the handle gently, it starts coming out. I'm walking up and down. And I've done a couple of like lengths of this thing of spreading my mum's ashes. And suddenly a gust of wind comes out of nowhere and it blows a whole bunch of it in my face, all of my shoes. I was like, oh, <laughs> Jace mum. <laughs> she was totally right. And so whenever I say about my mum, when she says we're meeting the wind, I always have a little chuckle to myself now. Whether that's dark or not, I don't know. But I like to think it's my mum getting her own back on me for whatever I've done in the past. <laughs> my niece did spread some of the ashes as well. And she had like a very similar issue. She pulled the handle a bit too hard and a whole bunch of it dumped out. And she was wearing flip flops that day. So yeah, you can imagine how that went as well. I can always remember the look on her face as she pulled it and a bit of it just dumped out in between her toes. Yeah. <laughs> and I really hope none of that come across as like being disrespectful or anything like that. I know how my mum, my mum would have been pissing herself laughing at us. I would never dream of being disrespectful towards my family in any way like that. But what do you guys make of all of today's situations let us know your thoughts down in the comments below and our next story is from tmtt who says my girlfriend 29 female was proposed to by her disabled friend 28 male she wants to do it but still be with me 28 male i am conflicted my girlfriend has made it clear that she wants to stay in our relationship and that she loves me the person she knows has been her friend since childhood and he is physically disabled she has been close to him in a non-sexual way, writing letters and talking online every day to him for the last two years, and he re-established contact. Well, last month, he proposed to her. She accepted. She told me that she's going to do it and feels so strongly about it and won't change her mind, ring, and everything. This marriage is going to be just in name. She says they won't actually live together or have any romance or sex. It's more of a token than real thing. There are legal aspects of it as well she says are just not a big deal and won't be relevant i do not want another man telling people she is his i do not want to be in a polyamorous relationship or for her to eventually invite him to live with us or something like that if he convinced her to marry him who knows what else he can convince her of i also under no circumstance want to lose her we have a perfect relationship for almost eight years she never hinted that she wanted something like this I even dumped her because of it, because I was hoping that she would change her mind, but she didn't. She called my bluff. I was such a wreck that I came back to her after one day. She said, of course, we are still together, but she wants me to meet him to put my mind at ease. Another thing I said is, can she just do it for show? Have a fake ceremony. She is set on an official marriage ceremony. I said, do it for one week and then divorce. And she said, that's up to him. I don't think she is cheating. This guy is wheelchair bound and burned, but I wanted to propose to her and I'm scared he might try to game her somehow. So I'm currently sat here with my what the fuck face. I don't know what to comment on this. I've just got too many questions going through my mind. Like what the hell is going on in this one? Kevlar asks a question saying, is this guy dying? What could be the possible benefits of her marrying him? How after eight years of dating this girl, have you not met this guy that's seemingly so important to her? For being in a relationship for eight years, your girlfriend has an astounding lack of respect for you. Opie says, I'd be alright with it if he was dying. It would make it easier. The more I think of it, I see this won't end with the marriage. It will be a clusterfuck for everyone. 
you guys are right and I have to get out and hope she changes her mind. But my biggest worry about that is that she'll marry him for real then and actually move in and have a real marriage with him. It kills me to think of this. And again, I'm trying to think of the situation that Opie was in when his girlfriend came into him and said, I'm engaged. And I'm like, what the fuck? But Kevlar replied to Opie again saying, the real interesting part is how she believes that you breaking up with her for marrying another man makes you look selfish. Serious question. Is your girlfriend a little slow in the head? She'd have to be delusional to think that any rational person would be okay with this scenario. Do her friends know what she plans? Her parents? Abiding my time asks, what are the legal aspects you refer to? Whether she thinks it's just a formality or not, there are legal considerations she might want to consider. For example, his debts become her debts. His healthcare could become hers. If he received disability and she has a decent job, he could not qualify for benefits. Before she does this, out of pity, she needs to ask some hard questions about exactly why she is doing this. And this guy is asking her. A pity marriage for a week makes no sense to me. How'd that make anyone feel better? Opie says, exactly. Marriage has a legal obligation that she thinks they will both just agree not to follow. She normally doesn't make decisions this way, but she can be very stubborn, and the more I try to convince her not to, the stronger she feels about it. Evil Liv says, she accepts to marry another man, so how the fuck can you still be with her? How can you be so fucking stupid? Just say this out loud. The woman I love just accepted to marry another man, and I still want to be with her. And tell me you don't feel fucking stupid. Kumasi Blue says, in quotes, is saying I am misunderstanding that it's not a real marriage. And then says, does she understand how incredibly cruel it is to mislead a guy who thinks that it is a real marriage? I don't know of a polite way to say that your girlfriend is incredibly naive and inconsiderate. If she accepted another man's marriage proposal, inform her that the door is that away. I don't care if she thinks she is doing it for a good cause or some shit like that. She hasn't even thought through this 1%, let alone thought it through all the way. I wouldn't want to be life partners with someone who makes decisions this way. OP says no, the guy knows about me and that she's in a serious relationship. He knows the marriage will not be real. You know now I'm thinking about it, that he did this on purpose. He knows I'll dump her and he tried to convince her to marry him for real. And one more comment from Multi Rachel who says, Dude, this is literally insane. You've been together for eight years and she accepts a marriage proposal from someone else who isn't even discussing it with you and then tells you to just accept it because she's unwilling to change her mind. And then she downplays it as a token thing and insists that the legal aspects are no big deal. What the actual fuck? Sir, the reason gay people are fighting so goddamn hard for the right to marry is because the legal aspects are a big goddamn fucking deal. Guess what, guy? If she's in a car accident, he gets to visit her in hospital. You don't. If she's on life support, he can decide to pull the plug. You can't. If she dies, he gets her benefits and her property. You don't. He gets her insurance, her work benefits, her tax breaks. If she's declared mentally unsound or otherwise disabled, he gets to decide what to do with her. And in any kind of dispute, the court will side with him, not you. Because she actually signed a very real and legally binding contract with him. On a fucking lark. In total disrespect for how you would feel about it. Without even discussing it with you. That is the million megaton nuclear bomb of communication failures. Seriously. This is one step above gassing you and selling your organs and then expecting you to come crawling back to forgive her. You have no future with this woman. OP then comes back in with an update and says, thanks for all your messages. I know this is screwed up. My girlfriend is not dumb, but she's a bit sheltered. This is a long update because a lot happened and I'm trying to make sense of it. 
when I confronted her a couple of nights ago. She kept reiterating that this is a marriage with no romance attached to it and that it will be the best day of his life. They'll probably have media attention on it because he was a soldier. She said she will still live with me and still be committed to me. She was saying I have no compassion or understand her intentions and that made her sad. It made zero sense, but I could tell she was being stubborn and trying to justify it. She let me talk to him on the phone finally. Right away, I knew he sounded off mentally. He told me he got his heart broken recently by someone who cheated on him and was planning to give my girlfriend the ring he got for the other girl. He said he doesn't want the ceremony for himself, but for his parents to feel like they have a normal son because it was their dream to watch him get married. I told him this makes me angry because I was planning to propose to her already and I will never be able to marry her now. I then lost control and told him that if he does this, I'm going to ruin his life. And then he said calmly that his life is already ruined. He didn't give a shit. I seriously wanted to fight him and I felt he enjoyed having that power. So then there was a big argument. Her father was furious about the whole thing and was just screaming at her. He was saying some mean stuff, calling her an idiot, immature, delusional. And after a while, after he tears into all her arguments, she backs down and says it was never going to be a legal marriage anyway. Her mum kept on defending her, saying, let them do it. It's just for innocent fun. Let it make the boy's year. He was suicidal, blah, blah, blah. And her father kept saying, over my dead body, this is real life, not make-believe. We spoiled her. She should be focusing on her career, etc. I didn't know what to do, so I started to plan on how I would break up with her. But then the next day, she contacts me and tells me the entire thing is dropped. She said it's not going to happen and it was stupid and she was never serious about it. That she just wanted to do good for somebody who was suffering, who she grew up with. But she didn't want it to come between her and me. She said she was being selfish and got tunnel vision. Today, I proposed to her. I love her too much to dump her. She has a 9.5 and I'm only a 7. I would never be able to do better. I know looks aren't everything. She's more than just a body. I told her it was on the condition we would have a long engagement and I'm disturbed about this whole situation that happened and that if she didn't come to me with this news today, I would have ended the relationship. She told me to just forget it ever happened and then to prove it to me, she took the friend off her Facebook list in front of me and said she won't even talk to him again. And there's a couple of edits after some comments. So I'll just give you a quick overview of the comments. And they were pretty much proposing to her right now is the most counterproductive thing you could do in this situation. People saying this is an absolute bullshit place to be. Don't do it, etc., etc. And OP edited the post and says, I see you're all perfect and don't know what true love is. You all think she's a cheater, but she is not. She just has a really big heart. She goes out of her way to help people. Even beggars on the street, she will give them money. It's a headache still. Like she wanted to keep the guy's ring now because it's her first proposal ever. She's really sentimental that way. But I told her that's not acceptable to me and she's going to send it back to him with a letter explaining why she won't continue contact with him. Lastly, as for the comment about the 9.5 and 7, I don't see what the big deal is. I said she means more to me than just looks. But her looking great is a sign of beauty of what's inside her. Everyone wants to be around her and be in her life. It is really hard to deal with that as her boyfriend, always has been. So many times people drunk dial her or obsess about her with tons of phone calls. She still hasn't learned to be able to say no though and she told me she will work on it. But in eight years, she has never been unfaithful. I want to give her the best wedding now to prove to her I'm worth it. You guys might be right that she was testing me somehow. I do feel hurt and I don't completely understand it but 
It isn't enough to dump somebody for just being naive or for wanting to get married. If I dumped her like you all wanted, that wouldn't solve anything. I'm just going to cover one of the comments that was in that section that says, this is a sad update wrapped in happy words. Now was not the time to propose to her. You're ignoring everything that just happened. You were just shown that she's too immature to handle threats to a relationship until they get to a point where the relationship is almost over. And your first response upon her, just squeaking past the finish line before the judges called the race, is to hand her the membership into the Lifetime Hall of Fame. You need to sit down and re-examine your choices here. You've already proposed and it's really too late for that. So you need to have a long engagement where you actually pay attention to events like these and how she learns to handle them. This next line will save you a lot of heartache. If you pay attention to people's actions and not their words, over time, 99% of the population will tell you everything you need to know about whether they will be a positive or negative presence in your life. Don't be one of those people who stares down divorce in a decade or also lamenting, how could she have changed so much? When your friends are all sitting around rolling their eyes too polite to tell you that she didn't change one iota. You just matured enough to pay attention to the way she treats you rather than the way she talks to you. Very sad indeed. But what do you guys make of this situation? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. And let's move on to another story. Now, our next story does come from a throwaway account titled My 26 Male Girlfriend, 24 Female is Acting Weird and Hiding Things From Me. Hello, obligatory English isn't my first language and I'm on mobile. My girlfriend, 24 female, and me, 26 male, lived together since some months now. After the first lockdown, we decided we didn't want to spend so many months apart anymore, and we knew a lockdown was on its way, so we began living together. Perfect idea, as we are now on lockdown again. Also, we are together since nearly four years now. Everything is going very smoothly. We are best friends, and living together is a real pleasure. But some things are weird. She sometimes seems very fishy. Like some days ago, she looked guilty of something, went in the kitchen, passed by the living room to go to our room, and I saw she was hiding something behind her back. I jokingly asked what it was, and she said nothing. I began laughing and asking again, but she got angry and ran to our room to lock herself in. I saw what she had in her hands was a fork. Just a fork. A simple fork. Can't be mistaken. She did this twice this month. The first time I bumped into her, and she was hiding two spoons behind her back. Then she ran away to our room. I asked her after this happened, why does she hide those things? And she said, it is none of my business. Every couple has their secrets. I accepted it, but why spoons and forks? Also, I can see her sometimes doing the same thing, but from our room to the kitchen, simply taking those things back to their place. I never see those in our room though. Now, this is one of those stories where I just don't know what direction it's going to go. Is she just... Is it some sort of practical joke or game she's playing with you? Is it some sort of, I know this is going to sound weird, but some sort of comfort object. I know it's cutlery. <laughs> some sort of tradition or something like that. As I said, I've read so many Reddit stories. Not much will surprise me anymore. At least it wasn't a knife. That's a poo knife reference right there. <laughs> but I think like in a lot of these stories, I know you've already tried talking, but just be more open about it. You know, saying it's proper you need to know what's going on in this situation. Just come from a caring place and concern rather than, you know, suspicion or, or judgment or anything like that. Just to find out what's going on. I mean, you're living under the same roof. 
And I didn't even point out the most obvious thing. She might be just hiding her dirty knives and forks somewhere. <laughs> but OP does come back in to update the post. And they said, not many people saw my original post. But if those who did see it wanted an update on it, here it is. And oh boy, what an update. Oh no. After posting, I was scared. Was my girlfriend doing drugs behind my back? Did she have an eating disorder? Should I try to press for more answers? Should I put a camera? Should I take her by surprise and enter the room when she's in there alone? I decided to sit her down and talk. We communicate well, never argue when doing so, usually. But this time, even if I was the sweetest I have ever been, she got angry, really angry. Stop asking about it. No is no. You won't get an answer about it. She got cold after that, for days. Didn't talk to me anymore. Reddit scared me with the drugs and eating disorder comments, so I decided to put a camera in our room. I quickly saw what she was doing with them and it confused me even more. She just put them in a plastic bag. She put it in a backpack of hers and then she proceeded to put it in our dresser. After seeing that, I looked for the backpack in our dresser and there it was. Cutlery, a pan and a plate. I was even more confused. More questions than answers at that point. So I sat her down again. I took the backpack and opened it in front of her and asked again. She got angry, really angry. Then she cried. Then she went away for a walk. She sent me a message two hours later to tell me she was at her sister's and would come back when she felt ready. She came back two days later because she had to work and had no other choice anyway. And it was her time to sit me down and finally tell me what was up. She was fidgeting and nearly crying, but also laughing and she said, I know it's stupid, but I just hate washing the dishes. I asked her what she meant. I'm sorry for the way I acted about it all, but I was embarrassed to tell you the truth. I hate washing the dishes. And when it's my turn to do so, I take some of the dishes away, hide them. And when it's your turn to wash the dishes, I put them back, so I have less to wash. It made sense. Our rule is, whoever cooks doesn't have to do the dishes. I always thought, since she cooks fancy meals, that's why I always had to wash so many dishes. At that point, I just laughed because, what the fuck? Because it was also incredibly funny somehow. I decided to tell her about the camera. She was offended at first and laughed it off. She said she deserved it and would probably have done the same. Showed her the first post and she apologized for letting me worry so much for so little. All is well that ends well. It's a nice story to be honest. No grudge. Just a funny story to tell people in some years. For now, she's still way too embarrassed about it as expected. From now on, I will always wash the dishes and she will take care of the laundry. Edit. Just editing because people are blowing it out of proportions. I won't dump her over this. It's less worse than you believe. It's just a childish thing. I caught her hiding once and she thought it was too late to go back and she went with it until I found out what she was doing. She got angry because she was embarrassed. She is an anxious person. Some things are hard for her. It just happens it's 0.1% of who she actually is. I don't see things through rose-colored glasses. I'm very down to earth and see things as they are. A mistake. Yes, it made me do more dishes, but... What is one more plate and spoon? Also, we used to alternate. One day was me, one day was her. She never actually put dishes for long in the backpack and it was also in a plastic bag then in the backpack, as you would take your lunch for work. She is a human, not a simple post on Reddit. So it did turn out that she just didn't want to do the dishes and I still can't help but be weirded out by that. I know OP's you know, absolutely fine with the whole thing. But the fact that she couldn't just communicate that she didn't want to do the dishes in exchange for doing the laundry, I don't know, it just 
it's not sitting right with me. I have to say that. That she got so angry about it and trying to hide them, putting them in a backpack. It just seems like way more effort <laughs> than just washing them up in the first place. And I'm not trying to downplay, like, you know, it could be like a, it could be something else, like a texture thing or, or it could be something to do with textures or, or, or something like that, right? But still, you can communicate about it and you can swap chores or whatever you want to do rather than this whole thing of put him in a, in a baggie and then in a backpack and there was a pan there was a plate there was all sorts of cutlery going on in there she was verging on a whole dinner set at one point and when he finally had the sit down talk with her instead of then talking about it she got really angry again and then went away and not just to cool off she went away for two days i would have been fascinated to know what she told her sister when she arrived at the house why she's there away from her partner in that moment did she tell her the truth? Did she say, oh, I'm hiding knives and forks and plates in the cupboard. And that's why I'm here. I doubt it very, very much. I don't know, man. That's one of those ones that's going to sit in my head for a while while I question everything that's going on. Oh, dear, dear, dear. Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below on this story. What do you think is going on? As always, love to know your thoughts. And our next story is from, right, Rick. He's got a little bit of neighbor drama for us. It says, neighbors kept parking in our lot. I froze them out. This happened around 20 years ago. Our family owned two apartment buildings, three units each. We lived in two of them, rented out the other four. There's nothing but these three flats lining both sides of the road for about a mile. Not all have parking. On the side streets are houses and very little street parking. We had more land than most of these units since it was also our home. So we had parking for around 16 cars. Everything was fine for literally decades. Then cars started appearing in our parking lots that were not our tenants. I blocked one in one day, went outside to see this asshole drive through our bushes and across the yard to get out. I called the cops, nothing they could do. So I called a tow company and had them put up signs. We have to call them to have a car towed. The signs seemed to work and no more random cars. Until New Year's Eve one year, I arrive home and every space is filled. There are even cars on the street blocking in the other cars. I'm beyond piss so I call the tow company. They can't do anything for a few hours because they are so busy. We're in the Chicago suburbs. It's below zero out. I have an idea. I dig out the lawn sprinklers and hoses. I run one hose inside to the laundry room faucet and turn on the hot water. This way, the hose and sprinklers won't ice up, but the cars and ground sure did. Three sprinklers moved every half hour or so for almost five hours. Every car, every square inch of the parking lot, the street by the cars encased in ice. I made it a point to spray ice in the locks, between the window seals and glass, in the grills. Put away the sprinklers and hoses and went to bed. 4am, furious pounding on the doors, doorbells ringing non-stop. We just smiled and called the cops, waited until they arrived and went outside. Cops were holding back laughter. These people were told to park here by their friend, who owned an apartment several buildings away. The same idiot who drove over our bushes. I pointed to the tow sign and told people to move their cars or get towed. In our town, cops can ticket on private property with the owner's permission. So all cars were ticketed. They were also towed, since nobody could get in their vehicle. Wish we had it on video. And there was some back and forth 
in the comments on this one it has to be said because whilst a lot of people were saying yeah absolutely deserved and all this other people were saying you know they were told to park in that parking lot so maybe it was a bit unfair on them whilst other people saying you know there were signs up as well so it's their own fault Whew. what do you guys make of this situation getting ice off of a car is a, such a pain in the ass i know that much let me know your thoughts down in the comments below let's find another story and for this story, we're staying in the Pro Revenge subreddit from Bransonen, who says, My boss stole my Super Bowl ticket, so I made him lose a major client. With the NFL playoffs back on, I thought you all might enjoy this football-related revenge story. I'm a huge 49ers fan, the rabid all-day tailgating parking lot type. A few years ago, we made it back to the Super Bowl. I was working at a consulting firm with a handful of accounts I would interact with directly. One client in particular knew how big of a Niners fan I was. I was the day-to-day -day lead on his account. He really liked working with me and we became friends, often grabbing drinks or dinner after our meetings. He had access to a pair of extra company seats to the game and as a thank you, wanted to give them to me as a gift. He passed the tickets over to the partner on that account, who I will refer to as Dickhead Partner, to be given to me as a surprise. The game came and went, we lost, it sucked. The next time we met, we went to drinks afterwards and he mentioned, Hey, by the way, why didn't you go to the game? I heard someone else was in your seats. I asked, what game? He said, the Super Bowl. Confused, I answered, I didn't have seats to the Super Bowl. He told me that he gave Dickhead Partner a pair of his company tickets for me as a gift so I could attend. I had zero idea what he was talking about. He looked shocked, told me to quietly ask around about it and to get back to him. When I was back in the office the next week, I found out through one of the secretaries that Dickhead Partner had given a pair of Super Bowl tickets to another one of his clients as a gift from our company. Whew, I might have let this sort of thing go to keep the peace under different circumstances, but these were seats on the 30-yard line to see the fucking 49ers play in the Super Bowl. I was pissed. I considered confronting Dickhead Partner myself, but realized it was the client who had noticed I wasn't there in the first place. So if I let him handle it, there would be no blowback on me. So I text him, hey, I just wanted to thank you so much for thinking of me with those seats. It appears that they were given to another one of our firm's clients. He texts back right away in all caps, are you shitting me? And then pretend I never told you, let me handle. He followed up with me about formulating a plan. A few days later, we were asked to come down for a meeting in their office. The client requested the partner be present, not entirely unusual. So Dickhead Partner and I hopped a flight the next week and headed over to their office. Little did Dickhead Partner know, my client had orchestrated a wonderfully awkward little show to catch him red-handed. When we entered the conference room, it was all the usual suspects along with a woman in her 30s we didn't recognize. My client immediately introduces Dickhead Partner, this is Stephanie such and such, a VP from other department. She wanted to sit on this meeting. Hey OP, you guys must already know her from the Super Bowl. She then responds as she goes to shake my hand. Oh, I don't think so. Did we meet there? I'm sorry if I forgot. Client responds, Geez, Steph, how much did you have to drink? They were sitting right next to you. Client looks at me and I say, I'm sorry, I wasn't there. Are you thinking of someone else? At this point, Dickhead Partner is looking visibly uncomfortable, probably trying to come up with an excuse. He starts with a, um, when Stephanie says over him, No, so and so from other company were in the other seats. By the way, I was wondering why we gave company seats to those guys. Is there a project we're working with them on that I didn't know about? Obviously not. 
They were in a completely different industry, so it would be like Coca-Cola partnering with John Deere. Dickhead partner lets out an uh again, and the client immediately speaks over him, asking, Dickhead partner, I gave you those tickets for OP. At this point, Dickhead partner is turning bright red. He responds, oh, uh, well, he wasn't able to make it, so he must have given the seats away to someone else. And turns to me, looking for me to cover for him. Client smirks at me. I respond, uh, what are you talking about? Client, you gave me tickets to the Super Bowl. Client suddenly raises his voice. Dickhead partner, those tickets were a personal thank you gift from me to OP. Did you give them away to someone else? And then he pauses. Was it another client? Dickhead partner butts in with a, oh, uh, maybe something got mixed up in the office. Client went quiet for what probably seemed like an eternity to Dickhead partner. He then looked down, grabbed his portfolio and iPad, put them into his briefcase and said, I think this meeting is over. OP, it seems as if I owe you a thank you gift. Let's go to lunch. Stephanie, you're welcome to join Dickhead Partner. I need to evaluate our relationship. Please go back home and expect to hear from us next week. Dickhead Partner suggests he would like to join, presumably to do damage control, and Stephanie sternly tells him, I don't think that's a good idea, and asks for the front desk to see Dickhead Partner out. As soon as he is in the elevator, we all break out laughing hysterically. Stephanie wasn't really a VP, just an employee at the company the client had drafted into helping with his pre-planned meeting skit. But she did end up coming to lunch with us and was a fellow Niners fan and a total blast to hang out with. On our way to the restaurant, I got a desperate text from Dickhead Partner saying I need to cover for the firm and that we could discuss things when I got back. I replied, yes, we need to talk, but I'll see what I can do. Client told me to wait a couple of hours and then respond to him. One, to expect invoices for the resale value of the Super Bowl tickets. Resale is way above face value. It was over 10k, as well as our lunch. He picked the pricey spot and made a big show of overspending, and that he expected them to be paid immediately. Two, expected I be given a direct apology. Three, expected a written apology to his company for what he considered theft. And four, he will only interact with me or another one of our firm's partners. Never dickhead partner. This whole thing caused a stir with the other partners and I actually came off looking great because it appeared that I had made a good faith effort to save the client from the firm despite being the victim in this situation. The client would transfer to another partner which meant dickhead partner lost his profit share on any work with them. Oh and the other partners in the firm made dickhead partner pay the invoices back out of his salary. In retrospect I really have no idea what the hell the guy was thinking. Did he seriously believe the client would just not notice me not thanking him for Super Bowl tickets. Anyway, the well was kind of poisoned for me there long term because dickhead partner wasn't going anywhere. I left the firm a few months later for a much better position. Client ultimately terminated their relationship with that firm a year later. He actually now works with a good friend of mine at a competing firm. I'm still pissed I missed out on the Super Bowl, even though we lost. Hoping we make it back this year so I can finally go to one in person. Go <laughs> Niners. I have no clue about American football. I just know it's absolutely huge and it's got quite big in the UK now as well. Like I know a lot of people that always tune in when it's on, regardless of what time it's on in the morning. <laughs> what the hell was that guy thinking? The bloody Burke thinking he's going to get away with that somehow. I would just love to have been in that meeting room as that me as that was going on, watching that guy sitting there trying to think of an excuse, sweating, <laughs> cheeky bastard. Someone replied directly below this saying similar thing happened to a friend with concert tickets. She got the tickets directly from the client. 
Boss took them from her office and posted them on Craigslist, told the client she wasn't allowed to accept gifts. Client found the listing for the tickets, contacted a partner, and let them know Boss took personal property and sold it, and then kept the money. He was fired for theft. <laughs> what the hell? Now, I'm going to turn this one to you guys. What do you guys make of this situation? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. And next, we're going to move over to the malicious compliance subreddit with Nefarious Allo, who says, I complied and cost my boss his bonus and his job. I'm a corporate professional in middle management. My boss is a senior manager and he's horrible at his job. Peter Principal totally applies. He got his annual goals sent down from the corporate ether and naturally he added these things to my list of responsibilities. He would receive a hefty bonus for completing them. I would receive none. He would take all the credits and tell me I was lucky to have him as a mentor. He had this big shot personality. He was a smooth talker that acted like a celebrity and he was just too important to be bothered by the people lower on the totem pole. He only wanted to interact with people he could brag about and beyond puckering to kiss their behinds, he spent most of his time at his work but perusing dating apps. We were a very in-demand group within the company. We had a revolving door of people coming to our area daily to get help from us. Non-management employees weren't allowed to have cell phones and didn't have access to email. Stopping in was their only option. My boss got furious if I wasn't in my office to catch all the traffic. Completing his goals for him required me to be out of my office. He demanded that I stay in my office for my full shift every single day and accused me of leaving the property and stealing company time because if I wasn't in my office, how would he know I was working? So I complied. I stayed in my office. When his annual review came up, he lost his bonus because he didn't meet a single goal for the entire year. He fell under intense scrutiny. It was found that he was using company funds and resources to take these dating app encounters to expensive places and was expensing it as work related. He also used company funds that were meant for a building upgrade to build a new patio at his house. He asked the contractor, a friend of his, to do the work and find a way to add the money into the company bill. He was promptly fired. I'm surprised that didn't turn more legal with him actually stealing company funds and using it for a patio on his house. Surely he can be done as a criminal for that. <laughs> what do you guys make of this situation? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. And our next story comes from the Am I the Arsehole subreddit from Supermarket Fair 3341 and says, Am I the Arsehole for bringing up my brother's premature birth at a Christmas dinner to get my parents to shut up? I am a nurse practitioner and I am the primary care provider for a lot of the low-risk maternity cases at the practice where I work. I also work hand-in-hand -hand with the doctors and midwives to create a healthy maternity, birth, and postpartum situation. My fiancé is completing her residency. We live together and have for a few years now. We aren't in any hurry to get married. We originally had plans to do so a couple of years ago, but then we got really busy for two years. It's driving my very religious parents crazy that the youngest son is living in sin. I don't really care. I'm an adult and I do what I want. We're getting married in June. So we're visiting my parents for Christmas. The way it came together this year, everyone is at my parents' house. So that's my folks, my three siblings, myself and fiance, and seven grandchildren. So 17 people. At dinner, my mum starts going on about how she is so glad that we're finally getting married and she won't be embarrassed at church anymore. And my dad says how proud he is 
of the three older kids who all either waited to get married before moving in together or got married right away after moving in together. My fiance was getting embarrassed and I was getting mad over the stupid argument we have had too many times and a family dinner was the last straw. I've asked them repeatedly to just accept that they cannot control how I live my life. I refuse to stay with them when I visit, even if I come alone. Hotels are just easier. So I started talking about a premature baby I'd been reading about. It was almost three months premature and weighed about 1.6 pounds. It was super strong and healthy for being born so little and the NICU had high hopes for the baby doing well. My mom and dad both got deer in the headlights looks on their faces. Too bad. Should not have fucked around with my fiance's feelings. So I asked about my oldest brother. He was born almost four months premature. Is there a chance that we could check out the family album where we keep all the records of family births and stuff? I already know that my brother was over nine pounds and almost 23 inches long when he was born. My grandmother told me all about it the first time my parents tried to shame me. The subject gets changed very fast. After supper, my parents told me that I should not try to embarrass them with private things that are not my concern. I told them that if I heard anything about my living arrangements ever again for the rest of my life, I would make sure to keep bringing up the fact that my mum was in her second trimester when they got married. My parents are mad at me for telling them how to behave in their own home, but my fiancé is happy that they seem to be off the subject for good. Am I <laughs> the asshole? Absolutely not. Scammer C says not the asshole. My grandma used to say the first baby after marriage can come anytime. The second one always takes nine months. Next time they give you guys grief, discuss how comfortable the backseat of your dad's old car was. The queen of disco says not the asshole. I absolutely love this. My own judgy grandmother pretended to be also moral in the old fashioned sense. My father accidentally revealed that she was pregnant when she got married to my grandfather. That was incorrect. She wasn't pregnant at all. My oldest uncle was about seven months old when they got married, lol. And why they couldn't get married sooner? My grandfather had to get divorced from his first wife first. It's often the people with the most things to hide who enjoy judging others for things that are none of their business. And one more from Top Puts who says, I was absolutely lost when you said his size and weight at four months was premature. Then I had a ding, 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 shining light on the road to Damascus moment and very much laughed as I realized what you had done. Well played. Well played indeed. Not the asshole. And let's have one more story because I'm loving the random stories at the moment. Again, this is from the Am I the Arsehole subreddit from SavingsPattern3614 who says, Am I the Arsehole for not taking down my video that was a gift from my best man? I have a sister that's six years older than me. My parents for years cancel on me last minute because of my sister. I have a basketball game. Oops, sorry, sister doesn't feel like going out. I'm graduating. Oops, sorry, sister had a bad day at work. I have missed both major and smaller events in my life because of her meltdowns. I met the love of my life. We decided to tie the knot. From the beginning, I told my parents how I'm worried my sister will ruin another special moment in my life. My mum told me over and over again it would not happen. The day of my wedding, I received a voicemail from my mum saying they couldn't come because my sister's dog was sick and she was upset. I was hurt. My best man, however, is a jokester. He took my phone, then went to my fiance and asked if he could post a video of our wedding as a gift on social media. She loved this idea. I had no idea about it until I came home. Our honeymoon was at a lake side cabin. No cell service. The post caption was, my best friend. He's an amazing person, even if his parents never showed up for him. 
Video was still pictures of us next to her parents, me on the dance floor cutting the cake. Where you would normally see both parents in the wedding pictures, the sound behind the video was my mum's voicemail explaining how they couldn't come because my sister's dog was sick. I came home a week later to hundreds of messages, family members from both sides insisting I take it down. I was told my sister hasn't stopped crying. My mum is refusing to leave the house. I may be the asshole here. I didn't take it down when I got my messages. I didn't call my family back right away. I waited until my vacation time was over at work and enjoyed my time with my wife in our new home before I contacted anyone. My dad told me to take down the video. It was just a bad night for them, that they will make it up to me and my wife for not coming. My reply was exactly, how do you plan to make up my wedding? It's a once in a lifetime thing. You choose to ignore my feelings on the whole matter. Then he just repeated, he will make it up to me. I told him I'd take down the video only when he made up missing my wedding. Flustered, we both hung up on the phone before we both said things we shouldn't have. Am I the asshole here? I could have just taken down the video. I'm just going to give you an overview of the comments on this one. A lot of people were saying, you know, good for OP, don't take down the video. Well, you know, there was some other people questioning at the same time that they've only got OP's version and they're just hoping. He didn't leave out that the parents' favoritism is due to like the sister having, having some kind of condition, whatever that may be. Not that it would excuse missing the wedding, but it might just change some of the information a bit. What are your thoughts on that one? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. And just a huge thank you from the bottom of my heart for getting involved in today's stories. Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. As always, a huge thank you for joining me today. And hopefully I will see you in the next one. Take care and much love.